The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Good to see you here. Good to see you. Nice to uh, have you in Texas. Yeah. Not, well, it's been, yeah, this is nice. I'm trying to work on being a better New Yorker by okay. not like comparing everything the first day to like New York. That's how New Yorkers are. Every time you like go to a new city, you're like, ah, this is like the Brooklyn of, this is like the Queens of, uh, this is like the Brooklyn yeah. Bridge of. Yeah. This is a different animal down here. Yeah. It's uh, it's like hipsters who have guns. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way yeah, of putting it. Yeah, hipsters with concealed carry permits. Yeah, I yeah. hung I hung out uh, last night with uh, one of the dudes from the Drinking Bros podcast. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, he was like, "I'm gonna walk home in the park," and then he made a joke. He was like, "Yeah, if anyone talks to me, I'll just shoot him." And he was like, "Don't worry, I haven't killed anyone stateside." And I was like, oh, "He means that shit." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, I went to Terry's too. Terry Black's is that uh, yeah Terry yeah. Black's barbecue yeah yeah that was the best uh, brisket I've ever had in my entire life uh, yeah people say that oh you gotta go to this place I'm like no I don't if if barbecue is better than that I don't want it <laughs> I don't I just like you can't I don't know how you can get better I mean I don't want to ruin my life if barbecue is better than that I don't know how I'm gonna eat anything else yeah it's I, it was the best I've ever had and they were telling me it's the fourth best. So Who I was like, says that? That's what they were saying. They were going like, you got to go to this yeah, other... Yeah, they, they always do that here, though. Yeah. Oh, you got to go to Franklin's because you got to wait in line. <laughs> I've had Franklin's. It's fucking amazing. It's yeah. really good. It's not that much different. Right. I, I mean, it's just all great. The brisket at Terry Black's is fucking insane. Yeah. They slice it. It's sopping wet. The, the juices are pouring out of it. You eat it. It's melting in your mouth. You don't need any teeth to chew it. <laughs> Yeah, it's tender. Like, what yeah. the fuck is better than this? How does it get better? Yeah, you can a baby. You can feed it to a baby. You'll go down. Ugh. Yeah, you don't need teeth. <laughs> just throw it in the gums and it. Yeah, it melts. It's so good. And did you have their beef ribs? No, we had the Ugh. sausage with the cheese in it. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that was real good. Jalapeno cheddar. Yeah. yeah. Bro, the beef ribs, you pick up the rib, and you try to hold the rib up, and it just slides off the rib and yes. slops onto the plate. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Oh. It was so good. And they then gave I got... me a tour of the smokers. Like, they make, they have someone make their own smokers out of propane tanks. So there's these giant propane tank smokers. It's next level down. Like, this, Austin, you could tell, is kind of like the way Brooklyn was when it started. You're doing it. You're doing it. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> yeah, I just fucking did it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like retarded, New York. We're like, we think we're better than everyone, and we're just, we're, it's just all bravado. Like, we can't do anything except you take us out of New York, and we're like, where am I? Where's the, where's the bodega? Where's the, where can I get a slice? We can't. But at its best, New York is the ultimate city. At its best, it's the ultimate place. It really is. It's jammed with people. There's a million different flavors. There's all kinds of different restaurants and neighborhoods. And it's, it's, and, and it's a legitimate melting pot where you get on the subway. You sit, there's millionaires next to homeless people. And everybody's together. And everybody walks down the street together. Yeah. And that is one thing that separates it and makes it superior to Los Angeles. Los Angeles is isolated. Everyone's isolated in their little community. Isolated in their car they drive to a place they give their key to a valet they don't mingle as much yeah in new york people are out there they're they're mingling it's true i went to uh school in dc and that was the first time i left new york and i realized how segregated that city was and in new york people are forced to interact with each other yes. just because it's a walking city yeah and so you got to take the train i mean you're crazy to try to drive 
cross town. It'll take you longer to go cross town than it will to let go to another state. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you're forced to mingle and see. And it is a universe crammed into one. It is kind of unique that way where you kind of actually meet a Peruvian person or like yeah. someone who's half from Bolivia, half Peru. You go to other places, it's like Mexicans, you know, yeah. <laughs> New York, it's like you find you you learn about countries you didn't even know was existed. Yeah. You're like you're from Uganda. All right, that's a country. All right, and you can go to Chinatown, and you might as well be in Asia. You will get legit yeah. Chinese food at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. They got a fish tank. They'll scoop the fish out and kill it in front of you. Yeah, cook. I mean, it's as fresh as it can be. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an amazing place when it's at its best. My my worry is that it's not going to be that place again. It's not right now. I mean, I was about to say that you ever go to Chinatown in the summer? It gets hot. And it gets uh, weird. The, yeah, the smells. Yeah, if you, yeah, you want you wish you'd lose your smell from COVID <laughs> during that. I mean, that shit stinks. It's like New York's asshole. Well, I remember in New York when the um, the garbage strikers, the garbage workers were on strike, yeah. and uh, I was in Harlem. I was in Harlem because a friend of mine who was a professional pool player was going there to meet this guy who was a, a, a pimp who was also a pool hustler, and he would bet high. And so we went to this pool hall in Harlem, and dude, the, I'm not exaggerating by saying the garbage was stacked seven feet high, and there was rats running all over the place because no one had picked up the garbage. So people would go outside, put a bag of garbage, go back inside, and the garbage would just keep stacking. Yeah. And for, I don't know how long the strike lasted, but for as long as it lasted, it was bizarre. Like, you'd be like, Jesus, that's a rat. That's another rat. Like, yeah. how many fucking rats are here? It was, yeah. there was so many rats. I would think that they would go on strike more because they have such leverage. Oh, yeah. Like, they could just be like, all right, you know, you want this city to stink worse? The problem is it's a good job and other people will jump in. Yeah, that's true. But then that's when you got to do the picket line and break people's heads and yeah. go old school, you know? That's what you got to unionize and you like know. how much does a garbage worker get paid? They get paid because nobody wants to do that's it. You have to be strong, right? You got to have a high tolerance for smell. Smell, yeah. I and, bet your immune system gets fucking oh, pumped dude, up. Though. That's the one thing about being in New Yorker. Like that's why I was surprised I got so sick with COVID because I was like I've been eating rat piss for a year. <laughs> Every time you order out, there's yeah. like a little rat piss on it, mm. a little rat shit and a lot of a little rat piss. Yeah. Cheers, by the way. Cheers, Thank brother. you for thanks for being here, man. Give me a stick and a. You are a fantastic follow on Twitter. You're hilarious, Thank but you. I, I worry about your mental health. Yeah, because you me tweet, too. you tweet so much. I'm like, Shannis is yeah. really funny, and I don't want to <laughs> tell him to stop doing this. But goddamn, this is not good because I know he's probably reading replies and. Yeah, mm. yeah, I got that thing where uh, I, I don't. I, it doesn't seem like I'm. Uh, it seems like a lot of us get infected by that, where we just. We start. We see the reply, and we're like, "Motherfucker, exactly. yeah, no fuck you, <laughs> <laughs> no fuck you." And then you're going, "What am I doing?" And you know, in the beginning of a comic's career, in particular, it's a crucial tool because people can see your funny writing, they can see your perspectives. But there's a lot of people that I follow, especially during COVID. I can watch their descent into madness, and I watch them arguing with people about shit and yelling and being like really uncivil. And I'm like, "God damn!" Like. I know you. Yeah. You're not this guy. Like, why? You, what are you doing? Like, you want to go hug him? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a negative, evil place. And actually, I think the first time we communicated, I jumped in when you were arguing with uh, like some woke chick who was just trying to get you, and I just started like asking her questions, and then you like personally messaged, and you're like, "Hey, man, thanks for having my back." <laughs> so you see, you it was that was That's positive true. reinforcement. That was years ago. You should have right? told me. You should have been like, that? "Hey, man, you shouldn't you shouldn't have done that." It was years ago. It was uh, I that was don't before remember. I swore off. Yeah. You did the right thing. 
It's I a, had to. I got, it got untenable for me. It's like, uh, and also I realized like I'm not getting anything. I, I'm just honest with myself. I'm not getting any uh, anything out of this. I'm not getting any progress. Like with my head. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like you it just you just slide. Yeah. It just it, I never come out of those feeling good. Even no. if I trample somebody, <laughs> I never I never feel like yeah that was worth doing. It's yeah. always like why oh, did I do that? And I, I, I don't even want to do that. Like I don't even want to trample somebody. I want to like find them and talk to them one on one, and I guarantee we would have a reasonable discussion. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it's just the worst way to communicate with people. I remember once I was like doing some uh, one nighter and I was pulling over on the side of the road to finish uh, an argument, and I was like this. <laughs> <laughs> I was just actually pulling over on a highway to oh, be like, wait so a second, crazy. I just thought of a good point. Let me get this guy I don't know about who's probably like gonna not get it and uh yeah that's when i knew i had a problem that's why i love your show because it's like it's the opposite of twitter it's like the total opposite of these pithy little wait fuck add tweet add tweet fuck i gotta take the the out to make my point this is like you get to really express yourself get to know somebody that's what's great about yeah that's what's great about podcasts you know it's just it's but and and ironically enough, that's the podcast probably inspired the most hate tweets ever. Right. Because people aren't in this room right. and then they're they're hearing some of the things you say or I say or one of the guests says and they're like, No, fuck you <laughs> and, they, and they tweet it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But if you don't read it, it doesn't affect you. Yeah. But also the another reason I love this show is um I always just I always wondered like when I would watch a late night show, I'd be like, Why the fuck do I care about what Gail Gadot has to say about Gal, anything. It's Gal, it's Gal. I don't even fuck. You know, she's hot, Wonder Woman. She's hot. Yeah, but I mean, like, she's an actress. Yes. What interesting thing could she say besides me looking at her, wanting her, the same reason why she's famous? You know, like, I'd rather hear from an astrophysicist mm. or a fucking astronaut or, you know, Elon Musk. I mean, it's I, the only show that has me on and Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Jamie. I was like, you probably get, like, calls from big publicists, like, hey, we want to have Matt Damon. And you're like, no, we got to have this small crazy comedian from new york i would have matt damon i like matt damon a lot he's a cool dude i like him a lot but he's an interesting guy that happens to be an actor i had matthew mcconaughey on he's one of the most interesting people i talked to yeah he's a fascinating guy who happens to be an actor like there's a lot of people that happen to be actors and maybe gal gadot is one of them i don't know yeah i don't think so but i I might be wrong we we shit on her hard me and tom segura when they released that uh imagine video oh that was the best i felt bad (laughs) we went hard nobody cares about America more than <laughs> actors in Hollywood. They're such patriots, don't they? Well, you know what it was? We were talking about it. It's like they just didn't have any attention for a long time. Right. And then because of COVID, everything was locked down. There was no movies, there was no interviews. So they needed something to get their name out there. And yeah. so they, they attached themselves to that. And then there was another one that they did, the black and white one where they were talking about race. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That yeah. was the dumbest one ever. I will no longer tolerate it. It's like, yeah. what are you tolerating yeah. now? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of shit was happening in your life right. before that you were just letting slide? Right. What were you doing? Yeah. Jesus how bad were you being? I love how they made it black and white. I would love yes. to be there during that meeting when they watched it and they were like no 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 it's not it's not earnest enough yeah it's probably Stanley Tucci you yeah. have to make this black it's and gotta white. be black and white yeah you've gotta to make it look white. indie yeah low budget the problem is like when a good really good actor that you really respect and enjoy does that anytime you see them in the future you're gonna think about that video and you're gonna like you silly person yeah, yeah. you're silly yeah yeah. silly goose. Yeah. You're speaking, s- speaking of silly gooses, we're talking about Tim Dillon and his battle with Airbnb. Yeah. So <clears throat> Tim Dillon, who uh, does a lot of renting with Airbnb, apparently left some dishes. That's it. Just left some dirty dishes. And uh, That's his side of the story. 
Th- yeah, we don't know true. what he was coming on, who we had over. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't think that was the complaint, though. No, I'm I just saying. The real issue was not even just that, that he left dishes behind, which he shouldn't. You're supposed to clean the dishes. Yeah. That's on Tim. But then afterwards, he did a long podcast where I believe he said their names yeah. and uh, uh, <clears throat> made reference to their sexual orientation, which he's allowed to do being a gay, gay man. Guy. That, but he doesn't seem like a gay guy. Yes, so no. it throws a lot of people off. He kind of he kind of comes off as like he was molested, gay. Yeah, mm. like he was straight, and then like they got to him. Yeah, he well, got he comes off as a fucking Republican from Long Island. Yeah, that's what he comes off as. Yeah, yeah, he is that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's he's down the middle. He just like is this true comedian, and he goes after everybody. But oh, when, yeah. he'll tell you when he was younger, he was he would be sitting in his car listening to Rush Lamba, like fucking yeah, we got to honor our contract with the people of Iraq, you know. <laughs> <laughs> He'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Long Island's my my wife is from Long Island. I mean, you know, her uh, everyone of her family, they're all Trump. I mean, it Long Island's its own country. It is. It's 9 million people back there in like Brooklyn's ass. And it it's really like is. they're their yeah. own country. They don't go anywhere else. They don't leave. They watch a TV and they just yeah, they don't even watch Fox now. That's like CNN. That's like they like George Soros bought that. We're watching this QAnon <laughs> network now. <laughs> The it's OAN open. network. Dude, New York is closed down. Like, New York's closed down. Fucking Long Island is wide open. Is it really? Why? You could go to a restaurant. Like, really? yeah, people aren't wearing masks. It's nuts. Yeah. Are they allowed to? Or are they just doing it under the radar? I think Long Island just kind of goes like, fuck you, you know? Fucking really? Long Island. Yeah, we're going out. Fucking Long Island. Yeah. Really? Fucking these cucks. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I always enjoyed working on Long Island. And then um, in the 80s, or I guess it was the 90s, actually, when I came to New York, there was this weird sort of superiority complex that people had about New York City. Like, you either worked the city or you were a hack. Mm-hmm. And I was always like, God damn, I guess I'm a hack because I need to do the road. Like, that's where you make money. Right. Like, I would work the city and I would do gigs in the city and I'd make like $15 for a 15-minute set. And I was like, okay, how many of these do I have to do right. to pay my fucking rent? Right. I don't remember it was 15 bucks, But yeah. I remember Dangerfields was slightly more, so yeah. I did Dangerfields. But when you did Dangerfields, they didn't count it. Like, that's not really the city. Yeah. Like, it's right. It's in the fucking city. Like, yeah, what are you like, talking uh, about? It was the city in 1977. <laughs> 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 yeah, they should put that in the address. Like, we're on First Avenue in 1983. <laughs> Great club, though. It's closed, unfortunately, but the it thing on, was, It went man, under from COVID? It went under, yeah. It is, are they planning on reopening? I heard they were. I hope so. I hope so. You know, it was a great place, but, you know, yeah, when you go to work, Dangerfields, they would, like, you'd have to wait. You know, because, yeah, like you said, in New York, you're running around doing sets. And, like, lately, when I would go there, like, once in the blue moon, or you're like, fuck, let me just fill this spot, they would uh, pay in check. So you'd have to, like, wait. But yes. they would write it. They wouldn't yeah. have it for you. So you do your set, and then you're just like waiting for your check by the bar, mm-hmm. and uh, you got to run to another set, and like you're just waiting for the check. And there's a few times I was just like, you know what, fucking keep the twenty five bucks. I, <laughs> I would do Dangerfields just for their cheeseburgers. They had the best fucking cheeseburgers. They would have like ground steak cheeseburgers. I mean, they were phenomenal. They were so good. It was like literally the best cheeseburger in New York City. Yeah. Was at Dangerfields, at least in the 90s. Yeah, not anymore. No? I would, yeah, I don't even think they have a kitchen anymore. I don't what? think they were doing food for a while, yeah. Oh, the burgers were so good. Yeah. Like Did, everyone knew. Wow. Everyone knew. You go to che- you go to Dangerfields, get a cheeseburger. Yeah. Did you ever, uh, you know, Charo, the, uh, the waiter? He was a Greek guy from yes. Cyprus. He was still there? He died. I think he died just recently. But he's still there. He was still there till... Till before COVID, he, he's a guy. He always comes over. He just tells you the most racist joke. 
He goes, how come? And he says with the Greek eye, like, how come the point? How do you get a one-armed Polak out of a tree? He's like, wave, and then he laughs to himself. <laughs> He's like an 80-year-old Greek guy. Did Still you ever meet Scotty? Um, Scotty was the, the power lifter guy who was the uh, doorman? Not there anymore, yeah. Scotty used to make his own weights. He used to fill, uh, like, uh, a bucket, like, a, like one of these, you know, those big white plastic buckets, fill it up with cement. And he would uh, he would lift them. Wow. He would put like a pole in between them and do like pre- he was a tank of a man. Yeah. And I remember one time during like some extra rowdy show, it might have been one of those prom shows. I'm not really sure, but he I remember he picked a guy up by his neck. He grabbed the guy, grabbed him by the back of the neck, and put a hand on his belt buckle or in his belt rather, and hoisted him in the air and was carrying the guy out. And the guy was like, Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he had, like, real work strength. Yeah, he was built like yeah. a barrel. Yeah. Like, he wasn't built like a bodybuilder. He yeah. was like a barrel. Yeah. And he would always shit on you, no matter no matter how, but in a fun way. Like, no matter how good your set was, yeah. he goes, oh, you tricked him again with that fucking shite act of yours. <laughs> he, would always, he would always keep you in check. Yeah, yeah. Good guy. That, that was, I, I really missed that kind of shit on you humor when I came to L.A., where L.A., everyone was, like, extra nice to you. Like for no reason, they were like fake nice, and in New York they would shit on you. Yeah, it was like it was like a fun thing. Yeah. they would shit on you with a smile. Yeah, and you felt good about it. It was a warm. Sh- and comics would do it ruthlessly to each other. When I came to L.A., no one was doing that. Yeah, it's a weird thing when you're from New York. That's how you communicate with your friends, kind of. Yes, you grow up, and I mean Boston takes it to another level where it's like the ball breaking is like they get a little too mean. They go mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I did laugh, laugh Boston once. This guy came up to me afterwards, and he was like, the first thing he said to me was that I needed to change my outfit. And he was like, you dress too good for here. Oh. Yeah, he was like, yeah, you know, fucking you sneak it. Like, he was just like, the, he just a critique. They're just aggressive. They're like, a little too aggressive. They're a little too aggressive, yeah. Well, it was one of the rare places where people would still have street fights every night, <laughs> and, and they wouldn't pull weapons. Like, I remember when we were in Faneuil Hall, when uh, the Comedy Connection was in Faneuil Hall, I went there with Chris McGuire. And uh, we went to McDonald's afterwards. We were walking across the street. We saw a fucking giant brawl like happen right in front of McDonald's. And Chris and I were like, you know, there's something cool about this place. Like, it's the last place where people actually fight. They're not shooting each other. Yeah. They're not stabbing each other. They just agree. Yeah. They just agree to fisticuffs. Yeah, that's, there's something nice about that. <laughs> it, that's like uh, Manchester, like uh, in England. You ever go to Manchester? Oh, yes. I mean, they... They just fight. They, yes. they look for fights. That's where Michael Bisping's from, I believe. I believe he's from Manchester. Yeah, that's a fucking yeah. fisticuffs town. And yeah. then there's like, those guys just can't handle their liquor. Like nighttime, there's just piles of vomit everywhere. You gotta like <laughs> avoid them like a speed skater. Like <laughs> they just love to fight and drink. Yeah. Yeah. England's an, an interesting place. It's a fun place to do stand up. They really love stand up. Yeah. They're so it's interesting because they are brawlers in a lot of ways, but they're also polite. Like the American stand up never really happened in England the same way and like their stand-up style is very different you yeah. know it's more uh, like um, performance it's more like because yes. they're kind of like the country you look at their history it's like they have a deeper appreciation for live performance than like we do because they go back it's the land of Shakespeare sure. Chaucer sure you know and that's why like actors like when they make those videos I just I, I, I yearn for the days where you just like we worship the writer and not like what do you do you're reading his lines yeah. You know, and I'm worshiping you because your face is nice. Well, there's levels to it, right? <clears throat> like there's a Daniel Day Lewis level. 
you know, there's, there's, he's on it alone. You yeah. could actually probably call it the Daniel Day Lewis level, <laughs> like Michael Jordan of the Daniel right. Day Lewis of. Yeah, love that. He goes make shoes in Italy when he's off. Yeah, well, that's what he's doing now only. Yeah, he's a cobbler, I believe. Yeah. I believe he's completely retired from acting. Wow, which is so strange. Yeah, but when you go like you watch like There Will Be Blood, like who 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 can do that? Just Daniel Day-Lewis. There's like one or two other people out there. Yeah. You know, like Christian Bale's capable of it. Yeah. He can hit some crazy highs. And he's one of those guys that fucks his body up, too. Yeah. He took years off of his life for a terrible movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that movie. The yeah. Machinist? The Machinist, It was yeah. a terrible movie. Yeah. And the guy almost died. Yeah. Like, his main focus was almost dying. Yeah. To, so he could fit the part of a guy with severe insomnia that never slept and never ate. Yeah, he. I mean, he's dedicated. He's an artist. Gary Oldman, another one. Another one. He yeah. doesn't get the credit he deserves. No, but like well, because he did some whack movies later. I think after a while, he's like, I'm tired of this. I'm just going to do some whack movies. Yeah. Like you remember when? Uh, you know who did that? De Niro. De Niro did some stupid. Like he did a Narnia movie where, he, like, it was with him and was it Sharon Stone and him? They, they were in like some terrible fantasy movie. I forget what movie it was, think, but yeah. I'm like, oh, De Niro is just getting paid. And then later on, uh, before he got divorced, he was in an argument in a restaurant. It was a very public spat with his, his wife. And uh, he said, well, if you wouldn't stop, if you didn't spend all my fucking money, I wouldn't have to do these shit movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I love that where you hear about those because, you know, he's got to live his whole life being De Niro. Yeah. Like when he's out, he knows people are looking. He's always got to be in control. Yeah. And if anyone's going to set him off or he's going to have a moment that's not, you know, uh, it's not kind of controlled by PR, it's like a, your wife, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if she really is spending all of his money yeah. forcing him to do these shit movies. Dude, yeah. Like if I'm going to divorce my wife, I got to, like, I don't know where my career is going. It's probably going nowhere. I don't know. But like I think about, like, if this gets bigger, like, I should divorce her now. Like, when we get in an argument, I threaten divorce all the time. Do you really? I go right to it. Yeah. Oh, I'm a hardliner. Yeah, I go, you know, I'll be like, look, I, I could leave. But then, like, if things start going good, you got to start thinking about that, like, strategically. Yeah, you got to be careful with that kind of, like, elevation. Because you, you do that because you're comfortable with each other. I don't do that with my wife. We don't we don't get in those kind of conversations. Well, that's because you're a better person than me. Yeah, I'm no, trying. I'm working on it. No, I'm just worried the dark part is going to come out. I don't, I don't like if you start like if you start arguing and getting mean with each other, the problem is they're going to get mean with you and then it's going to escalate. And where's it going to go? Well, I, I'm, I'm a burn it all to the ground guy. Me too. Yeah. I can't. You, you follow me on Twitter. So, you know, yes. <laughs> I, I don't want to go there with my wife. I'm never going to go there with her. I won't go. Even if she ever divorces me, I will be nice to her to the day I die. It's the way to go. And I'm getting better. Like now that I've ha I have a baby, it's like, yeah, it's that's the me, thing, man. man. Yeah. Well, the thing is the babies. Right. And that's the thing is like, you know, you're like, I was never really into the idea of marriage. I, the relationships are great, but when if you boil down marriage logically, my problem was it's really a contract with the state. Like it's you it's a legal contract with some people that you don't know and they're going to come in and and, and they're going to decide who's right and who's wrong. You're going to get some strangers that are going to decide like where your money gets split up or how things go and then you're going to bring in lawyers and they're going to take a piece of the pie and it's their business to extract money and i've been i have very close friends that have been through horrendous divorces one of them who is still paying his ex-wife 14 years after he's been they don't have kids he deserved it 
He's a man. Yeah. Is he white? Yeah, he's white. He deserves it. Yes, and he's yeah. rich. Yeah. So he, he, he really deserves, deserves it. it. Yeah. yeah. He deserves he's been it. married to a new woman for 12 years. So he's literally been divorced longer than he was married. And he's still paying alimony yeah. to a woman that, I mean, what did he fuck her so hard she can't work? <laughs> like, what happened? <laughs> He he, yeah. he he slammed into her vagina so hard it broke something, and she's no longer capable of supporting herself. He pays her hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, yeah, and she does nothing. Yeah, so I, I've I've seen all the the madness and the nonsense, but all that for me went out the window with, with the idea of children because I'm like, okay, look, the commitment of money is it's a lot, but the commitment of life is far greater. So I'm like, whatever you want. You want to get married? I'm 100% in. I'm yeah. in. I'm in. I'm all in. Yeah. I'm committed. Let's do it. Yeah. But it's, I don't go dark. Right. I won't go dark. Right. Yeah. I don't allow myself. Right. Well, I mean, you're a weapon, so you can't go dark. Yeah. But I won't go dark with my friends either. Right. I won't go dark. Right. I don't. No, but does anyone really push you to go dark, though? Well, they could if you you escalated. Yeah. You know, like if my friends get shitty with me, I, I'll tell them I love them, and, yeah. I'll, and I'll just I'll go. Come on, man. Yeah. Like what? What are we doing? Like yeah. I'm not going dark with my friends. Right. You know? That's what I love about. Um, and I I realized that when I was doing, I had a sports show for a little while on AOL called Two Point Lead, and we would interview like MMA. AOL. It was AOL. Yeah. I still got an AOL email address too. Do you really? I'm good at marketing. Yeah. <laughs> What year was this? Uh, th- uh, this was recent. It was uh, 2015, 14, 15. And it was, you know, they were, uh, they had a lot of money before they got bought by Verizon. Um, so they, they were owned by Time-, Time Warner. And this was like their big push. They did a lot of programming. Little, They did a show with uh, Steve Buscemi. When we did the new fronts, we had Gronk come on. We paid him like 100 grand. I did a skit with Steve him. Steve Buscemi had a show on AOL? Yeah, yeah. What was he doing? He was sitting on a bench interviewing people outside outside in a yeah. park in a park yeah so he was one of the shows and we had we were getting like major athletes like major athletes and uh i remember i interviewed um uh wide chris weidman and he was fighting um uh he wasn't fighting the other guy we, uh the, anderson was, silva no Yoda machida i can't remember who luke he, rockhold it might have been when he was fighting luke rockhold i can't remember um what and, year this was about 2015 was he the champ he was the champ. So the odds are it's either Vitor, Lyoto Machida. Vitor. It was Vitor. He was fighting Vitor. Oh. And uh, it was the first time I'd like sat down with like, you know, guys who were trained fighters. And the calm, it's just like a calm and a peace that like I was trying to put my finger on. Like, what is that calm? And then I realized like if, like I'm in, I get insecure, you know, but you know, I'm, I'm like got nervousness. And a lot of that is because I always in a situation know there's a probability that I could get fucked up. Yeah. Where if I walked around and I knew that 99.7% of the people I could fuck up, I'd yeah. be calm. Well, Chris Weidman is calm like I would be calm if I was hanging out with 10-year-old girls and they were trying to tell me how the world works. And I'd be like, that's cute. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you how the world really yeah. works. <laughs> yeah, it's like that, yeah. <laughs> Especially when he was the champ. Yeah. I mean, when he was the champ. First of all, when Chris Weidman was coming up and – the limitations of Chris Weidman legitimately are the limitations of the human body because his body started to break. He started to, he had knee problems and neck problems and back problems, but the limitations of his mind were limitless. It was, there's a lot of these guys like, and a lot of them are wrestlers because I think wrestlers have the strongest brains because 
the strongest minds, the strongest determination because that sport is so fucking brutal. But these great wrestlers who get into fighting, like Chris Weidman and, and Cain Velasquez was another one. The limitations of Cain Velasquez were the limitations of his body because he started getting so, shoulder surgery and back so, surgery and knee surgery, and then it all started falling apart. But when he was at his peak, Chris Ma Weidman was a motherfucker, man. Strong. Not just, but the mind, too. It's, mm -hmm. not, it's not just the body. His body was surely strong, but his mind was just unbreakable. Right. He would break guys you know and and Kane was the same way Kane was a guy who broke guys he would break them because I, I really firmly believe this to this day that wrestlers because there's no like I had Jordan Burroughs on the other day mm -hmm. he's a wrestler right Olympic gold medalist yeah. four-time world champion stud of a human being and when you talk to him you realize like he's just so exceptional in every way and one of the reasons why he's so exceptional is because wrestling has no glory like the people that get into wrestling, they do it because it's the pursuit. It's not, it's not like a Bentley and a mansion and watches and rings and all that bullshit. Like the 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 glory is in victory. It's in the pursuit and also in victory in the most difficult of circumstances, which is like amateur, high level, world class wrestling. Like those, it's so fucking hard. So the guys like Chris Weidman, the guys like Jordan Burroughs, the guys like King Velasquez, guys who excel in wrestling, they there's a, a mindset that they have that's uh, it's so interesting to be around them because they're they're because they are that calm. They right. have that that there's a there's a level that they've reached that very few human beings outside of wrestlers ever reach. That's fascinating. Do you think that's changing now because they do have an outlet with MMA, which is great, like they can go pro and become rich and kind of famous? Some of them, but, you know, like Jordan Burroughs doesn't have any interest in, in fighting, he, especially his wife doesn't want him to fight because he, he, he does make good money wrestling, just as an ambassador to wrestling. But I don't think, th I don't think they go, fall into the same pitfalls that a lot of the other uh, fighters fall into. You know, like a lot of them, they just, uh, they, they get into fame and glory and all that shit. And Weidman never really got into that. He was just into smashing people. Yeah. Smashing, yeah. Just, Khabib, just yeah. smashing people. Like Khabib. I'm Khabib's going to pizza. smash your boy. He's the perfect example. <laughs> yeah. Khabib's the perfect example. The guy drives a Toyota. Yeah. Okay. He's worth fucking millions of dollars. He's the most dominant fighter in any weight class in the history of the sport. And he is as calm and as humble as can be while also being incredibly confident. Yeah. Yeah. And super religious. Yeah. Doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, doesn't party, doesn't do anything. He's just dedicated to smashing people. I'm going to smash your boy. Right. I'm going to smash your boy. To, when he said <laughs> that. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to smash your Somebody boy. Somebody said to me, that's like Samuel Jackson in Pulp Fiction. You're like, oh, fuck. It's greater because yeah. it's not fake. Right. And he did it. Yeah. He and he did, did smash him. And he, you know what the, the best, the scariest thing that he ever said? He goes, I want to change his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to change <laughs> his face. Yeah. Whew. How much is the mental bat? Did like Connor, when he fought Connor, it was like, opposites going against each other mm -hmm. like that ultra ultra humility versus that like you know absolute boastful well like do you think connor knew before mm -mm. just no like you no, think he, he went he was in? gonna win and look yeah. he, he he won a round with khabib he won the third round and that's probably the only round that khabib lost in his entire career like there's an argument that maybe he lost one or two rounds earlier that are real close but I mean, he's he's twenty nine and zero. You have to understand how insane that is, and then you have to understand the weight class he's in. He's in the one hundred fifty five pound weight class, which is arguably the most competitive in the history of the sport. Right? It's like the arguments are like forty five, fifty five, and maybe seventy are the most competitive uh, weight classes ever. And he's the 
the most dominant guy ever in the most competitive weight class. Yeah. I mean, he's a monster. He's a beast, man. And you're in that weight class and you know you got to fight him. You're like, yeah. oh. Do you, you, think, you question everything about yourself. Yeah. Do you think wrestlers on to that level are have an advantage in MMA? Like, because you're just eventually going to get your hands on a guy? Yeah. Well, that's what he has an advantage in. Yeah. I mean, he when he wrestles guys, when he grabs them, you could see the look in their face. Like, yeah. oh my God, this is different. It's like an anaconda got you. Just different. Yeah. Well, look, look at his last guy that he fought is Justin Gaethje, who's yeah. a fucking killer, right? Yeah. Smashes Tony Ferguson, smashes Edson Barbosa. I mean, he's a fucking beast and a really good wrestler, too. Mm-hmm. But when Khabib got a hold of him, yeah. every time just drags him to the ground and almost submitted him at the end of the first round and then submitted him in the second round. Well, he said he wanted to submit. He didn't want to hurt him. Uh, do you think that was true? Crazy. Yeah. He, he said, like, I didn't want to do it that way because his parents were there. Well, not I just mean, that's that. some fucking ill shit to say. <laughs> like, I'll just wait till next round and do it a little softer. Well, they were friends. Um, yeah. um, Justin actually, they have the same manager. And Justin actually helped him cut weight earlier in his career. Because cutting weight is, uh, I don't know if you ever spent some time in the sauna. I have. I went. I did some shows in Sweden. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a moment in the sauna that comes around at, like minute thirteen, fourteen, especially if it's like a it's hot like minute sauna, three for me. Yeah. When you start looking around, you like you look at your watch. You're like, fuck. Like, how do I do this? I want to get out now. And you don't you you don't get out. You stay in. And so it's like you need support. And like a lot of times, guys will have guys cut weight with them, and they'll come and sit with you and give you support because like. As much as uh, as Khabib is like his mind is a a, a fucking a, a vault a a bank vault. I mean his mind is impenetrable. Even a man like him will will in, use encouragement from other people and use support and love and friendship from other people. And Justin helped him cut weight. Wow! And I think they were he was they had a bond because of that. You so know? when he fought Connor, he wanted to uh, change his face. He wanted I want to smash. To smash your boy. And, yeah, <laughs> with Gagey, he's just like, I'm going to beat him, and yeah. I'm going to beat him the way I would beat a friend. It's like you're beating up your brother. Yeah. Like, you go like, you know, I'm going to hurt you, but not you're my brother. So it's going to like, I'm going to well, do he, it so you can. He, he went to submissions faster than he has in any other fight he's ever had. God, I mean, he's that good. He's that good. He almost caught. He, he fought with a broken toe, too, by the way. Wow. Snapped. Like he took a, they showed an X-ray of his toe after the fight. He broke his toe in training, right. and a lot of guys would have pulled out of that fight. If you looked at the fight, I watched it yesterday actually while I was working out. He had his toes taped together. Right. That's it. That's the brace. Right. That's the cast. Right. A little piece of tape connecting his toes. Because when together. you break your toe, that's all you can do, right? Is really just yeah. tape it up. He's an extraordinary human being, and uh, it's his mind. It's yeah. his. I mean, his body obviously is. Uh, ridiculous too but his body is ridiculous because of his mind yeah you know and he just comes from a place that like you know what did joe dimaggio say like uh and some rich rich guys can't make the big leagues he comes from a place that mm-hmm. probably like getting in the octagon is like the easiest thing he's done in his entire life i mean there's those videos of him as a kid wrestling mm-hmm. bears. <laughs> i mean it's like you got if you got to get in the ring with him you're going like how can i grapple better than a bear well, it's also Dagestan in, in particular. It's like there's so many good fighters, I mean, great fighters that have come from this one region of the world. Right. Dagestan is just filled with killers. Yeah. There's that other guy now who's just like smashing people too. Zabit. Zabit. Yeah. Uh, yeah Magomed Sharapov. He's, he's smashing people. Islam Makachev is smashing people. He's from Dagestan. There's a lot of great guys from Dagestan. I mean, there's so many of them. Like, you, we get these new guys all the time where I'm doing commentary and I look at this guy and his name and I'm like, where's, oh, Dagestan, there right. you go. Right. And you see him and he's a murderer. Yeah. Just, just assassins. Is that because, like, wrestling was huge over there and then they... 
wrestling's huge over there and also just the mentality mm-hmm. you know they play a game of basketball where you don't dribble the ball you wrestle and they submit each other <laughs> they, they literally yeah they, they hold on to the ball and they try to steal it from each other they tackle each other they submit each other it's a, the craziest fucking game yeah yeah you, those guys are gonna rise to the top in fighting yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> that's where they took a sport and they turned it into a fight yeah they're like too easy with the dribble yeah let's play tennis but instead of the ball we hit this guy over the net yeah it's yeah. like rugby with arm bars <laughs> yeah. it's crazy yeah my yeah. my friend will harris he uh he um goes over there and films uh khabib and his camp during the whole thing and he filmed this. i saw that and he said he said nobody's gonna be khabib and i, I saw an interview with him and yes. he goes he goes you got to see where he's from man yeah. like yeah well, nobody's gonna beat him yeah it's it, it's different it's different you know it's like comfort is not a fighter's friend it's just not no you know you're going up against luke luke rockhold he's like yeah you know I'm, he's cocky he's got a good kick but things like i gotta go model for ralph loren after this and khabib's like yeah man <clears throat> I got to go wrestle a bear and cl- climb a cliff. And well, Luke, you know, Luke is a rare guy that, even though he is beautiful, was a handsome a, guy. A handsome, yeah. He beat Weidman. Yeah, he know? did. Smashed him too. Yeah. You know, and he beat Weidman when Weidman was in his prime. Right. You know, Luke is tough, man. He's tough despite his beautiful face. Yeah, that's why you actually <laughs> got me into MMA a lot because I remember there was a time where you were advocating for it and you were, talk, you were talking like, hey, boxing is a beautiful sport, but it's limited. Yeah. And it's like, there's no way you can argue that, especially when we got into this era, especially with Floyd Mayweather, where he just, he mastered it, where he would fight, hold, knew how to not hit, mm-hmm. and like fights got kind of boring. He would win on points. Yeah. And MMA is so exciting because like you said, it's so hard, like what Khabib did to go undefeated because anyone could lose on any night. You don't see a kick. When there's so many weapons coming out, you got you to gotta, you gotta play against the shoot. You got to, yep. you, know, you know, anything can happen. And it, when you're watching a fight, you're like, anything could happen right now. It's the wildest of all sports, for sure. It's the, wild, it's the closest sport that mimics an actual fight. Yeah. It's the wildest sport. There's only one sport that's slightly wilder. That's Letway. And Letway, it just really is never, it's never really achieved like full acceptance in the United States. But uh, they What's have that? they have headbutts and they they have no gloves. Well, they, that's what UFC used to be. With that. Sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was the the thing about Letway is there's no take. Well, there's takedowns, but there's no like ground and pound and submissions and shit like that. But, yeah. Once the once they made that little. Uh, you know, they amended the sport a little bit with that. It really helped it because that would get brutal. Yeah. Like the Mark Kerr, like these roided mm-hmm. up dudes just fucking. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going, like even men are turning away. Like, yeah. Jesus Christ, man. Well, His nose is gone. Mark Coleman's move, he would take guys down and then just smash them with headbutts. Yeah. Ground and pound them and smash them. I remember, yeah. yeah. Headbutts are legit, man. Yeah. And those crazies used to just take it and just patiently their face would turn into a pizza until they got like an ankle. <laughs> and then just. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, so I remember watching one of those fights where then finally he got like an ankle or a yeah. or an arm and yeah. he just ended it. But he got up and his face was just different. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was the that changed the world when, when the UFC came around in 1993 because all these people had this idea of what martial arts were. Everybody thought it was like a Chuck Norris movie. You're throwing yeah. kicks and yeah. you know, like two guys are coming at you. You do a jumping split and you kick both of them. Yeah. But when they saw what a fight really is, it's like a lot of it is like grappling on the ground and that this smaller, relatively small, he was like 175 pounds, Hoist Gracie, beat all these gigantic guys like Kimo's like 265. The guy was like 90 pounds bigger than him, legitimately. Right, yeah. And he armbarred him. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, uh, I mean, nobody even really knew what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was yeah. till that. Like, no. uh, yeah, you get a, 
you know. And it's funny, like, do you do you think like Bruce Lee? Because Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee's like this myth. Mm-hmm. Bruce Lee had this thing like this mythical aura about him, where everyone was like Bruce Lee. But do, now that you see MMA, you're like, does he know how to wrestle? Because, <laughs> <laughs> well, Bruce Lee was the first guy that actually incorporated all these other d- different styles, like judo and jujitsu and submissions. He incorporated those into his. His style, which he called Jeet Kune Do, he invented a style. And you, it's hard to think of how much impact that guy had because you kind of have to put yourself back in 1970. You got to put yourself back in the days when he, he was becoming popular because there was no one like him. Everyone who did a style back then, whether it was judo or karate, you were taught that your style was the only style. Like even when I was coming up and I was doing Taekwondo, I started working out with boxers. And my instructor was discouraging it. He was saying, like, you don't need to do that. You could train your boxing here. I was like, can I really, though? Like, I, I realized early on, like, no. Like, you, you need to see who does the best of all these different disciplines. Like, where I started working out with judo guys, and that was a, a real wake-up call. But the biggest wake-up call was when I started doing jiu-jitsu. The first wake-up call is the first time I got leg kicked. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like this is terrible. Like you realize, like you get kicked a couple of times in the leg, and your legs don't work, and then you can't kick people. Yeah, You're like okay, I, I need to understand this. And then jujitsu was just—I was just getting raped. I was literally getting just torn apart, and and by guys my size too. Right. That was the other thing—they weren't bigger than me. They just knew, they were skilled. They were looking yeah. for. It's almost like a. They just look for a, a weakness, an opening, and then they, it, it, things you would never think of, like a hand, an arm, an ankle. Well, it's just they do that all the time. It's just like when a heckler tries to challenge you, mm-hmm. and it's like they think they're funny around the, the gas station or whatever. Like, listen, I do this every night. Right. Like, this is not going to work out well for right. you. And this is the same thing with jujitsu. It's like they do it every day. Right. They understand it. You're, you're literally trying to have an argument with someone and you know three words. Right. And they have the full dictionary at their disposal. Right. That's what it's like. Yeah. So a jujitsu guy always has an advantage unless the other guy also knows jujitsu. Well, pretty much everybody knows some jujitsu now. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, jujitsu guys had a huge advantage. Yeah. I mean, that was what everybody wanted. They wanted to, like, if you were a black belt in Brazilian jujitsu, everybody was like, oh my God, stay off the ground with that guy. Right. Well, that was where Vitor fucked everybody up is because he was a black belt in jujitsu, but also he was a lethal striker. And no one had ever seen that before. Because when, when, when my first UFC that I ever worked at was in 1997, and Vitor was 19 years old, and he won the heavyweight tournament, and no one had ever seen anything like this. This guy was fucking shredded, 19 years old, just jacked, and just lighting people up on fire. And it was crazy to watch, because no one had ever seen a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt that also had phenomenal striking. And that's what's great about MMA is like it keep it kept evolving. Mm-hmm. Where guys were saying, "Now I got to learn jujitsu. Yeah. I got to learn how to leg kick. I got to work on my Muay Thai." That was like when that Gaethje Khabib fight. You could tell his strategy was like, "I'm going to try to get his legs," and Khabib was just like, "Yeah, just like he was taking kicks." Like, well, like, he got he got close. He got one of those. He got swalloped with one yeah, of those. Yeah, there's a few of those kicks to his lower leg that had put him in a bad place, and uh, Gaethje was landing fucking bombs. They were, they were horrible leg kicks, but Khabib took them and figured out a way to get the fight to the ground. Yeah. But there's no other sport where in the past, like from 1993 to 2021, it's unrecognizable. Like it's so much better. Right. Like if you go back at baseball in 1993 and you watch baseball today, 
not that much different. Arguably not as good because they can't do steroids as easily. <laughs> right. you know? Kind of helped the game. You can't. I <laughs> mean, Sosa McGuire, that, that brought baseball back, yes. and those kids were roided up. Yes, yeah, for sure. They looked like He-Men characters. Dude, when I used to work, I used to be a fitness trainer at the Boston Athletic Club, and Jose Canseco came in once yeah. when he was in the prime of his career. Yeah. And he was a giant human being. Yeah. Just a, a tank of a man. He walked in. I was like, Jesus. This is when he was at the top, and everybody's like, Canseco's coming in, Canseco's coming in. And he walked in the building, like, wow. Like, you don't realize how big uh, an elite pro athlete on is. On steroids. Yeah, on everything. <laughs> yeah. He was on all the yeah. steroids. And he dropped dime on everybody. That yeah. whole era is a little tainted. It's a little weird. That's very unfortunate. Yeah. Because that ruined him, they just kept too. going. Yeah, they should have just kept, kept going. I mean, like... Keep it why going. Did, why did he have to? Did he get caught and then he have to come clean? Like what happened? It was um, I no I yeah I they think, were all in the yeah shit. there was one guy there was one like guru steroid guy they figured out a way to do a cream a cream like to circumvent. I think the that's testing. later. Oh, is that later? That was Barry Bonds. Bonds. Yeah. yeah, that's the clear. Yeah, yeah. I've had that guy. That was the head of Balco. I had him on the podcast right. before. That was Victor Conte. So that was the generation yeah. after. I don't really remember why Conseco ratted everybody out but i mean he Jamie, do you remember he's like the sammy the bull of baseball i don't know that there's a, <laughs> a great reason but at the time so like 2000 when was that uh mark mcguire time like 2000 or 99 ish it was when sammy sosa was, was still shortly after dominican looking yeah still brown now he wrote, I mean, he wrote a book looks like, a like mark mcguire book. i don't it was know it's called juiced right you don't know if there's a reason why yeah juice wild times rampant roids smash hits and how baseball got big did he was, get kicked out of baseball or something? Did something happen? No, he was still playing even, honestly, recently, I think. But no, but not when he, he wrote. Yeah, but for who? But not oh, when he yeah, wrote yeah. that book. When he wrote that book, was he still playing or was he suspended oh, no, no. or something? Um, Where, like, had, a, no, baseball, was, real baseball fans like, you don't know shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking He was pussies. done in the MLB yeah. in 2001. Mm. And so the book came out a couple years after. Let me see. Okay. So they probably kicked him out of baseball or his career was over for whatever reason. He, he fought for a while, you know. Did he really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He fought um, a gigantic man. God damn it. I'm trying to remember. Was it was MMA? Hongman Choi. Yeah, he fought Hongman Choi. No, I think it was a. Yeah, I think it was yeah. MMA. He fought Hongman Choi in Japan. And because uh, Jose Canseco had an, an actual background in karate. He was uh, a martial artist, and he tried throwing some kicks, and I think he popped his knee yeah. and fell down, and then Hong Man Choi beat the shit out of him. But it was one of those deals where, like, you know, he, he needed money, and yeah. they offered him a fight literally against a seven-foot man. Yeah. Hong Man Choi was a legitimate giant. Yeah. Like, yeah, gigantic, gigantism. I think I've seen YouTube videos of that guy. Yeah, big his dude. head is as big as my whole torso. Yeah. yeah. yeah he's enormous. Yeah, I hate when, like... Yeah, I mean, it's like you're gonna get you're gonna get wrecked against a trade MMA guy. Like you, like didn't James Tony try to do that too? Or yeah, he fought just got Randy taken Couture. To the, yeah. yeah, Randy Couture ankle picked him. He just hit him with a, a low single, took him down, and yeah. just and he submitted him. And did Herschel Walker try? Herschel yeah. Walker, he's a real fighter. Smashed though. people. Yeah, Herschel Walker when he was in his late forties was smashing people. Yeah, you know, there's like a Daniel Day Lewis of acting. Yeah. Herschel Walker is the Herschel Walker of athletes. <laughs> he does ballet too. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, he can do anything. Yeah. 
But I'm telling you, man, when he would when he would fight, like you, it would literally be like a bull in a china shop. Like guys were, were couldn't they couldn't deal with his athleticism and power, and all. I mean, in his 40s, and also his martial arts talent. He yeah. really was a legitimate martial artist, yeah. and was training with Cain Velasquez and Daniel Cormier. He was training at American Kickboxing Academy, so, so he's he, legit. He went yeah. to the best gym in the country. Yeah, I mean, in terms of like wrestling and heavyweights, yeah. arguably the best gym when when DC and uh, and um, Cormier, or when Cormier rather and Cain Velasquez were in their prime, that's when Jose Kent, or excuse me, Herschel Walker was training with them. Right. So he was training with, and not just those guys. I mean, there were so many good fighters. There was Josh Thompson. There was like that. That it was just a Luke Rockhold. There was like a, a camp filled with assassins, and Herschel was training with them. Yeah. So it wasn't like he went to some like bullshit ass fucking McDojo gym at the mall, and they had him. They held the pads for him, and he, Tiger Shulman's. Yeah. Tiger Shulman's legit though. He's legit, right? Yeah, but legit businessman too. I mean, those are all over yeah. the island. Yeah. See, Tiger Shulman's is a weird one because you would think because it was a chain of karate schools that oh, it's you know it's kind of like McDojo ish, but it's not. Like Tiger Shulman has raised some legit MMA fighters. Wow, I didn't know that. Yes, yeah. man. There's there's some fucking top notch guys. That f there's a guy named Lyman Good who's in the UFC right now. He looks like he's sculpted out of fucking granite. He's one of the scariest looking human beings, like physically impressive human beings to ever compete in a sport. He's a Tiger Shulman guy. Wow. Yeah, there's a bunch of guys that uh, that uh, fight out of Tiger Shulman's. Yeah, look at that's Lyman Good. Damn. Savage. Damn. And just smash. Go to that picture <laughs> up top where he's like in the fight right there. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. Imagine that guy on the side Jesus of the octagon Christ. coming for your fucking soul. Yeah, and that's all natural, you think? That's not yeah, yeah. Why ask Why questions? Ask? Yeah, don't, yeah, I don't, don't know. Baseball should have just, I mean, it's like baseball. Look at, him, look at him in that picture. Yeah, he's ripped. That's Shane Burgos. He's another guy who is a, uh, who's a Tiger Shulman guy. Yeah. They, I mean, they had a lot of very, very legit guys. And Tiger Shulman, he adapted. Shaquille O'Neal agrees to fight Jose Canseco. When oh, is this? Come on. March 14, 2012. Yeah. Oh, I say uh, come on, but you know what? I want to see it. I'll pay for it. I'll pay for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. Come on, I'm all in. The thing about baseball is it needs to, it's the only sport that's like hanging on to the past. Where like all these sports have adapted basketball, the shot clock. They keep adapting with the times. Baseball is the only one that's resistant to change and goes, no, 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 it's America's pastime. They even got mad when they did like the, the little rule where you can't step out of the batter's, batter's box. It's like things are moving quicker now. You got to... We gotta have like someone on the sidelines with like a loaded gun, like you know, <laughs> shooting, like a blind guy just fucking firing, and it's something to speed it up, or steroids, or something. Yeah, but people love it. They like to get drunk and eat hot dogs. And it's a great social game. But now you go there, it's like corporate. You get mm. sushi, sushi at a ballpark. It's like I'm not there to have sushi. I'm there to have a hot dog, get diarrhea, drink eleven dollar Budweiser. That's yeah. what I'm there to do. Yeah, hot dogs are the move. I mean, that's a that's a baseball type and popcorn, right? Yes, popcorn, a, cracker jacks. Yeah. Baseball foods. Yeah. Yeah. I got bored with it. I, I played baseball when I was a kid, and that's actually how I found martial arts. How I really got into martial arts was I went to see a baseball game at Fenway Park. I went to see a Sox game, and uh, me and my buddy were coming home, and I was 14 at the time. We were walking, and we had to get on the T, and uh, the T is the Boston uh, train system. Yeah. And the lines were so huge. We were, we were walking. We were like, oh, it's like Let's New York go. subway. Yeah. Okay. But it was, yeah, but now I understand. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's not as... You know, obviously not as extensive, and it's outside. It's it's not underground. So we uh, we got to this. Uh, we were, were walking towards the train station, and I found this Taekwondo school, 
and I walked up and it was the craziest divine timing of all. I walked up the stairs and as I was walking up the stairs to this Taekwondo school, I heard this crazy sound like whoop, chink, whoop. Chink like a like a metal like a thud and then metal and I didn't know what the fuck that like sounded like chains and metal I was like what is this I went up there and there's this guy John Lee and John Lee was the national champion he was preparing for the World Cup and he was in, in his peak training and he was kicking this bag with a spinning back kick and he was literally folding this bag in half and then it, w- it was hanging from a chain so we hear the whoop when his heel slammed into the bag and then chink. Like the bag would slam, you know, go flying and the chains would rattle. And I remember being a 14-year-old kid standing there staring at this guy just smashing this bag. And I remember thinking, like, I want to learn how to do that. And I signed up that day. Wow. And that became my whole life. Right. Like from that moment on, I was there every day until I was like 22. Right. Like literally became my whole life. Right. From that one moment, just going up there and seeing this guy. But, like, I could have gone up there and the big little kids practicing, and it would have been like, get the fuck out of here. But what I saw was so insanely impressive that I I, uh, immediately signed up. Do you think this is sort of like a free will versus, like, destiny question? Do you think, like, that's because you had something in you that that connected to? Like, if I walked by there, I'd be like, what's that noise? And then I'm like, all right, let me go get a burger or whatever. Like, do you think it's because, like, it was, like, meant to happen? Like, there's something in you that... That That's a tricky one to buy into. You know, you could say, like, that's my destiny. But uh, it just appealed to me. You know, I mean, I'd seen a lot of other things that didn't appeal to me, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I was just at a baseball game where I saw the best baseball players in the world. Right. Professionals, right? Play. I didn't give a fuck. Right. I was like, yeah, but that's why? Great. That's my question. Like, do you think that's just like it's in you? Like, that's like your genetic kind of pre, like you're predisposed to it. I guess they would say, like, oh, fighting. Man. It, it clicked all. It hit all my switches. Pushed all my buttons. Yeah. I was like, that's what I need to do. Right. Well, you had a talent for it because you you got good at it. Like, you champ. I didn't have a talent in the beginning. I mean, I I, I got good because I was obsessed. But right. whatever it was, you know, like you just gotta find your thing. For me at the time, that was my thing. You know, I just found my thing. And then stand-up was my thing when I found that, too. Very like similar to fighting, too. You're you know, up there alone. Like, yeah. all the jargon is like, kill, smack, punchline. Like, <laughs> crush. Yeah, crush. Yeah, yeah. yeah kill The guy's crush. a killer, yeah. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, in a way. But also in a way that, you know, it requires you to spend time on your own disciplining yourself. And one of the things that separates comics from comics that don't do well is the time they spend writing, you know? And some comics, they get great, but they don't write. They don't write, you know? And some comics have an interesting way of writing. Like Bill Burr, I think, is the most fascinating way of writing because what Bill is basically doing is two days a week, he does a solo podcast, like uh, just uninterrupted stream of consciousness. And out of that has come some of the best comedy we've ever experienced right, right. because he just sits by himself and talks shit. Right. Like I was listening to him talk shit about the Apple store today yeah. and these fucking cunts in this fucking Apple <laughs> store. I, I just went down there. I wanted, I wanted, another, I wanted a fucking iPad and you know, and he'll, he's got no one interrupting him. So it's just him in his office by himself with a microphone and just thinking and talking. And that's, it's a workout. It's yeah. a type of workout. Yeah. You know, whether you're sitting in front of a laptop, whatever the fuck you're doing, like whatever you're doing to kind of create, some guys don't do that. They just want to go on stage. And so they go on stage and then they just f- sort of spout out 
what they've already done, and maybe they add a tag here, a little bit there, but they don't develop the way a guy like Bill turns over material. Yeah. You know? And I think if you ask him, uh, when he started a podcast, his his comedy went to another level because 100%. of that, probably, yeah. 100%. Yeah. It really did. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, he was always great. You know, Bill was always... He, he had talent. He's got a perspective. He's got an... He's got balls, you know. I saw him out here. Uh, he was out. Uh, he performed at one of these uh, outdoor amphitheaters. Freezing cold outside. I had my fucking jacket zipped up to my neck. And sitting there freezing on the sidelines watching. But it was fun to watch real wild comedy. Yeah. You know, he's still doing wild comedy. Yeah. You know, like like there's no one that can take him down. Like there's no cancel culture. Like, you know, just saying all the shit that he thinks of. Yeah, he kind of just he 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 performs like it doesn't exist, mm-hmm. like cancel culture doesn't exist. Kind of like the way Jack Johnson just kind of Jack John. You ever see that documentary, Jack Johnson? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where he just like lived his life as if racism yeah. didn't exist, and people like didn't even know what to make of him. Like, a lot of white chicks. He did he, in their <laughs> face during a time where like you get lynched for that shit. He was mm-hmm. he almost seemed like he was taken from another era and put into he would talk shit while he was fucking you yeah, up. He yeah. had gold teeth, he had gold fronts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean before hip hop. I mean he like he he almost looks like he was like time traveled. Yeah, well, you know it's interesting his nickname was the Galveston Giant. You know he was only like 6 feet tall or 6 foot 1, I think. I don't think he was even I, I, he might have been 200 pounds. Yeah. You know? like how go, Pull up how tall and how much did Jack Johnson weigh. Six foot tall. Yeah. Galveston giant. A yeah, giant. Yeah. Six foot, you're six foot tall, right? Yeah. Yeah. How crazy is that? that you're is a crazy. giant. Yeah. But People had no food back then. Yeah, they didn't grow that big. They didn't have any food, dude. Yeah, yeah. This is how fucking soft we are. Yeah. People were tiny back then. Like, if you look at the, the average size of the Civil War, yeah. an average man was 130 pounds. Yeah. Because they didn't have any fucking food. Yeah. They must That's have looked Jack like Johnson. Abe Lincoln, like, holy shit, this guy's tall. He's like 6'2", yeah. not that big. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but Jack Johnson was... Guy's got big balls, literally. Look at that package. Giant yeah. sack, huge cock, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that right there. I mean, you got to think, this is there's no steroids back then. Yeah. There's just superior genetics. And also, just fucking hardship, right? Yeah. You know, talk about Khabib growing up in Dagestan. Imagine being a, a black man as a boxer back when they all wanted white men to be the champ. Like, yeah. look, look at the size of him, man. Yeah. Shredded. He I was mean, shredded. Built like uh, like a modern elite athlete. Yeah. And this is, you know, what year was that? Turn of the century. What year was it, Jamie, does it say? That he was a champ? Was it like 1908? Like early, early turn of the century. I uh, started eating a little bit there. What can you do? Buster Douglas, it happens. In between fights. What, that right there? Yeah, he looks like he had a couple cheeseburgers or whatever. Well, what does it say here? Does it say there? It says uh, he was born in... He died in 46. He was born in 1878. Wow. So it's probably the early, early 1900s. And, but, but they would get giant-ass crowds... And you barely could see anything. Yeah. You know? And all guys had top hats. You ever see the, the yeah. crowds? Yeah. They're wild. Yeah. Matter, said he lost over 100 pounds to get into that fight. Yeah. What? In 1910, yeah. He hadn't fought in six years and had to lose well over 100 pounds to get back into his championship fighting weight. Really? Yeah. It was, yeah, he was probably just drinking and eating and yeah. living like a oh, killer. the guy he fought. Oh. Who did he fight? Was that un- Jeffries? Un- yeah, yeah, yeah. James Jeffries? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that makes sense. Well, they they brought Jeffries in to try to beat him because Jeffries was the former champion and 
He was a big kid too, right? Jim Jeffries, like yeah. um, he's a big fellow. Yeah, but you know, they were. That's where the Great White Hope kind of probably originated. They were trying to beat him. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. That's exactly where it came from. Yeah, and then he was he was about to win that fight, and they cut the broadcast. What's happened? They there was cut a broadcast the, back yeah, then. Yeah, they they was like the first televised boxing match, and he was about, I forget who he was fighting, some white guy number five or six. Or whatever <laughs> they were putting up. Well, this is a, and before he knocked him uh, out, they just cut the broadcast because they didn't want the the country to see it. They had broadcasts back then. It's towards the end. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I yeah, that they, fight. Huh? What's I don't that? think it was that fight. Was it wasn't that fight. I don't no. Think they had TV. When did they have TV? When did TV? What was the first television broadcast? I want to say. 1940. When was the first? Te- let's let's figure out when the first television broadcast was. Yeah, I mean his. I know that. Take a guess. When was the first television? Broadcast? I'm gonna say like uh, 1917. 1917. <laughs> 1917. Yeah, back in the day, people would talk like. <laughs> yeah, that, why see? did they talk like that? I don't hey, know. Hey, welcome to the fight. Yeah, they. 1928 was the first broadcast. So wow. one of his fights was broadcast, right? I don't know, man. I it think was they one in the stadium. It. I don't know. I don't think they did. I don't think they did. I, 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 I want to say if that was the case, it was like way late in his career. They think like the, even like when he lost, he like lost later in his career, they think he took a dive because there's a there's a video of it where it look, doesn't really look like he's hurt. He just right. kind of lays down like they might have threatened him or, you know, he might have got a big payday to take a dive. There's always a lot of speculation in boxing yeah. about guys taking dives. Especially the mob was heavily involved in it. Oh, yeah. My God, and you imagine the amount of money you could win betting on a white guy against yeah. Jack Johnson? Yeah, a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, a lot of money. One of his quotes, I remember, like, he was so wild. I think he got a, he used to, like, drive a fast car. He made some money. And, and yeah. what was fast back then? 35? 35 miles an hour, yeah. <laughs> like, wow. He uh, he got a ticket, and the guy he was like, "Hey, don't give me a ticket now." He was like, "Cause I'm gonna drive back. You, yeah, you give me two tickets." Well, he no, what it was is that they gave him a ticket for fifty dollars. He says, "Here's a hundred because I'm gonna be going the same speed the way back." Wow, yeah, <laughs> that's not giving a fuck. I mean, he had no fucks to give. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what are you gonna do? Guys like him, almost like uh, when you look at history, like um, you know, is this sort of just a natural evolution? They like now certain guys move history forward. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Certain human beings are so spectacular in their time frame that it changes what we expect. Yeah. yeah it changes our expectation. Look look at comedy. Pryor. Yeah. Richard Pryor is that. Yeah. Richard Pryor changed comedy. He did. He changed what he comedy became super honest. You know, like whereas comedy before was like a lot of jokes. Yeah. And then there was Lenny Bruce and then from Lenny Bruce there was Richard Pryor. Yeah. So I think Lenny Bruce sort of opened the door and Richard Pryor burst through it. Right. And he changed comedy. Yeah. Changed it. I think probably if we look back, podcasts are going to change comedy in some way because it's so honest. Like you, you know, it's like, like you were saying, you, I remember watching like uh, a late night set back in the day. You see Roseanne and you're like, holy shit, that was amazing. Yeah. And it's because it's the only thing you knew. It was like the wildest thing to see then. But then when cable happened and then you saw like HBO you're like, and then you go back and watch that set you're like wow that's really tame you know right and now it's like podcasts are, is like the only it's taken it to a new level where people are like really being genuine and really being uncensored and right it may be changing people's conditioning well it's also the first time where famous people 
are being themselves right. in an open forum where millions of people are watching. Right. Whereas before, everyone's guarded and they're worried about their next gig. Right. Whereas this is my gig. That's a good point. This is my gig forever, and I own it. So yeah. like, uh, why would I change? Yeah. I'm, I don't have I don't have an incentive. Yeah. Right. The incentive was then always to prepare yourself for a role. You're going to get hired to do this. You're going to get accepted by this. You're going to get brought in to do that. Back then, it wasn't. You know, it was. It wasn't. There was no benefit in being real. Right. The benefit was in you, like you know, towing the line, and right. and you see that from actors today, and it's so sad. Like they're 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 cucks. Yeah. They're forced into this position where yeah. they have to they they have to kowtow. They yeah. have to they have to speak all the woke lingo, and they have to do all the right things. If they don't, they won't get hired, and they know it, and they're scared. They're yeah. operating scared. Yeah. And I think one of the benefits of podcasts, and one of the things that people reflect to, is like, oh my god, that guy's a real person. Right. But that's who he really is. Right. And you know, the, you hear a guy talk for three hours. I mean, unless you're a f- complete sociopath, it's going to, and, it, and then that, that's going to come through. You'll, right. you'll see that well, this guy doesn't give a fuck about anybody but himself. Right, right. You're going to see it. Right. And that, that's why I think Hollywood's probably having such a hard time competing because now, because that's changed the conditioning where you can see, oh, this is real. Yeah. That it seems more fake, it yeah. seems contrived. Well, it made, Late night television look like fucking ham radio. Yeah, it, ma- it makes late night television look like Morse code. Yeah, that's what it makes it look like. It's yeah, like, it's so strange that they have to cut every seven minutes for a commercial. It's yeah. so strange that they can't swear. Yeah, it's so everything's so strange. And it sucks. It sucks. I mean, it's just like even it's when you're performing. Good. And I remember when I would like I had this. I had a show on Fusion, which was this network that failed, and we I was with two journalists. I remember and, Fusion. Yeah, and uh. Like you just even your whole body posture is fake and everything. You don't touch your face even if it itches because you look like a crackhead on TV right. if you even touch your nose and like right. you know I I remember I would have full panic attacks and I would just stand there and just be dealing with it you know. How about in between breaks they'd powder your forehead? Yeah, they come and they touch you. It's yeah. like put like makeup on you. Even when I look at my Comedy Central half hour, like the makeup looks stupid. Oh, yeah, dude. it's like a, it's caked on. Dude, I did a uh, I did a show in 1993. And uh, they put so it was a stand up show with uh, Jay London. You know Jay London? No. You know Jay London? <sighs> Fucking great comic. Um, me and Jay, and there were some other people on the show, but I remember Jay. And uh, they made me up so much. They put, they literally put mascara on me. Yeah. I mean, I don't. It looked like it at least. And there was so much powder on my face. It looked like you were in the cure. They put, <laughs> they put lipstick on. It was so crazy. And the lady was ensuring me that. Listen, I was like, oh my god, this is too much makeup. She goes, no, no, no. Under the lights, it's gonna look normal. It did not look normal. Right. I looked look so made up. And from that moment on, I like fucking refused makeup. Right. Yeah, I used to hide from the makeup girl before the show. <laughs> <laughs> they used to have to call me to set. What's crazy is they, they were used to try to put makeup on me during the UFC. I'm like, yeah. do you know how crazy this is? Yeah. Because at one time I came to the UFC and I had two black <laughs> eyes from training, yeah. you know, just from jujitsu, yeah. I, I, uh, from friends, actually. It's just accidental black eyes. And uh, they were like, we're going to cover those. I go, why would you do that? Yeah. I go, here I am doing commentary for guys who are going to get their fucking heads punched in. Right. They're going to get their, their literally a forehead smashed by a shin. Right. And you want to put makeup on right. me? I'm like, let's just. <laughs> yeah, like the, the fan base is looking going, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, Joe's should have worn makeup. It's... Leave my black eyes. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, yeah. It gives me some legitimacy. Yeah. At least lets people know I'm getting after it. Yeah. Because you, you, 
You yeah. can't do this. Yeah. But the the makeup thing is a strange. Like I get it with women, and I appreciate it. Like what? Let's keep going. Yeah. It's culture. You want to wear lipstick, and mm-hmm. you look great. Mm-hmm. I don't mind. I don't care. But for men, like, come on. Yeah. What do you? What are we doing here? Yeah. Are, you, are we pretending? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Women. Women don't care what you're. They actually like it if you look unmade up. Yeah. yeah. Your forehead shiny. Yeah. We need to stop that. Yeah. Who's getting mad because my forehead shiny? Who is that? Nobody cares. What's happening here? Yeah. yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. But for the longest time, it was the standard. Yeah. And it, it, you can't question it just because it becomes habit. It's just yeah. kind of like... Exactly. Yeah, and everyone goes like, no, that's what you do. And you're yeah. like, yeah. Well, I, they made me do it on Fear Factor for like the first couple seasons. Yeah. And then after a while, I was like, stop. Just right. stop. Stop. Right. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Some guys stop. eating a fucking... Eating roaches yeah. and then they cut and powder <laughs> you up. And you're like, this... Nobody Literally, cares. Yeah. Fucking contestants would be ma- ma- laughing at me because yeah. they were powdering me. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that they're doing this to me. You know where that really shined through? Um, what we're talking about, kind of like that, uh, people just act that way, and then until they realize this is stupid, was like your incident with Stephen A. Smith. That was very intriguing to me, because when he came in and he started doing the kind of the sports talk, which I love, and I like Stephen A. Smith because he's controversial. He's fun. He's fun. He's fun, and he gets you jacked up, and his yeah. he's charismatic. And I like him a lot. I he do. has a strong opinion, but like, which is why I didn't get mad at him. Right? Yeah, but it didn't for me personally. It didn't work for MMA for some reason. It didn't work, and that's because like there's something nice after you beat someone up, like that you're humble about it. Like yeah. it's because it, it takes so much courage to get in there and like fight, like it's mm-hmm. the scariest thing. And like, there's something really cool about that. You would think in American culture, it's like, ah, you know, to talk shit, get him involved. But like, Khabib proves like, yeah. you could be a box office draw and not be an absolute fucking dick. Well, Stephen A. Smith was applying the same sort of methods that he uses for basketball and football, and it's made him an amazing career, You're right? Yeah. It, it, so he, it's normal that he applied that to MMA. I feel like MMA requires a different approach. In 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 and I guess a lot of people agreed because he doesn't really do it anymore. Right. And the the approach is that you have to appreciate and respect his his approach was the same way. The guy fumbles a bunch of free throws or fucks up in you know football or you know strikes out. Like he didn't show up. He didn't show up. Right. But the difference between combat sports is the reason he didn't show up is Connor steamrolled him. Right. Connor steamrolled Cowboy, and Cowboy is a friend of mine. Right. And first of all, I would never talk bad about Cowboy. I love that guy to death. Donald Cerrone is a good friend. I love him. Every time I see him, I hug him. I can't talk bad about him. I know I know the pressures of fighting. I know what it meant to be there, and I know what it meant to be there in the biggest fight of his career. And Stephen A. Smith had some points. He had some really good points. Like, D- Donald didn't perform to the best of his ability. Donald, d- he... He got overwhelmed by the superior fighter. That's just how it is. But my perspective was not the same because my perspective is that it's really what Conor McGregor did to Donald Cerrone that led to the outcome. It's not that Donald didn't show up. It's that Conor was superior. So my position is always to highlight the one who is effective, to talk positively about the one who who dominated and who had a spectacular performance it's never to talk badly about the one who got his ass kicked yeah because i've been i've been hit before i've been fucked up before i've been i've lost before i know what it feels like 
and I've I've been around these guys. I know who they are. I know their their I, I know everything I I know everything about their ability. I know everything about their history. I know everything about their 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 career. Like I respect them to the core. I will never talk badly about them. So I'll never talk badly about someone who who doesn't perform to the best of their ability. So our exchange, although it was respectful, mm-hmm. it was indicative of a different philosophy. It's a different sport. Because, like, if you're talking about basketball, you know, you're talking about a sport. You're talking about a guy who throws a ball into a net. It's very difficult. They're paid extremely well because it's so entertaining and they're so good. Fighting is who you are. It's a per. It's a. It's who you are as a human. It's it's your soul. You're exposed. You're literally naked. You have a cup over your dick. You have shorts over your ass. That's it. Right. That's all you have. You have little pads on your knuckles, and then you have your personality, your flaws, your 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 pros and cons exposed to the world. And you have to be charitable. You have to be because it's almost like if I was going to use an analogy with another sport, it was almost like because you get hurt in MMA. Like yeah. Donald Cerrone was hurt. Yeah. So like it's fine when you're watching basketball to be like this team didn't show up when mm-hmm. all the guys go back to the locker room and they're just like emotionally dejected. Yeah. But like it would be like if you watch a guy break his leg yeah. in basketball or like really gets hurt and then you go, he didn't show up, you know, that, you know, and you, so you're going like, that's not the right tone to have when someone's actually physically yeah. been hurt. You I know? know, I know. But, and you know, and Stephen A. Smith, you know, we disagreed and we went back and forth and even the way he responded was very respectful. And I really appreciate that. Like the way he responded to me about that was very respectful. He's a good guy. Yeah. He's just got, he's a thing. He's doing a thing and he's fucking great at it, man. He was doing his thing. He's doing his thing. And I, you know, what was interesting about that moment is I think we all learned as a fan, from a fan's perspective, we were like, oh, that's the tone of MMA for for that reason. Like, yeah. you know, at the end, it's like, there's a reason why like guys go bad to each other because that guy must have so much respect for that guy because he knows what that guy put on the line. Exactly. And he knows how that guy's feeling. He knows that guy's hurt, physically hurt. Exactly. And the courage that it takes. And it's like you said, it's a difference between putting a ball in a hoop. It, those things are great, but that's, you know, you're not sacrificing your. You could really, guys get hurt. They get hurt for real. Well, they, you know? listen, no one's ever died in MMA, but it's certainly possible. Yeah. And guys have, uh, I shouldn't say no one's died in MMA. No one's died in the UFC, but they have died in MMA. They've certainly died in boxing. Yeah. It's, there's, there's levels. And I, the way I describe MMA is it's high level problem solving with dire physical consequences. That's pretty accurate, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's my description of what it is and I will always show those guys respect. But I respect Stephen A Smith too. I like what he does. Yeah. I think he's funny. He's fun. He's fun. He, he's he causes arguments. He make he talks shit, and that's why he's so huge. Yeah, he's so huge because he does that thing, and and it's applicable for sports. It's applicable for football, but it, I don't. I don't think you should have the same approach for MMA the same way. Look, people can criticize human beings for all sorts of different things, but when you talk about soldiers and veterans, right, you're talking about a completely different type of consequences for their actions, a ple- completely different levels of stress for what they have to go through, right? Mm-hmm. So if you if you discuss politicians, you can discuss politicians in one way, but when you discuss veterans, right. I think you have to have a level of respect. Right. They deserve a level of respect. Right. Because they're they're dealing in a they're they're existing in a realm where the consequences are as grave as is humanly possible. Yeah. There's no more grave consequences than war. It's like when you talk and like my dad fought in Korea 
and you can that's exemplified by when you talk to a veteran they don't talk they don't go like hey man we mowed down you know they're like they don't want to talk about it never you can't go to a veteran like you couldn't go to my dad and be like we really fucking whooped those chinese my dad would be like my dad would be like you don't know anything about war you don't know my dad didn't feel good about it exactly i took my dad once um this was a big mistake i made this is a true story me and my friend uh, we came back from camp, and my dad would always take us to the movies. So we we would go to the movies all the time. That was back when you read in the paper, and we went to see Hamburger Hill, which was that Ooh, Vietnam that. movie. Yeah. So we go there, me and my boy, uh, my childhood friend and my dad, and during the movie, my dad's just going, ah, he's making noises, and he's, yeah. then he starts cursing in the movie theater, crowded movie, like, what the fuck is this? What did you take me to? This fucking shit. And he's going like, this is fucking, you th- is this entertaining? And we're just sitting there, we're like eight years old. And then he leaves. Mm. And me and my friend were just sitting there. And then we left, we got in the car, and he's screaming at us while he's driving. A few times, he lost it. He would look back, he wasn't even looking at the road. And he was like, "Would you? do you know what it's like if he died in your arms? And, and we were sitting there, my friend starts crying. He's fucking crying, he's scared. And then there's quiet. There was quiet. And then he just goes... You guys want to get some pizza? (laughs) (laughs) And we were just sitting there like this, like, and and we went and got pizza. Like he, his moment passed. Yeah, yeah. It's a different thing. It's yeah, like you said, it's real. It's a. It's as real as as anything that's ever existed. We're so detached from that now. America's just soft. (sighs) Soft. Yeah. Someone said something to me once, and it's a great thing, and I, I I wish I could remember who said it, but I repeat it all the time is that the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. So if the worst thing that's ever happened to you is uh, someone uh, popped your basketball, you're going to cry like a bitch. Yeah. You know, I can't believe you broke my basketball. You, you know, you break Mike Tyson's basketball, he's going to be like, well, I guess I need a new basketball. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, it's relative. Yeah, It's relative. Yeah. And I think uh, our society, our culture, be- you know, this is an old expression that uh, – Hard times make hard men. Hard men make easy times. Easy times make soft men. Yeah. It's an old expression. Yeah. And it's very, very appropriate for today. Because when people talk about the problems of today, and there are problems, but our problems are relatively insignificant in comparison to the problems of history. But yeah. they're the only problems that we know. That the, pro- the problems that we experience today are the most extreme problems that we've experienced. Yeah. But in comparison to like the fucking barbarian storming Rome, or you know, uh, you know the the fucking Aztecs slaughtering eighty thousand people after the completion of temples, the the fucking Mayans dying because of probably like disease, you know, Native Americans experiencing the Europeans moving across the continent, destroying their way of life. Like our fucking problems are the greatest problems we've ever known, but they're only. Great in comparison to the life that we've lived, and the life that we lived is fairly soft. Yeah. Even just when you look at plagues, like the Spanish flu wiped out like 40, 50 million people, which is equivalent to like 400 million people now. You got through COVID? How hard was I it? I got through COVID. I mean, what was it, the toughest part? Well, it, because I'm a bitch, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm scared. Jamie got through it in yeah, a day. I would, most of it was like the mental part was like, uh, I was scared just because, like, how the you know you turn on the media and everything's always like uh they report on everything they're like one person is paralyzed you're like all right dude that's one person did you really have to the media's got to report everything because it's like we're living through a media boom yeah it's almost like 
too much. There's not enough news for them to cover. So they're like, they'll do, if you reported on fucking every single bad thing that happened, like people would be so scared and that's what they're doing. That's the problem. Like if you live, like let's say you live in uh, Austin, Texas and you report on the worst things that happen in Austin, Texas. Uh, I mean, there's a car accident here and there. There's a murder here and there. There's a few robberies. There's not a lot. Probably but if a few you, shootings. But if you yeah. look at the world, now you're talking about seven point whatever billion fucking people. If you have the bad news app on your phone and it's just only giving you bad news, and it's fucking coming at you in waves like a Twitter feed. All bad, 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 bad. You, you're scared to go outside. Mm hmm but we're not supposed to be getting people people listening like what is that yeah it's a lighter it's yeah. a lighter it's a, it's sounded a like i was smoking crack it's a goddamn torch <laughs> it's a calibri the, 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 the problem is we're we're getting too much data like it's not applicable to our life you're supposed to get the data that's applicable to your life yeah. you know it was like i had the uh, oxygen monitor during my covid because like you know you want to just make sure you're, i had double pneumonia but because yeah, i had what's double pneumonia each lung had uh, inflammation and fluid and Usually there's only one? You can get it on one side, I guess, but doubles on both Sounds lungs. better. Yeah, it's even at least. Sounds you know? like you're suffering more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make it sound worse. Yeah. I double pneumonia. I had double pneumonia. It was bad. Um I'm a but, hangnail. Yeah. <laughs> but because I had it, I was checking it more. It's like the same thing with your phone right. and like news. It's like because we can, we just end up just checking it and worrying more and mm. worrying more. The, the amount that people bitch, the irony of it, the amount that people complain and think things are bad is actually an indication of how great things are. Yeah. It's like the, the, the point that people can disagree is actually a great, uh, it's a great sign. Because you go to China, you can't disagree there. Right. If you're in a country where you can't have a civil disagreement, you're in a country that is not great. Do you know what's going on with this guy, Jack Ma? No. Jack Ma is a billionaire in China. He's the head of something called Alibaba, which I, I believe is like the Amazon of China. Yeah. And uh, he it's also criticized. A old neighborhood. Yeah, I think it's like a genie, like I, too. Yeah, it was a genie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Jack Ma criticized the Chinese government for being like behind the times. Can't do that. Yeah. And he's vanished. Yeah. And he's a billionaire. Yeah. He's like the one of the richest men in the world. Mm -hmm. And they haven't seen him in two months. Yeah, that happens, you know. And so Guys then get I, lost. And then I read, like, a, there's a history of these things happening. Whenever some billionaire from China talks some shit, yeah. they vanish him. Yeah. And this guy hasn't been seen from. There he Whoopsie. Is. Vanishing Barons. Yeah. Alibaba founder Jack Ma and four other Chinese billionaires who mysteriously, who had mysteriously gone missing. Oh, shit. And he actually did an interview. Jack Ma did an interview with Elon Musk. Mm. That's uh, like uh, on yeah. you can watch it on YouTube where Elon Musk <clears throat> didn't like him. It, it's a fun, it's an awkward interview. Elon didn't like yeah, him. Yeah, well, Elon kind of like got, gets a little like snarky with him because he's asking like dumb questions. What kind of dumb questions? Is I don't remember, but uh, he might not be able to be really good at English. Uh, that you know, maybe his questions were dumb. Yeah, ma yeah, maybe he just didn't understand him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just got kind of annoyed with what he was asking. I remember he was like, it was just like. Uh, See if you can find that. Yeah, I remember. I, I, I definitely because I remember the kid. The kid's a weird looking kid, and I remember it. Yeah, yeah. He's got a giant head. Like yeah. he's too smart for his own good. Yeah. <laughs> he, look, he, he like literally looks like yeah, an egghead. It's like yeah. his face is normal size, but his head is like. Yeah. I have too much knowledge. <laughs> Which is like people who have weird stuff should look at the silver lining of that. Like you're memorable at least, you know. Yeah, here it is. 
Jack Ma and Elon Musk are worried about a population collapse. Collapse? Yeah, that's something that people like uh, on AI in Shanghai. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know what happened, but uh, that dude has vanished. That yeah. poor, that poor bastard. He well, fucked yeah. up. It's a symptom of. It's a symptom in China well, it's, it's, of it's, saying something that the government doesn't like. I mean, they're a communist regime, and you know that's what they did. they got Hong Kong now, and the, you know <sighs> under the cover of COVID, nobody talks about that conspiracy. It's like they've been talking like war is not going to be fought anymore, where people storming your border or. That's that's antiquated. You can't do that. Everyone's got thermonuclear weapons. And so now nations kind of fight the way women fight, passively aggressively. <laughs> Subterfuge. A little like, we love you. And then there's a virus that gets crept across. And then we kind of just took Hong Kong with a security law under the cover of darkness. Well, the weird thing is that there was these demonstrations in Hong Kong that were on the street forever. Remember those? Like, yeah. For months and months and months. And now they've sort of mysteriously those vanished. Those have ended. Yeah. They, they threw water on that shit. Yeah. And they've been wanting Hong Kong. And they've been vocal about it for a long time. Like, hey, like, no, nah, this is one China. Yeah. We're going to take it back. And now it's like... They're taking it back, and they're doing it in a very smart, like the way a smart woman would do it. Like I don't see a way out of it for them either. For China, it's like for the Chinese people, like I don't. Yeah, they're I don't. too powerful. It's uh, they can um, I don't know, man. It, it makes a good argument for how that system has can be advantageous. You know, like it. People who are from there who come to America who understand the dangers of it. They, they, it's a very eerie warning. Yeah. You know, I had Melissa Chen on my podcast. Yeah. And she was descri- describing. I follow her. She's great. She's really great. Yeah. And, but her worries about China are, you know, like a lot of people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. like, no, no, no. She, she really actually understands what the dangers are. Yeah. And that's the dangers of accepting authoritarianism. Yeah. Ath- authoritarianism in this country is like, there's a lot of people that like it. Because it silences their opponents, mm-hmm. right? They're, like this, what's going on right now with like parlors getting shut down, and you know Amazon pulls it from their servers, and then Apple pulls it off of their uh, App Store, and then Google pulls it off the Google Play Store, and everybody's like, "Yeah, good, they're spreading hate." Like, hmm, what percentage is spreading hate? Like, what's the numbers? And the- is this is this wise that we shut down all discourse that you agree with? Like, yeah, it's. It's not good if someone gets on there and they, they're talking about violence against the government or violence against individuals or or they're spreading racist ideas or what, whatever the fuck they're doing that's that's that that, that, that that disturbs people and angers people. You're right. That's not good. But I do not think that the solution is to shut them down because the real problem is that it, it sets a weird precedent. It sets a precedent where the people that are in power can decide that something is wrong speak, something is bad, and you can just eliminate it completely. Yeah. And then when things like that happen, they keep going. They don't just stop at that. They don't stop at things that we can all agree are, are terrible. They, they, they go to things that maybe you don't think are terrible, right. but other people do think are terrible. And then they keep going further than that. You see this with the left. Like There's a lot of people that claim to be leftists. They claim to be left-wing, but they're not quite left-wing enough, mm. and so they get taken out yeah. by people who are more left-wing. Yeah. And it gets weird because it becomes this like sort of like political ideological wrestling match yeah. for control of like what is the left and what is the center. Yep. Where is the right? If you disagree with anything on the left, you're the right. right. And you might be extreme right. Right. Yeah, no, you're a Nazi if you disagree. Yes! But I think it, 
what you're saying already happened because with this incident, you're going like, okay, we blame Donald Trump's the president. His rhetoric was kind of, you know, you can interpret it as like he kind of gave them license to go do that. So shouldn't the buck, the buck stop with Donald Trump? Like Donald Trump, that's even a little bit of a debatable thing. You're going like he was speaking legally. You're going like, that's a First Amendment thing. He was speaking. He said peacefully go over there. there it's yeah, interpretable. He gives mixed signals. Yeah, of course. The problem I, in with my him opinion is, is he, he did. says we have to be strong. You have yeah. to go march to the Capitol. Yeah. He gives mixed signals. And he says, like, we have to do this correctly. We have to respect our right. great country. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What was that shit you said the other day? Right, right. You said that they don't respect anything other than strength. Right. Like, you said, go march towards the cap. You're, you're firing people up. And you're firing people up, but they live with their mom. They're, they're in the basement. Yeah. They have no fucking job. Their identity is entirely associated with this movement. Yeah. No, my opinion is that. But I'm saying legally, it's debatable. Like, what he said. You, right. could, you could argue it in court. But then the buck should stop there. I mean, th it's already happening where they're going, oh, no, let's take... Let's take this opportunity to shut down Parlor. Let's take this opportunity. They're going after Andy No's book now. Let's get that out of stores. Let's. Uh, let, they they want to keep going yeah. because like it's uh, this orgy of kind of like let's shut down this stuff that leads to. And you're like, wait a second. How can you prove it leads to that? I mean, idiots are going to do what idiots do. Like, and to me, that was a coup attempt. That was a coup attempt by guys who believe like that's what you'd expect a coup attempt would look like by guys who believe like that Hillary Clinton's a shapeshifter and she turns into a <laughs> reptile. That's what it, you'd imagine it would look like. Like, yeah. what are we doing? Okay, let's fucking let's go in there with Trump flags and take selfies and God, so it's so dumb. And let's go kidnap Nancy Pelosi with zip ties. Zip ties, <laughs> yeah. stacks of zip ties, like yeah. more zip ties than there are members of the Senate. Yeah. If anything, it was just like an inept coup yeah. attempt. Yeah. Well, it's losers. Yeah. It's losers who decided that this is their moment in the sun. Yeah. And meanwhile, they're they're all COVID deniers, so they're not wearing masks. No. Because they're so fucking stupid. Yeah. Like, that guy sitting on Pelosi's office with his feet up on her table. Yeah. Like, what did he think was going to happen? <laughs> he thought he was winning. <laughs> he thought he was winning. He's it's like, this funny. is it. Yeah. It's and if you look at that guy, like, <laughs> his bone structure is very primitive. Yeah. You ever see the photo of that guy? Like, he has, like, a chimpanzee face. Yeah. Well, you know, I think... You know what I'm saying? Yeah, if you did like a if you did a DNA test of the people who did that, I think you would find that they're like barely sliding into human. Like it's a <laughs> it's a play at the plate. Like you got to go check the instant replay and see if a finger got in there. They're closer to that than they are like smarter people. Well, that dude, that one particular dude. See, pull up a photo of that dude with his feet on on Nancy Pelosi's I know, I desk. Know the, the fit. He's very chimp-like. Yeah. in his bone structure. Look! Look at that. <laughs> Look at, but go to the one on the right hand side. Like, look how prominent his cheekbones. Yeah. Right there, that one down there in the corner, where he's got the paper. Where he's holding up her mail. Her mail. Yeah. Yeah. Go look at that. Come on, son. Yeah, yeah. That that is. Yeah, he does. Very chimp-like bone structure. Yeah. Yes. And uh, <laughs> look, evolution is not a fucking fair race. No, it's not. You know? I I realize that when I talk to guys like Elon Musk, yeah. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. You're way ahead of me. Yeah, it's just he's just a different yeah. on a different level. Yeah, I think I think there's like four levels of humans. There's like you got your really dumb, you got your brilliant, you got guys who can kind of look at the brilliant and say he's brilliant, and then you got guys a little below who can look at the guys who know that the guys are brilliant and go like that guy's smart. Right, and, and then you got your Elon Musk. Then you got your Elon Musk is the like, brilliant at the top. Yeah, yeah. I've, just, I've got ideas. I've got yeah. ideas. I can't stop them. Yeah, you're just like <laughs> you're talking. He's looking at us like we're going like. Ooh, Every yeah. time we speak, he just hears chimp noises. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I have that feeling every time I talk to him. Like, don't say something stupid. Don't say something stupid. Yeah. But like everything, to him, everything's being a little yeah. like, yeah. Everything's stupid. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. he's talking. He's like, "Sorry, I just uh, engineering was happening here. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> what's going on?" Yeah, this figure out differential equations. Yeah, how do you govern that shit? How do you govern that shit without being a dictatorship? Because I look at Rome and like they had the kings, then they had democracy for a little bit. They tried to do the Greek thing, but then it was just a succession of Caesars, which are essentially dictators that kind of had the longest success. Queen Elizabeth, the same thing, you know, just uh, a great era. She was a dick. She was fucking, and she was fierce. She was a fierce bitch. Well, it really is interesting because it seems like our founding fathers kind of knew what the pitfalls were. So they tried to put a bunch of checks and balances in place so no one could ever be a real dictator. Like they really, that's yeah. why they figured out the House of Representatives. That's why they figured out the whole system, Congress, the Senate, uh, all these different things like, uh, you know, the Electoral College. They tried to map it out so no one could ever completely dominate the populace. But one of the things they fucked up is this idea of... Slavery was a big one, too. That's a giant that's one. That's a big one. We're all free. Fuck! But also... <laughs> that's weird. The, the real problem was the, like being able to vote for someone who runs the whole thing. Because it's a popularity contest. Yeah. And the thing about Trump was he's the first popular person to enter the popularity contest. Yeah. Individually, like independently popular. Yeah. Like that had never happened before. Right. And he hijacked it. Yeah. Someone who has like mastered reality yes. TV and Twitter, which are like the the two mediums that became what we all are like kind of yeah. zombies to. Well, yeah. and even before that, it was pop culture. This guy was in rap songs and he was in Home Alone. Yeah. I mean, he was famous for being a baller like a long time ago. Yeah, like, he made himself a celebrity. He's like a comic. Like even his Twitter looks like an unhinged comic. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. You know how we mm -hmm. like, comics pay attention to the one negative comment and we'll respond to it like idiots. Like we're talking about my Twitter. It's like if I was president. I mean, it's not a good thing. Well, how about when uh, Megyn Kelly was interviewing him, when they were he, she asked him a question about disparaging women and you know calling women pigs. He goes, only Rosie O'Donnell. Only, I mean, cr I mean, how funny is that? Timing, <laughs> perfect. I mean, crush. He he's got great timing. I mean, yeah. he's used to work in the crowd. How about like I don't trust him, you know, uh, and and with his uh, with him in charge of the and that, uh, when Hillary goes like I don't trust him with putting people in. She goes. No, I put you in prison. Yeah, yeah. because you'd be in jail. You, because you'd yeah. be in jail. Like, yeah, he, and, and he like, nails it, and the audience is like, ah! <laughs> yeah. But then we'd realize that we had fucked up. We'd, we'd let something out of the bottle. Yeah. You know, we let a genie out of the bottle. It's going to be very tough to put that fucker back in. I don't know how we return to normal, man. It's going to be even like, even when you listen to politicians now, they're going to try to... The, the center and normal, reasonable rhetoric just is not entertaining, and right. now we want entertaining and yeah. i blame the media i really go back my personal opinion is the media did not adapt to the digital age they started giving articles away free online dependent on ads instead of subscriptions and they increasingly got more fictionalized clickbait more clickbait headlines and then it just kept going and going and going now it's just like car crashes that's right, what but what are they gonna do they had to survive yeah, I mean, I get it. I mean, the internet came, and uh, this is something we have to adapt to. Like, it can't go away. It's great. I mean, this show is because this show is great. You know, this is the only place you can listen to, you know, Michael Costa, and then you can also listen to 
astronauts and the, Cornell West, Cornell West, and fucking the greatest thinkers Elon of the day. Musk, yeah. yeah, and it's like for a long time, and you dig it because they're interesting people. So the internet gave birth to that. Yeah. But then, like you know, without it, there's no yang without a yang. And then also we got you know guys who believe that reptiles are you know turning into uh, Democrats and Democrats are drinking children's blood under pizza restaurants and shit like that. <laughs> so it's like because that's fucking entertaining. Yeah, like you're not gonna get a lot of followers if you're saying, hey guys, the right's kind of weird and the left's getting weird. They're going fuck. That guy. I want to hear about Hillary Clinton turning into a reptile and, and sucking off puppies. Politicians are celebrities now. Like Nancy Pelosi is this form of celebrity. Fucking now. chefs are celebrities. Yeah. Get back in the fucking kitchen, you fat <laughs> fuck. I don't want to see your crocs and your fucking sauce-stained schmuck. What are you doing outside of the kitchen? Why am I listening to a fucking chef? They're artists. Do your drugs back there. To your, they gotta do coke because they work long hours and like get back. One of them was entertaining. And unfortunately, he's not here. Yeah. He was, he was, he was the most. Yeah, but Board he kind of fucking most. ruined it, man, because he was nah. so dope. Now I got to listen to fucking Mario Batella, you know? Yeah, I wish he was still around. Yeah. Fuck. He's a, he was <sighs> so great. He was so like, uh, he was a real dude. And then, um, you know, then it becomes pop, just mm. like everything. What Austin's scared of with this California invasion. Yeah, well, Austin's not you, but it. they're like, yeah, let's keep Austin. Austin. Well, they're they're worried about Texas in general becoming blue, yeah. versus red. And I think what Texas needs is a blue spot in a red state. I think they're better off with that. They're better off with the regulations of the Republicans, where they allow the restaurants to stay open and they they allow business and they allow even art like stand up comedy. You know, I'm I'm I got a show tonight with Chappelle at Stubbs. Barbecue. Just a little show. Just yeah. a little, yeah. When, and, you know, we're doing that because we can do it in Texas, where, yeah. where, where it makes sense, where they say, okay, we're going to test the people. We're going to COVID test the entire crowd. Can we jam 400 people into this place? Are you testing them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they're like, okay, good. In California, you can't do anything. It's a great point, man. You can't do fucking yeah. anything. You can't, can't do that. anything. And they're like, we need to protect people. We need to protect people. Except, you know, except the people that are losing their fucking jobs. Yeah. Except people that are losing their business they've had for 30 years in their family. Yeah. They're losing it because of incompetent government that doesn't recognize the fact that there's consequences to all decisions. And you, you can't just decide that you're going to stop business. You have to think, like, well, what does this do? What's the trickle-down effect? Right. What does this do? for suicide depression alcohol and drug abuse what does this do to domestic abuse child abuse right. like there are consequences to this right like how bad is this right like, we're, we're in a bad space but is it the worst space? no it's not adjust adjust you're i can't you can't argue that man it's like uh it's it's really exposed kind of the failure for us to be prepared like the failure in bureaucracy yeah. um yeah because it's a real sophie's choice but Sophie's Choice, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a real Sophie's Choice where you got to choose between... Explain that to people. What is Sophie's, Sophie's Choice? Sophie's Choice is like she had to choose... It's a great movie by... Uh, a great movie with Meryl Streep. Uh, you know, that a lot of people just... were You were supposed to read the book in high school, but then you just saw the movie and you're like, yeah, I read it. Because it's like a thousand Cliff pages. Notes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a great... It's like a... What it basically means is you have to choose between two bad options. She had to choose between which kid she was gonna she was going to pick during the Holocaust. And of course she went with the guy because, you know, it's old Spartan rules, you know, kick and lift Ooh. shit. So Ooh. I'm kidding, ladies. But I don't remember which one he picked. But I don't remember which one she picked And I just either. called her a him, but I don't know what she's doing these well, days. Well, she might be a him now. Yeah, who knows? She just go back and forth. Who knows? What is that? Spoiler, you're 
<laughs> she chose him? Spoiler. Yeah, from well, the 80s. You know. <laughs> when was Sophie's well, that was choice? Be- How come she hasn't been fucking put on notice for that? She chose the boy over the girl. That's fuck. I'll put her on notice. Well, it's fiction. Yeah. And you could do that back then. Today, yeah. they would rewrite it. They would. <laughs> like, she chose the girl. She chose a trans girl. She chose a trans girl. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's a cho- Sophie's choice between the economy and um, ICUs being overrun. You got to think that out a little better. You well, can't. Even Cuomo's admitting it now. He's going like, we can't continue to do this. You're like, dude, you should have kind of been sympathizing with that a little bit more a little earlier. Well, in his defense, no one knew. Yeah. They, they didn't know. They didn't know what this was going to be. They're all figuring it out as they go along. One of the problems of Monday morning quarterbacking is everybody's looking back at his decisions and saying, you know, hey, you know, you should have done this, you should have done that. We didn't know what the fuck it was. Yeah. We thought it was going to kill everybody. We didn't know what it was. Yeah. We didn't know we'd be in a room right now with me, maskless, with two people that have survived COVID. Yeah. We didn't know. Yeah. And I am a survivor. You're I'm not a, a victim. I'm a survivor. A survivor. I'm a survivor. I had a stomach Do you have the eye of the tiger? I got the eye of the tiger. I'm a survivor. <laughs> I was listening to it while I had COVID. <laughs> I went on a tour with that guy. The guy from Survivor, mm-hmm. me and Charlie Murphy and John Heffron, we did a, a Real Men of Comedy tour with, uh, it was a Bud Light Maxim tour, and the Survivor guy, the singer, rest in peace, um, he, uh, he, they would sing songs, like the Real Men of Genius. You remember those no. Bud Light songs? No. You remember those, Jamie? Yeah, I was going to say, I was thinking like, that's why, because they're sponsored by me. I was like, yeah, no. he would sing those songs at the shows. It was really fun. Yeah. He was a good dude, man. He was a fun guy. The Eye of the Tiger guy, and he would he would sing songs like for Bud Light at these shows that we did. It was really fun. That's dope. I and went on tour with uh, Charlie Murphy and Donnell when I was first starting comedy. What year was this? This was 2005 or six, right when Chappelle was, Chappelle's show was like. Wow, that's right before we did our tour. We did our tour in 2007. Yeah, and it was like, man, that was crazy, like how popular that show was. I remember walking in the mall with Charlie Murphy and everyone was like, fuck your couch, Charlie Murphy. <laughs> And uh, I went one day. Me and Charlie Murphy went alone to the mall because I had to buy underwear because I didn't. Pa- I wasn't like an experienced road comic. I was just selling Donnell's posters and like doing five minutes. And uh, me and him went to the mall because I had to buy underwear because I ran out of underwear. And it was just me and him walking. And he's just get every step of the walk. He was. Just, I'm rich. I'm bitch. rich. Just throw- <laughs> I mean, that show was a cultural phenomenon. It's the greatest sketch comedy show in the history of the world, and it only ran two seasons. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Comedy Central fucked it up. Yeah. Well, they did that third season without Chappelle. But. Yeah, you know. And Donnell hosted it, and, mm-hmm. you know, they're still tight. Him and Dave are still tight. I, Donnell's going to be there tonight. Yeah, Donnell's my old. When do you fly back? Uh, I'm going to L.A. tomorrow. So you're you're free tonight? Yeah. Come to the show. Yeah, man. Donnell and okay. me go back. Donnell got me into comedy. Really? Donnell's the guy that kind of got me into comedy. Uh, I quit because I... I was like I got shot and then I was having panic attacks. Why did you get shot? Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. What happened? The fictional story, or the real one, the one I tell girls, or the real one. Oh, the real one. Okay, because uh, I used to say, "Hey, I was Heller cut." You know, I was over Darfur save, saving children. <laughs> and, you know, you take some fire. It's what you do when you're saving the world. But um, no, I, uh, I was, I when I first started doing comedy, I was working in nightclubs and I used to work at this nightclub uh, that was like kind of it was thuggish. It was like a thuggish, like real. Real thugs went there, and um, my friend was a promoter, and he would carry thousands of dollars of cash with him, and so it was like an attempted robbery, and uh, yeah, I got shot uh, point blank range, 38, Where'd right here in the hit? leg. Whoa. Right, right by my piece. Yeah, it was close. Thank God my penis mm. isn't bigger. 
you know, missed right there, and it lodged itself in in my butt cheek. And then uh, a couple of years later, the bullet came out. Well, Funny story when they, when the surgeon they take it out because the the oh, a foreign came, object will like slowly work its way to the surface, like yeah. your body will reject it. So it got to the point where I could like feel it. And then I had surgery, they put me under, took it out, and I remember they were taking it out, and I was like coming to, and I, the surgeon was down there with the nurse, and I just farted right in their face because I was up in stirrups. <laughs> <laughs> so when I came to, it was like a huge <clears throat> fart. It was hilarious. That's hilarious. And I was doing social work when I got the x-ray right before I went to the surgeon. I was doing social work, so I worked with like a lot of older Christian ladies, and uh, I went and got the x-ray and brought it back to my office, and they all wanted to see the bullet, and I hadn't looked at the x-ray yet. And they all gathered around, all these older Christian women, and I took the x-ray out and put it against the window. And it was like, you could just see my penis. Like, it was like my limp penis, because it was an x-ray of my pelvis. So it shows up on the x-ray. You saw the bullet. It was like a... And then, like, my penis, just like fucking... A ghost penis. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a police sketch of my penis, like the outline of it. And they were like, oh! And they all kind of, like, turned away. It was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, It's hilarious. Yeah. Did the guy shoot you because... uh... He wanted to make a point. He was robbing. He was trying to rob because he knew that. But why did he shoot you? So what happened was like we were getting in the car and. Um, Notice I said he. I assumed you weren't robbed by a, a Yeah, woman. which is kind of like Joe. Sexist. Yeah. Why couldn't a woman shoot me? They're capable. They are. They are. Yeah. They should be equally represented in prison as well. Occasionally they are when they're on coke. Yeah. We need to put more women in prison for equal representation in prison. So I looked back and I saw him. He had a mask on, gloves. He was coming. Like as we were getting in the car, and I just made the decision to try to get in the car and tell my friend to drive, which was stupid. He kind of sped up and then kind of fell into the car. It was a Jeep, thank God, because I was higher up. Because if it was lower, it might have been, you know, been yeah. somewhere here. And then I, the gun was kind of like in the car. I saw it and I just grabbed his arm. And then I like pushed it down and he fired. So it just went bang. And then, Ooh. yeah, I got shot right there. And then, like, I kind of, I remember making a, like, concerted decision to pretend like I was hurt. Uh, it was just a decision on the moment. Like, I just, like, really hurt, even though I didn't know if I was or wasn't. So I kind of just, like, slithered down on him, and he kicked me a few times, I remember. And then he ran, and the cops, they caught him. Because that club was always a problem, so cops were always close by. And, uh, yeah. What year was this? This was 2001. May 2001. So you just started? I just started. I just started coming. And you kept going after that? Yeah, see, I get emotional when I think about it because like, it's like, uh, it, it really derailed. Well, I, I quit for a while because I get on stage and I started having these panic attacks and I didn't know what that was. Like I, had, I was totally, I didn't know what, I'd get on the train and I'd start bugging out. Like I was cool for a little while, like right afterwards I got right back to it. And I think I even did an SNL audition with Jason Steinberg set me up with it at Stand Up New York. It was the year that Rob Riggle got it. And uh, I did it like I limped up on stage. It was like a, the two nights, and I bombed. But um, and then the panic attacks started happening, and then I didn't know what those were. And I was like, "Fucking what are? What is this?" And it was like uh, PTSD, I guess. Mm. Yeah. And I'm an anxious Damn. person to begin with, so. Damn. Yeah. It was a weird thing, and then I kind of quit comedy for a couple of years. And Donnell, Donnell's the guy that kind of like I would do. I became friends with him to, through this guy, Adam. And then uh, he would have me on his show once a week at this place, um, Miriam Square on Upper East Side. And then he took me on the road. And I, that's how I really started again in like 2005, six when Chappelle's show was hit. And I became friends with Donnell. And, and that was it. He would encourage me. He was like, yo, man, yo, son, you're funny. Son, son. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's been saying son for 20 years. Forever. Yeah. Well, that was he probably calls York his thing. son, son, son. Son. <laughs> yo, yeah. son, come in here, son. Yeah. Donnell's a national treasure. Yeah. 
I love that dude. I owe him really a lot. Like he was the guy who got me into it again, and you know, so thank you, Donnell. He's been a good friend ever since. He's a wild kid. He's hilarious, dude. He's so funny, dude. He shakes the room like he's one of those guys that when he connects, like I remember he used to do these old black rooms where I would start. He would put me up this place called Poke Knockers where somebody got my What's it called? Poke Knockers in Brooklyn. Poke, Poke Knockers. Spell it. P O K. And then the knockers. <laughs> and it was like, it was a black room. I mean, like, I walked in and it was like, everyone thought I was a cop kind of thing, you know? And uh, he would rip people, he would host, and like anyone who walked by the stage, he would just rip them. And I remember one night I bombed so bad that when I got off, it was like, I was scared to just walk out. And I was like hoping there was another exit. Like, you ever bomb so bad you, like, want to leave your jacket somewhere? Mm. So, like, it was one of those. The, and he would just rip. I mean, he would rip. It was the first time I saw Burr. And Burr walked in, just crushed. He's, him and Rich Voss were the only two guys you would see go into those black rooms and just level. And I remember the first thing Burr said, because this show was in, like, the hood. It was in Bed-Stuy. And the first thing Burr said when he got up there, he's like, ah, good to be back in the old neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> No fear, just kind of, and then did him and just leveled. He's a national treasure. Yeah. There's a few of those guys out there that just no matter what happens, they're still swinging. Chappelle's one of them. There's a few of those guys, no matter what happens, they're still just swinging, just swinging. They don't, they don't stop what they're doing. And you, but people don't realize how fragile real comedy actually is. It's like they want to take what you're saying as fact like this is what you really think like no they're saying that because it's a funny thing to say patrice had the best take on it there was a time where opie and anthony got in trouble for something and patrice was on this uh talk show and he was talking to about it with his there was this woman on the show who was saying like this was inappropriate you should never say this he goes you gotta understand that when a comedian says something whether it makes you laugh or it makes you angry it it's all coming from the same place they're trying to make you laugh like the intention is important they're just trying to make you laugh they're not trying to take down the world unless they're terrible unless they're really a bad person most comedians are not but we don't necessarily know if something's going to hit until you say it right you know you say but you, the whole intention is just to get a good feeling from the audience you want everybody to go bah! I can't believe you said that, Giannis. Yep. That's the whole reason to say it. Yeah. And, and usually the guys who are saying all the right things, those are the ones you got to watch. Yes. Vin Vince Champ, Bill Cosby. Ooh, I'm clean. Don't so curse. True, yeah. So true. Yeah. Right? So true. People don't understand. Like, bad people don't announce they're bad. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? If you're yes. a serial killer, you don't walk in and go, hey, can I rape you? Yeah. It's like they yes. pretend to be the opposite of who they are. Mm -hmm. So you should want comedians to say bad things and like yeah you're trying to define comedy out of existence like the class clown wasn't funny because he said the right thing at the right time right you know what i'm saying it's like and that was the guy that took a chance huh he was the guy that took. yeah a chance. he was the guy who said the wrong thing who farted during quaker meeting you know <laughs> that was like the hardest i've still ever laughed in my entire life i went to quaker school for a little while what's quake to be a quaker it was like well brooklyn friends it was uh, so Quakers had schools called like Friends. You went to a Quaker. I went to school? a Quaker school for a little while. Yeah. Were you, was your family Quakers? No, Greek Orthodox. But like anyone could go, and you know. Why did you go? My parents just put me there. You know, it's like you uh, thought it was a better school. Thought for it was you? a better school. It was, I went, went from public school. I was failing out, and they were like, "Let's put them in." It was a private school, you know. So I went there, and it's a Quaker school. So it's not like 
an elite. It's like a Quaker school. So it's like they have a diff, you get a pass or a fail. And it's really cool. I respect the Quakers, you know. They didn't do slavery. And uh, they're cool. <laughs> that's, a, that's a positive. They, you know, they were on the oats. They were on the, they make oats and shit. They do a little inbreeding and whatnot, but you know, you know. Every now and then. Every now and then. You gotta fuck your yeah. cousin. Yeah, because I mean, there's not that many Quakers around. Yeah, but, that's um, a problem. Yeah, a lot of it is sitting in silence. That's their thing. So every, when you go to a Quaker school, every day you start the day with a moment of silence. The whole school is quiet. And then once a week, the whole school gathers for 45 minutes and everyone sits in silence <laughs> unless God moves you to speak. Did you fart? It was my friend who farted, and it was the funniest fucking thing that's ever happened because the headmaster was sitting right in front of us, and he turned around, and he still had that pre-coffee morning face anger, and the fart and the sound of the fart in that context and his turnaround, and it was, you know when you're a kid, you can't stop laughing? (laughs) And the memory, I just heard the fart in my head for 45 minutes, and I kept laughing, and we got in huge trouble. What kind of trouble? Like we got kicked out, getting kicked out of a silent meeting because we couldn't stop laughing. We'd, oh we'd stop God. laughing and then I go, and we'd start laughing again. And, dude, the fart. I mean, as a comedian, like you're going after people, like these journalists are going after people where we're, our whole field is to chase the fart, the yeah. king of comedy. Yeah, that's the funniest thing is the fart. It's the king. I understand the journalists though. It's like it's a target. Like if that's what you're doing with your life, you you ju- you gotta f- define targets and attack. I get it. I understand even when they attack me. I understand what they're doing. I get it. You know, I, I, if, if they wanted to have a one-on-one conversation, I think it would be better. The problem with writing anything down without any interruption or any interjection or any explanation, you're you're distorting what a thing is. Yeah. You know, you you change what a thing is by putting it in quotes and just writing it. You know, you, you you make out a comic to be this bad person. You, you 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 change what it is. Yeah, it's like taking a fish out of water. Comedy is nothing without context. Yes. You could take a fish out of water and try to judge that fish, but yeah. that's not, it's out of context. Out of context. Have you ever invited any of these cocksuckers on your show no. after they say something about you? No. They, they're too scared to. They wouldn't come. I don't, I don't have to. It's okay. Yeah. Sorry, I don't, I'm getting riled up for no, you. No, but it's, I, I, you don't need to for me, man. Yeah. I mean, for whatever reason, I have a... Understanding perspective about because you could whoop ass. I don't know if that's it. I just I I've, l- I've thought about it in a bunch of different ways, and I put myself in their position. You know, if I wasn't a funny person or a person who d- desired to be funny, and I, I looked at it a certain way, th- I think ultimately all of this battle, the the pros and cons, the the you know all of this this chaos that's going on. If if we play our cards right, it's going to lead to a better world. I really believe that. I yeah. really do. I'm, a, I'm an ultimate optimist. And I think that even the people that are misrepresenting people, it, it, it gives birth to discussion and conversation. And the, the people that are wise and that really understand what's going on, they're going to they're gonna defend free speech and free thought. And they're going to defend comedy because everybody loves comedy. Everybody loves comedy. Yeah. If you don't love comedy, I mean, I feel sorry for you. I don't understand what's wrong. I don't. I don't know. I don't know why you don't want to laugh. If you just want to look at comedy and go, "Oh, you're saying that because you're bad." Oh, don't say that. Oh, you crossed a line. Oh, you did this. Like those people have their own internal problems to deal with, 
and they're they're imposing those problems on people and hoping they get support from others. The most hilarious thing is when someone chimes in and they think they're going to stop comedy and they're in a room where everybody supports comedy and the comic's like, oh, really? Right. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then they get crushed yeah. and then they storm out of there yeah. thinking, what happened? Yeah. What went wrong? <laughs> All this works in my gender studies group. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they take this chance. Yeah. It's funny. You know, it's usually the people who've been through the least that, uh, who don't appreciate comedy. Of course. Uh, you know, people who've been through shit, they yeah. need comedy. It's like, it's a, it's a therapeutic for them. I mean, like, you could just tell the messages we get just with the podcast. And, like, people will message and go, like, hey, man, you're helping me get through this time. Mm. And it's like, if you've been through shit, you're there to laugh. They, you don't care how dark it is or whatever yeah. because it could pales into comparison to the real shit you've been through. That's why I stopped doing colleges. Yeah. I, st- I stopped doing colleges. I was in Miami and I was told. They don't this- need comedy. Well, their lives are great. They're in flip flops. <laughs> they're fucking, you know. They're taking fucking liberal arts classes. Their parents are paying for it. Yeah, good. It's point. the worst crowds. I uh, did a college in Miami, and this was in like, I don't know. I don't even know what year it was. It's was probably early two thousands. And uh, I, 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 I said some joke about sex, and I said no judgment, and then like there was a weird reaction. I go, how many people are virgins? And there was a an uncomfortable silence. And I go, God damn, how many of you people are virgins? Yeah. And I realized, like, I'm talking about sex. I'm talking about the weirdness of sex. And it's probably like 30% of the people that have never even had it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. Where were you performing? Like Harvard Miami, or Miami, somewhere in Miami. And they didn't have sex? No, some of them didn't. Wow. Or if they did, maybe they had it once. They didn't know what they were doing. Right, but, right. But it was a weird moment where, where I was, I don't I think I was talking about, I thi- I'm pretty sure the bit was about someone giving you head while looking at you. And I and uh and I'm like there's nothing creepier than someone sucking your dick while looking you in the eyes. Like you don't want to be looking through the windows to the soul while someone's got their dick in your mouth. And I remember they they, they were like, "Huh? It's what? true, yeah." And they did hadn't experienced that yeah. before. And I was like, "Oh, okay, okay." And you know what? At that age, I remember yeah. though, at that age, yeah. like when a woman would look at me like that, yeah. I would get embarrassed like now when you get older and creepier, you want to get yeah. looked at. But when you're younger, you're like, stop looking at me. Exactly. Yeah. I yeah. make my wife look at yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, the other part of the joke was uh, the, the 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 woman in my act. And the joke was like, I'll do it with my hand. I'd be like, and I said, what would make you think that you could possibly be as good at that as me? Yeah. Like that is that is the most ridiculous <laughs> thing. <laughs> I've been doing that for years. Yeah, yeah. And I said, having a girl jerk you off is like trying to brush your teeth with your left hand. It's, <laughs> it's like true. the most frustrating, uncoordinated, yeah. spastic. Att- and th- but see, as an older pervert, like that's kind of fun. Yeah. If someone doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah. Like, yeah. You don't yeah. Even know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. When you're older, yeah. You, you get risk more getting tired. Yeah. Are your forearm tired yeah. there? You yeah. need something extra to get yeah. off on when you get a little older. First hand job I get, I uh, was a girl from St. Saviors in Brooklyn. Uh, she jerked me off in a, on a rock in the park, and I think she jerked me off for two and a half hours because it was just like not my hand. <laughs> so she was going like, ah, she was pulling one of those, like, yeah. ah, you know. Exactly. She took my hand, just put it on it, ah! and I was like, fine, let me just do it. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's so funny. You know what bit I loved of yours uh, the, back in the day? Um, I don't know if you put it on a special or whatever, but it was so fucking funny 
was about Hugh Hefner. Oh yeah, the that's girls not really going, on a special. Bleh, bleh, yeah, they're vomiting. It was so fucking funny. Man. Well, that was the only version of it out there sucks. But the version, the 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 idea was that he had said once someone interviewed him and they said. Um, yeah, how do these girls feel? Like, mm-hmm. you know, these 20 year old girls dating you. Yeah. And he goes, Whoa, they feel very lucky. This yeah. has always been a dream for them. <laughs> and I was like, Lucky, lucky, live yeah. in a dream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get so bit about these poor girls. Like, old like hang in there. You're getting a Porsche. <laughs> hang in there. I can't do this. Yeah. 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 That was, was, I remember I was rolling laughing when I saw that. It's well, so funny. It was such a, a weird. I, I remember one time uh, he came to the comedy store and I did the bit. I did, and, and, and everyone was like, You're going to do the bit? I'm like, Fuck yeah, I'm going to do the bit. And I did the bit and then just hid. <laughs> <laughs> he, came, he came to the store with like two different playmates. Yeah. He was like, because that was his thing, right? He would go there with these girls. And it was very performative, you know? It was like very, it was before social media. It was like this thing where he would like, he had this persona that he was, you know, he would wear like a fucking smoking jacket and show up everywhere with a bunch of girls. You're like, wow, that guy's, he's he's killing it. And I was like, what is happening here? Like, imagine if that's your daughter. Like, like, what has gone wrong in these young ladies' lives? Yeah. (laughs) Remember we had that show, The Girls Next Door, those poor ladies. You know, that's the thing about comedians. Like, uh, people say, you're going to do that bit. They were saying it like, you shouldn't because he's here. And you're like, fuck yeah, I'm going to yeah, do it. No, I did it. I Donnell mean- could tell you a story. I, when I was doing that show, uh, tonight he'll tell you. Well, I'll bring it up. When I was doing that show uh, at uh, Marion Square, there was four girls I invited to the show. And I had slept with all four girls. Oh, And no. I said to Donnell before, because I didn't really have any material. I was a horrible comic. And uh, I was like, you know, I fucked all those girls. I'm going to make a joke about it and he's like son i wouldn't do that <laughs> and i said no I, yeah i think it'll be real funny and he you know donnell just like older comic was like i'd son do you son you know like and he kind of like and then i did it and it went horrible like the girls were like fucking stormed out they didn't talk to me ever again but that was my stage like where i would just do the wrong thing i went on bet and donnell this is one of his favorite stories i went on bet when they were doing live comedy on 106th and park so it was like a competition where the audience judged. And I had an N-word joke. And this show was like doing well for black comics. So I was on there. I might have been one of the only white comics to ever be on there. And I, they, they heard the material for Like I performed it for the producers in like a room. So they knew the material. But I guess they just kind of didn't think about the, this was before wokeness kind of. So I did the joke live on BET about the N-word. And then BET banned live comedy on that show after that. Ah. I went to watch it on a rerun, and there was like a rerun of Pinky and the Brain on. I was like, something went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and the joke was about how, like, um, you know, they should say that rappers should say it more just to fuck with white people. It should be like every other word to just so white people just have to skip like half of the song. And then if they slip up and say one, just black person can just hook off and fucking punch them <laughs> in the face. And it was the time that Jamie uh, Jamie Foxx's song "I'm Not a Gold Digger" was out, so I was like singing that song, and I think I even said the N word. Well, that's Kanye West song. Yeah, Kanye. Uh, no, yeah. no, no. Uh, right? Right? That was Jamie, Jamie Foxx Fox. sings on it, but it's a Kanye West song, right? Yeah, I think my it was like yeah. Jamie Foxx sings the, and Kanye. the. Yeah, he sings the vocals. The hook, like yeah. the yeah, yeah. Jamie talks about how him and Kanye worked together on that song about Kanye, like sort of directed him on how to do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's a he's an interesting guy, man. Out of all the people that I've interest that I've interviewed rather and talked to, Kanye West is one of the most interesting. Yeah, because I was like in the middle of talking to him, I was like, I I don't know anybody like you. Right, like his he's got a really unique brain, man. He's so good at music. He's such a good producer. He makes good music. But I got to admit, man, I'm a sneakerhead since I was a little kid. I don't understand sneakers. They look like people tires. Like I don't. <laughs> They just look like tires, well, he's and got, they sell for like three grand, and people buy them. He's killing it. He's killing the game. He's got this perception of life that's very unique. Like he breaks down like agriculture. He breaks down housing. He breaks down like electricity and like fucking irrigation. Like he's he, his brain is firing at like a thousand RPMs an hour. A minute, rather. He's like he's constantly going, man. He's a weird guy in in a very positive way. He's very underappreciated in that respect. Like mm-hmm. people malign him because, of like, I think his Donald Trump support. I think a lot of it was about when Obama called him a jackass. Mm-hmm. I think that fucking stuck in his craw. Mm-hmm. Like he was like, oh yeah, I'll show you a fucking jackass. Like, <laughs> or maybe he was just one of the rich, only rich black people being honest, being like, yo, less taxes. You know what I mean? Because I always feel like a lot of people are, are liberal on the gram, and then they get in the voting booth, and they're like... 50 Cent had the funniest 50 Cent, response. he had a moment where he was like, fuck that. You he see goes, what's going to happen? I want to be 5 Cent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's liberal on the gram, and then they get in their accountant's office, they're like, all right. Well, I don't think they really believe that the money that they give up is going to go to good. I think if people were 100% assured that if you give up more of your taxes, the world's going to be a better place, right. they would believe it. But then they see all this nonsense with politicians and they're like, I don't trust you with the money. I mean, that fucking stimulus bill. And then they had another bill sending all that foreign aid to other countries. You're going, what, was like, that about? what the fuck is this, dude? $600? Like, I almost stormed the Capitol. It's Gender like, studies in Pakistan. Yeah, what the <laughs> fuck, dude? Like, at this moment, you're giving, like, foreign aid. This is not the time for foreign aid. It just shows how weird politics are. That you have to appeal to all of your lobbyists and all your special interest groups. And there was a, a part of the bill that made it uh, a federal fe- a felony to stream, to like for illegal streaming. They tried to slip that in. Yeah. They slipped it in. Yeah. They did slip it in. Yeah. There was also a part of the COVID bill that made it so that they have to expose all the UFO secrets that the CIA has. Yeah, yeah. Do you understand they released that now? They released it today. All the UFO study, all the, the information the CIA has about UFOs are released today. Because uh, oh. Jeremy, I think Jeremy Corbell uh, posted it, the guy who, uh, he produced the documentary um, uh, Bob Lazar, UFO, uh, UFOs and Bob Lazar. Right. Uf- fly- what is it? Bob Lazar. What is the documentary on Netflix? Bob Lazar, Flying Saucers and UFO. But um, Area 51 and Flying Saucers. Area 51 and Flying Saucers. Um, but they didn't they, re- they released that today. You want another one? These yeah. fucking things get too um, small. <clears throat> I, I just... They did release the information, and on the New York Post website, uh, this is a picture of the CD-ROM. They said the information what are we was smoking small ones like poor people. Yeah, these are great, though, man. This they is, are great, right? Yes. Shout out to Foundation Cigars. And, you know, I haven't had one in so long, so, like, this one is, like, special. Yeah, this is the thing that people don't really about, realize about cigars. They get you high as fuck. Yeah, and when you hold off for a while from something you really love, it's like, you ever, like, not jerk off for uh, a long time, and then you no. just, like, end up hitting yourself in the face with your own cum? <laughs> You're like, that was worth it. <laughs> this cigar is amazing. They're good, right? So what is it saying in the post? They got put up on a website called The Black Vault. And according to this article, 
the guy Thank who runs sir. the site obtained the CD-ROM, which I don't know who the f is using CD-ROMs. <laughs> and it looks like they like printed a CD label on like you would do when you burned a, a mixtape for your friends and 20 years ago. I don't um, know. We need a common enemy right now. I hope that they release that the aliens. I, I hope they lie to us, even if they're like friendly. I hope they're... But you know what? Like If there are aliens... I think it would make sense that they would come here and not talk to us because imagine like they got to be so advanced to be able to travel that far. So like um, it would be like us walking up to an ant hill and yeah. being like, oh, that's what they do. And then you're like, you're not going to want to hang out with the ants. You're going to exactly. be like, all right, I peeped it out and now I'm going to go back to my other fucking uh, my, my, my planet where shit is lit. And we mind fuck and we're telepathic and, you know, fucking we, uh, you think the Kama Sutras, we just fucking mind fuck. Yeah, they don't have dicks anymore. Yeah. They, I think that's our future. I think what aliens are is human beings in the future. I really do believe that. When we think of the wow. archetypal agent aliens with the, the large heads and the tiny bodies where we don't have any need for muscles anymore. And we don't have any need for genital, genitals anymore because everything happens in the mind. Like, we're all obsessed with breeding and fucking and social interaction and status and clout and material possessions and all these different things. But if we could eliminate all of our biological shortcomings and pitfalls, you know, what would we look like? Well, we'd look like aliens. I mean, we are less <clears throat> biologically impaired or dependent than, say, uh, the lower primates. If you look at, like, a chimpanzee, like, they're always... They're killing each other and raping each other and smashing and you know it's like like chimps are ruthless fucking animals. I mean they really are, and we are descendants of ch or they, 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 those are our ancestors, or right. you know or at least similar to our ancestors. We share an ancestor with yeah. them. Yeah, and you look at a chimp with no hair. Jesus Christ! I mean they're fucking shredded, giant muscles, thick tendons, and then you look at what an alien looks like in, in terms of like the archetypal gray with the. The big heads and the large eyes and the tiny, tiny little limbs. That's us. That's right. the future. We're so much more feeble than a gorilla. You got to imagine that if we keep moving in this direction, we're going to be more and more feeble. Right. We're going to be think, like them. Do you think that uh, it's possible that aliens are us in the future just yes. coming back to peep? And the reason they can is because it's like back to the future. It'll fuck up. That's them. possible. It's also possible that this is the natural course of progression for biological life. Mm -hmm. And that it, if, if everything goes well, we don't get hit by a meteor or blow ourselves up in a nuclear accident, that we go from single-celled organisms to multi-celled organisms to a, some sort of a creature that figures out how to manipulate its environment. And once they figure out how... how out how to manipulate their environment, then they start manipulating their DNA. They start changing the environment they live in. They start changing, you know, the, the actual atmosphere. And, and then they start traveling to other planets and other worlds. They start figuring out intergalactic travel. Right. That's us. Yeah. It's, it's going to be us. And what they represent, I think it's more like farmers coming to check on the spores. Like, do we have mushrooms yet? Like, what do we got here? Interesting, okay. yeah. We'll come back. We'll come back in a little bit. Well, why don't they help out a little bit, though, when they I see I think they struggling? might be. They yeah. might be helping out. Yeah. They might, they might have stopped us from nuking each other a few times. Right, right. I, they started coming here. In terms of, you look at the historical uh, UFO sightings, they all really ramped up after the, the nuclear tests in the 1940s. That's when it, everything really started taking place. After Hiroshima, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, that's when all the sightings started ramping up in a big way. Was that because we had the technology to capture it? or No, I think we started nuking each other. And they're like, yo, what right. the fuck? Let's go visit. Right, because like, there's no like, accounts of uh, you know, uh, an ancient Greek saying, like, oh, and by the way, 
there was this fucking thing flying around. So no, maybe you're is. right. Yeah. There is, though. Really? There is. Yeah, that's what's really weird. So they were checking them out, too? Thousands and Probably thousands of Probably laughing at them, like, ago. fucking togas? Come on, guys. Ah. <laughs> if you go to the ancient Hindus, like the, the like uh, some of the ancient uh, works of a lot of different civilizations, Vimanas and all these different flying crafts and... And these discussions in the Bible, Ezekiel saw a wheel within a wheel. There's all these discussions of things that could easily be interpreted as something from another planet or some visitors. Right. And then the, uh, the hedgestone. How did that happen, right? What's the hedgestone? I'm saying it wrong. This is good scotch. Uh, <laughs> this is really nice. Have what is it? more. It's Get bourbon. in there. <clears throat> this is sweet. What is that? Whitmire's? What is it called? What does it say on the bottle? Whitmire's Texas Single Barrel. Who gave us that? Remember that bottle, Jamie? Who that come from? No. All right. Whoever it is, thanks. Yeah, it's great. We have we have enough booze to kill everyone in this room. That's a lot of booze. We keep getting it. Do you know I'm talking about the Stonehenge? Uh, where Stonehenge? They, where the rocks are on each other. <laughs> yeah, and Stonehenge. Stonehenge. What did yeah. I call it? Hedgestone. Hedgestone. Yeah. <laughs> what can you do? Well, Stonehenge is, <clears throat> Stonehenge is mo I think they've decided that that was some sort of uh, a calendar. I think that is the, the interpretation of Stonehenge. Right. They think it was, uh, it was, it was, isn't that, is that correct? Or maybe I, I don't know a whole lot about Stonehenge because I spent so much time thinking about the pyramids and, and, um, the Mayan ruins and the way they align with the cosmos. I didn't pay too much attention to Stonehenge. That is kind of crazy that all over the world at the same time they were building those same type of structures. That's kind of wild. Yeah, it's pretty it's wild. kind of wild. Well, one of the things that Bob Lazar, he's the guy that, uh, supposedly worked at Area S4 and... That's what this is. I can't believe I'm wearing this. But this is Bob Lazar's sketch when he was describing what it looked like that he worked on. Wow. This is, uh, uh, Bob gave me this. That's his signature down here. This is, or actually Jeremy gave me this. This is uh, his depiction of this, the, the, the vehicles that he was hired in the, the late 80s, early 90s to back engineer. Wow. Yeah, that's what that that's is. That's definitely <clears throat> what they say they look like right there, yeah. But he said that, one of the things that they read when they were uh, going over the, the, the people that had hired him had given him a breakdown of where these vehicles came from and what they were. And one of the things that he read was that they were saying in this literature that they had handed out to all the employees at S4, at least the ones that needed to know, was that we are the product of accelerated evolution, is that aliens had come down here and taken the lower primates and genetically manipulated them and created the earliest versions of human beings. Hmm. It sounds ridiculous until you realize that the biggest mystery in all of the fossil record is the doubling of the human brain size. And human, brain, human beings over the period of, I think it was like two million years, their brain doubled. It, it grew, and they don't understand why, and they don't know why we are so different than any other primate. We wear clothes, we think, we talk, we have complex language, we manipulate our environment. There's a lot of theories as to why we did it, but the most outlandish theory is that we were manipulated. Wow, that's interesting. I have a friend, Paul Verzi. He's a comedian. I know Paul Verzi. You know Paul? Yeah. I know who he is. Yeah, yeah. I've never met him. He's like my, you he's know, my best boy. friend. Yeah, he's great. He's the, he's the best dude in the world, hilarious. And um, he... Told me his dad's like a real Italian guy from the Bronx, like one of like one of those guys who's like you know he's Italian, like he's like you know he'll be like you know these rappers, but you know I got to admit they know their jewelry, you know he's one of those. 
<laughs> he actually said that to him. He's like, oh, but they know they their jewelry. You got to get their jewelry. But he says, and his mom too, because I asked his mom. Um, and so they both, his mom, his dad, and his, I think his grandparent, well, I can't remember which one, they were all in like Yonkers, Westchester, and they were like on the porch and they saw a UFO. And he, he, he says, this is how I, I believe him, because he told Paul, he was like, I wish I didn't see it, because he's one of those guys that doesn't believe in that. And, you know, and his, his mom, I think, is kind of religious too, and she admitted she saw it. They said it came down like close, and then like a, it was like a dot in the sky. It just disappeared and was like, yeah. yeah. Which is funny, like an Italian guy seeing a UFO, because they're all about getting people out of the neighborhood. So they'd be like, fuck, get the fuck out of my neighborhood. (laughs) The fuck out of here. It's my neighborhood. It takes off shooting at it. Get the fuck out of here. It's my neighborhood. I had a guy on the podcast. His name is uh, Commander David Fravor, and uh, he was a fighter jet pilot, and he, uh, he scrambled to to encounter one of them off the San Diego coast. And it's a famous story. It's uh, this this vehicle that was captured. It was captured on radar. It was captured on their, um, the, the uh, not his vehicle, but another vehicle got a, a, a video of this thing. It went from more than uh, 60,000 feet above sea level to one foot in less than a second. They're here. I mean, if a guy like that is saying that that happened, like it happened, and then there's that. Not only is he saying it happened, but he said that it it jammed the radar. Damn. Which is technically an act of war. So it's like this was an intelligent thing. So at this point, like. There, we know that there are aliens. Like they, then they've been here, and that's a tricky statement. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I love to believe that I that it's real. Are you scared at all? Like no. their, their power? Or like... I'm, I'm scared of liberals. <laughs> yeah, as a comic, that's I, our that's what we're scared yeah, of. Yeah. I'm scared of woke people yeah. that just want to fucking ban parlor and burn it all down and enforce their ideology because they got a lot of power right now. Yeah, I'm I'm scared of people that think they're right. I'm yeah. I'm scared of people that want to stifle free speech. I'm scared of people that want to uh, stop debate. And, and and enforce their opinions. I'm scared of that. I'm not scared of aliens. I'm scared of the other extreme too, where like you could, all the facts could be there and they're still like, you know, the election is stolen. And like, I'm scared yeah. of that kind of. Yeah, I'm scared of that too. It's become kind of faith-based. It's a little religious, it's a little weird. Like they're kind of, it's zealotry at this point. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no worries. And um, where they just kind of, uh, you could say anything, you could put any evidence in front of them. And the woke people are like that too. It's kind of two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. It's like the farther in any direction you go, you kind of come back around to the other side. They don't know how much they have in common, those two. And unfortunately to me, it seems like they they are dictating the cultural conversation now for some reason. And all the politicians are pandering to that extreme base for some reason. And maybe it's because they're loud. Maybe because also politicians are falling victim to thinking that Twitter is the real world when it's not, dude. And we know more than anyone. Comedians know when you do a live performance, yeah. there's rarely any of that shit. Yeah. People love it. Whatever you say live. Yeah. And that's the real pulse of America. It's not that fucking bullshit where people are hiding behind fucking avatars and arguing with Russian bots. I mean, this is fucking Russia and China to me. This is the way they've been fucking with us. I think they infiltrated education a long time ago, started like giving perks to professors and liberal arts and started like slowly pushing this kind of anti-American, we're always the bad guy kind of, uh, you know, mantra, this kind of like narrative that like, and it's become now, it's kind of culminated now in this sort of like hasty generalization, like these groups of people are bad and 
bad, good, white, black. You're like, dude, that is not the way it works. Right. I know it's easy to, it, you got an A by quote, like, you know, going like, this is bad, this is good, but because it's the lazy way to do it because everyone's fucking lazy now. But if you look at history, there's a lot of uncomfortable truths that always fuck up that argument because human nature doesn't change and people aren't as racist as you think. We're fucking shitty. I mean, nobody's killed more white people than white people. Nobody's killed more black people. We kill whatever's closest. You yeah. know, and slavery is horrible, and American slavery is probably the most brutal because you mix modernity with fucking slavery. But slavery is the oldest thing in. The, I mean, the ancient Greeks were enslaving other ancient Greek tribes. Tribes were, in, and, and Native Americans were enslaving other Native Americans. Like we are shitty, and that's why we need aliens. Please come. <laughs> <laughs> but we're shitty. You know what's the darkest truth? There's more slavery today than there was before slavery in the United States was abolished. They built Dubai. Yeah. Slaves built Dubai. They call it something else. Mm-hmm. They but, take away your passport. Yeah. They keep you there. You have Saudi to Arabia, was, they still had slavery until like 1960s they had still had slavery. Well, have you seen Libya? They, they had slave yeah. auctions and you could watch it on YouTube. You know, when Libya, when they killed Gaddafi and everybody thought that was a great thing, Libya became a failed state. And one of the things that came along with Libya being a failed state is they started having open slave auctions. Yeah. You could literally watch. See if you can find that, Jamie. Thanks, Hillary Clinton, for that one. Well, fucking fuck well that up. she thought it was a, a funny thing to talk about. You ever see that interview? She goes, yeah. we came, we, we saw, saw, he, he died. died. And then she <laughs> laughed, yeah. <laughs> Anytime a person is laughing because a human being was murdered is a and not just murdered but murdered with a fucking knife up his asshole. Yeah. You ever see that when that guy shoves that knife up his ass when Gaddafi's sitting there and he's in shock and he's surrounded by all those rebels and they're screaming and yelling and one guy takes a knife and shoves it up his ass. I haven't seen it. He's so in shock he barely recognizes Oof. the knife is up his asshole. Wow. I, I felt like you know how they they have that flag in Iwo Jima where those guys are planting the flag yeah. and that dude they will they will they will have a statue of him like, <laughs> shoving yeah. that knife up Gaddafi's ass yeah. like yes that's our Iwo Jima yeah, yeah I, I a, haven't seen that I think it all it, it, it all comes out like it's been thousands of years of human civilization to get us to the point where we can discuss things freely on a podcast I have hope I really believe that all this conflict that we have is something that we have to overcome. And I think ultimately that's good. I don't think it's good to have no conflict. I think the conflict, it, it, it makes us get our arguments more solid. It makes us get our rhetoric uh, more reasonable and logical. I think it's good for us. I think it takes time to work this shit through. We're all in a panic right now. Oh my God, they got rid of parlor. You know, we're, we're worried about this. But I think ultimately... Human beings are thinking creatures who, when confronted with the evidence, there's going to be a, a, a number of people, whether it's the m- more people or the majority of people or just a strong percentage that recognize the pitfalls of this particular ideology and the way we're looking at things. We're going we're gonna to see things for what they really are, and we're going to get through this on the other side. I don't think it's going to be perfect, but I think we're going to move to a better place, and I think... History has proven that over time, there's been tragedies and there's been corrections and there's been good things and bad things. But over time, we generally move to a better place and a more friendly and equal place. And that's what I think. Do you? uh, Yeah, I look back at history. I see these sort of cycles of 
errors of reason and yeah. then faith. Errors of reason and faith. Like the faith, you know, dark ages, then the enlightenment. Then, you know, it goes dark again. Like, you know, the Arab world was flourishing. They created, you know, algebra was named after Al-Jabbar. And they kind of, and then, uh, you know, Islam came and it kind of went to an era of faith and it kind of slowed things. Well, you, Islam originally was the, they were the fucking scientists, man. Yeah. I mean, they were, they, if you look at the the early Islamic world, they were the ones that, were the most advanced at one point in history. Mm -hmm. They were the ones that were pushing mathematics and science and, and, and reason and logic. You know, it's just, it, it comes in cycles, man. It comes in cycles of suppression and dominance. And, you know, the, the real concern is uh, unstoppable dictatorships like China and Russia. And when, when there's no dissent and no discussion. And this is what we have to realize. Like one of the things that makes America unique and powerful is that we get to talk about things and we get to disagree. Now, I completely agree when so when something happens like the storming of the Capitol, when the, when that shit happens in Capitol Hill, like that needs to be stopped. And we need to educate people as to why that's awful, why that's terrible, and why a person like Donald Trump that calls for something like that, we they, they, that person needs to be maligned. That person needs to be shot down. Not shot, but shot down. Like right. the, the, Those ideas need to be they, they need to be rejected. And what's important is discussion and logical discourse. And if your argument is sound, argue that. Discuss it. You know, the, the, the real answer for wrong speech is better speech. It's no argument. You can't argue that. It's just what it is. It is. And that, that's, that's the only way we'll get better is if, like, there's champions of that, like you saying that, like, that's what it's got to be. That's how reason will survive, is yeah. people seeking for what's the most reasonable, what's the most cogent argument, what makes the most sense, et cetera. I think, but it, most people, I think, are trying to get there. They're just trying to get there within their ideology, whether it's someone like AOC or whether it's someone on the right. Like They're trying to get there within their ideology. They're trying to get to a better place. When someone like AOC is advocating for Medicare for all or all, the, all these other things that I agree with, they're doing that because they want to get to a better place. And then they're fighting against people on the right, and so they, they shore up their arguments, and they get more aggressive, and they want to silence those people and shut those people down. But ultimately, the reason why they want to do it, the reason why it's all taking place, is because they, they want the world to be better. There's very few people that are in government that don't want the world to be a better place. The problem when someone like Donald Trump comes along, along is that when, when you look at someone who, whether you think he's a sociopath or we think he's an egomaniac, he wants what's best for himself. We, what we really need is leaders who want what's best for the world. And for future generations. Yeah, and I don't necessarily see that on the horizon in terms of like a clear a, a clear example, like someone who's in power right now that wants what's, be what's best for the world. I used to think that about Barack Obama, and I kind of still do, and I, but I think he was, uh, he was arguing for it in this really convoluted, bizarre world of uh, influence and power and bankers and you know special interest groups and there's it's probably insane and so difficult to navigate yeah you know but it, yeah i don't think o obama was a, a despot i don't think he was a dictator I don't, and I, I think also he was a statesman mm -hmm. you know i get a lot of shit from people that are like on the right that that, that don't that they don't like my love of obama but when that guy was a president, I felt like we were okay. Yeah. Because I felt like he was smarter than me. Right. I would hear him talk. I'd be like, 
He's got it. Right. He's talking to those fucking military guys and those congressmen. He's got it. Right. And he always stayed calm. He yeah. never lost his cool. And that's what you want from your top guy is a guy who's always in control, saying the right thing. Yes. And then going and bombing the shit out of people. But where, what I like about yeah. Trump is Trump, Trump gave support to the military in a way that Obama didn't. Where Trump, they squashed ISIS within one year because yeah. of Trump. And the, my friends, the friends that I have that are in the special forces. Tim and, Kennedy. Yeah. I, I heard that yeah, podcast. They, they say, look, the world yeah. changed because of the decisions that Trump made. And yeah. that Trump's, Trump's, his mandate when he got into office was to let the military stop these problems yeah. before they become a real issue for America. Yeah, and a lot of those things uh, I th are the reason I think he got elected because he was saying things, he just was saying them wrong. Yeah. Like he was just saying them like a comic would say them, like with no filter. And like when you're a statesman, you got to say shit the right way, very tempered. And like you said, you have to appeal. That's not easy to be able to appeal to everyone and stay neutral in your rhetoric because that, that's important. I mean, you're a public figure and the whole world is hanging on every word you're saying. So that's what Obama was really good at. Like yes. Every speech he gave was just like, you were looking for something. It was like, fuck this guy. Well, he good. was so measured. Yeah. And he was such a statesman. In my opinion, he's the greatest president ever in terms of the way he would talk and hold himself. Like, I always felt like that guy was a, a great example of what's possible. You get a guy who's a, uh, he comes from a, a single mother, you know, I mean, he's, he's not privileged when he's growing up, interracial family, poor, living in Hawaii, and yeah. r rises to this position and becomes the president. Yeah. Humans, are, he was great, man, in, in that way. And like, yeah, just humans just go too far. We, we have to, like, this greedy personality. Like, because a lot of the woke stuff, a lot of the ideas are great. They just yes. keep pushing more, more, more. It's they like, want, but the, the woke thing is they want the world to be better. Yeah. So, like, it's that's what I like a about good premise. Them. Yes, yeah. yes. But then they keep going where it's like, yeah. we're at this point, like, I think the majority of people love trans people, are totally okay with it. And it's like trans people are the most beautiful thing and it's a great thing. And it's a third gender and it's great. And they're obviously their brains are a little different, you know, like they, they feel like females and that's great. Science, science. Or they feel like males. Or yeah. they feel like males, yeah. yeah. And science can facilitate now a change, and that's great. But it's funny that now people are using science to make arguments against science, which is what I find fascinating, on the right and left. So the left will go like gender doesn't exist, and that's because science has facilitated that you can kind of change your gender. So it's like you're arguing against science, which says biological sex exists. Let's be honest. I had an argument with a professor about that once. Where he was like, the, the biological sex is not real. I well, go, okay, I mean, if you buy a puppy, yeah, and the puppy's a girl, but you wanted a boy, and they go, well, biological sex doesn't exist. Yeah, what do you do? Do you get your money back? <laughs> yeah, just accept the fact. Yeah, I mean, the it's fuck, just, it's, she identifies as a boy. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's like obviously charged with ideology when you hear that stuff. And there's exceptions, right, where certain people have certain levels of testosterone yeah. or estrogen. I mean, there's exceptions, but we can't change the rule for the exception. So they're using science to argue against science. And the same on the on the right, where they're going like, hey, climate change isn't real. The climate always cycles. And I'm going like, where do you know that from? Is it because science told you that there's been different yeah. cycles of climate? Yeah, so I had an argument with a guy in a jiu-jitsu class about that. He's like, it's always been a cycle. I go, dude, you're 25. Yeah. The fuck do you know? And how do you know? Did you're not you, even a scientist. Yeah, did you stick shit in the ground and fucking, how did you figure you out about this? Making core cycle? samples? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you know that because science told us you that. You go into Antarctica and yeah. fucking go, going a mile deep into the surface of the ice? Get yeah. the fuck out of here, bitch. And it's like, how can you support trans... Like, now they want to go like, trans women are women. You're going like, okay, I'll call you a woman. That's fine. But like, you're redefining what obviously is something that you're not saying. It's like, I, when I went and saw my wife give birth, I was like, okay. Dudes can't do that. I was like, come on, man. I was like, look, I'll call, if I'll, I'll give it to you. If, if trans women want to be called women, let's call them women. But then let's start calling women who can give birth mortal gods. Because that's some different shit right there some I just witnessed. Shit. Yeah. yeah I mean, I just saw a baby come out of her a hole in her body, that's which so was true. the wildest shit I've ever seen in my entire life. And then, like, if you ask the hospital, like, where are the trans women? And they're like, we don't have it. You're like, well, then you're fucking discriminating against trans women yeah. for not allowing them to give birth. I mean, like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? I didn't even think that I would ever get involved in a trans argument until there was a person that was fighting against women and not telling everybody that she was a man for 30 years yeah. and was a woman for two. And then started fighting women without telling everybody that she used to be a man. Yeah. And they were like, she's always been a woman. I'm like, stop. Right. We're talking crazy. Right. It's crazy talk. I know what you want to do. You want to make the world a better place. But right. you can't. Like Brock Lesnar puts a dress on and starts beating the fuck out of chicks. You got to say that's wrong. Yeah. And like, you see it with like there's a, there's a couple of athletes now who have just dominated in their sport dude, after doing late transitions. Bone yeah. structure is a crazy thing, man. Well, they just did a study, and then they said that, yeah, uh, there is a difference. And yeah. Like, if you see all the comments, they're going, no shit. Duh. <laughs> most people, look, most people had my back, but it was a, a loud number of people. There was a lot of trans people that thought that, under, that I was transphobic. I'm not transphobic at all. I just don't think that it's right if you compete against females without t at least telling them that you used to be a man yeah. it's not a fucking complicated thing you're biologically male and this comes from someone who's biologically male yeah. there's there's advantages and there's how come we don't hear this argument a lot from trans men it doesn't seem to it doesn't be, exist it doesn't really exist trans men aren't exist. going like let me yeah. get in there and play basketball with uh you know lebron james well, in sports, it's an issue. But in fighting, it's the greatest issue. Because, again, when I talked about it's high-level problem-solving with dire physical consequences. If you found a woman who'd been taking steroids for 30 years and stopped for two years and started fighting other women, you'd be like, hey, she's cheated. She has an advantage. Yeah. But all of a sudden, if it's a trans woman, you're like, no, there's no advantage. She's always been a woman. Like, yeah. I know, I know what men are built like. They're different. Yeah. Their fists are larger. Yeah. Their shoulders are long. The, the, the width is different. The hips are shaped different. The mind is different. Reaction time is different. This is all science. Yeah. And, and when real endocrinologists that aren't gender reassignment surgeons who, who really discuss this, they'll, they'll be honest with you. Yeah. you know, especially if they don't have to suffer uh, social consequences of it. They'll tell you, like, there's a difference. Yeah, but there's now, a difference. nowadays it's like, yeah, every, it seems like everyone has is at least a threat that you're going to suffer some sort of social consequences if you say something that a Twitter mob can kind of just yeah. hop on you about and just call you a name without discussion and saying yes. he's transphobic. It's just like... But again, even a person who's been attacked... I can tell you that I think that they're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. They think I that agree. they're making the world a better place. Yeah. And I, I appreciate it. I really do. I get it. Even a person who's who's uh, suffered like a lot of articles that have misrepresented my positions and, and taken what I've said out of context. 
I get it. Yeah. You you want the world to be more inclusive and uh, and more appreciative of people that that come from a different place. Yeah, I think it's actually kind of like it's a would be a beautiful thing to say trans women are trans women. That's great. And trans women are beautiful. That's a different thing and that's great and let's celebrate that. That's amazing. Why do we have to call it why does it have to creep into a category of someone who didn't have to take estrogen shots and be, you know, was born in a gender that they didn't feel. Why can't they be two beautiful things? Well, that's a weird thing. Why? It's like, well, people say like, oh, this is a woman. This is absolutely a woman. Well, why is she taking estrogen? Why does she have to do that yeah. if she's a woman? Like, why does she? Why does she have to go through surgery? They shut you down and call you a turf. Well, yeah. there's. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Well, that's the Fuck weird it, thing about women that yeah. argue against it. They get attacked. It's like, oh my God, you're attacking biological women for thinking that biological women should be able to compete against only biological women. J.K. Rowling. I mean, yes. her statement couldn't have been more reasonable and supportive. Martina Navratilova. Martina Navratilova. I mean, she is a fucking icon yeah. of the LBG T without community. the T. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's when the T's got yeah, involved. Before, she, yeah, yeah, yeah she, David she became, Chappelle joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, ironically enough, an Owen Benjamin joke as well. Oh, was it really? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, he argued again. I mean, he had a, a bit about it too. I yeah. don't, I don't know who saw who first, or yeah, who, or if they thought about it together. Yeah. But it's like the, this world of LBGT. That's a problem too. It's like you're you're throwing everybody together. I get it because you want support. You want support from everybody who's in this maligned community, this marginalized community. But they're different things. Like, lesbians are different than gay people. Gay people are the first to tell you that they don't have anything in, they don't have anything in common with lesbians. Yeah. My gay friends will tell you, like, listen, man, I have very few lesbian friends. Yeah. Lesbians don't like gays. They don't hang out, yeah. Some of them do. Yeah. I don't, I, it's a bad statement. But... They look at gays like fucking Peter Pan. You're out there butt fucking and partying and doing ecstasy and and you know lesbians for the most part they're different. There's no lesbian communities. Yeah, gay people have whole neighborhoods. Look West Hollywood. Yeah, they take over giant fucking swaths of land. Yeah, you go to Boys Town. I have a a bit about Boys Town because it's right down the street from the comedy store. You take a you hook a right on Santa Monica and it is a fucking different world for five blocks. Yeah. It's five blocks of no one saying no. It's just <laughs> it's just fucking partying and not a care yeah. no one can get pregnant and everyone's yeah. on speed. <laughs> da, 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 da. The one lesbian in the neighborhood just puts her head out the window. You guys keep it down. Exactly. Jesus, we're trying it's to It's so different. Yeah. It's men. Mm -hmm. Men who fuck men. It's a whole different world yeah. than the lesbian world. I'm like lesbian don't develop neighborhoods because straight men find out about them. I'm an ally, and they move next door and they fuck up your neighborhood. <laughs> you yeah. don't have a chance. My brother's gay, and he's uh, he's older. He's like sixty. You know, uh, you know, big gap in our age. And uh, he says it's overcorrection. He said, like, he's saying what we're saying. Like, it's a great thing. It's based on great principles, but yeah. it's just like that human need to that we have this thing in us where we don't. You know, it's like they used to say. Um, an old expression, I think, from Rome is like, you know, when the war is over, you put down your sword and pick up your plow. It's like humans have a real hard time being like, okay, we won. Let's put the sword down and pick up the plow. It's like there's, when you're an activist or a warrior, there's that thing in you where you're just like, let me keep, what's the keep next? Keep going. Get to the, the ocean. Yeah, it's like the war's over, dude. No. The war's over. You, you got it. The majority of the people, we're all for it. And they're like, nah, nah, let's, let's find another fucking... Well, part of the problem is that is that there's so much communication going on. There's so many people expressing ideas. 
Like there's someone out there that disagrees. So you're gonna find disagreement. Yeah. So you're gonna you wanna squash that too. Yeah. You wanna keep that fucking battle going. Yeah. It never ends. Never ends. It never ends. But I think ultimately the the mass of these people, whether they're on the left or the right, they're trying and I get accused of being on the right when I'm on the left. Yeah. Because I look like I'm on the right. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I do. Yeah. I fucking, I look like an asshole. I look yeah. like a Trump supporter. I've yeah. said a lot of stupid shit. Yeah. If you take it out of context, you'll assume I'm on um, Well, you're a perfect example of how people just kind of reject nuance because the nature of it is a little boring. The truth is a little boring. Like, you've actually said, hey... I'm voting for Bernie. I yes. like Bernie. I like Medicare for all. Those are as and they were liberal. Like, he said something yeah, bad yeah, in the 90s. But he also said that. So yeah. fucking, let's give him, it's like fucking Inglorious Bastards. They would have put a Nazi sign on you and carve yeah. it in you. And like, yeah. I don't know how this happened where the extremes kind of hijacked and uh, the conversation, but it's really wild, man. Well, it, the discourse spread. Yeah. It became much wider. Mm. You know, there's so many more people that have, can chime in. You know, and everybody want like what I was saying about podcasts that people hear us talking like I got something to say too. Yeah. Well, there's so many people that have something to say and can talk, and then other people hear it and they want to res- respond to it the same way you pulled over the side of the highway to, to argue with that dude on Twitter. <laughs> it's a true story. It's yeah. the same shit. Sad, yeah. <laughs> but that's what's going on. Yeah. I think we're gonna get through it. I really do. I I I mean, and I I understand that I'm in a very bizarre position where my my voice is broadcast to more people than the average person. So I I I feel like it's even more imperative that I stay positive. I, and I really do believe that we're gonna be okay. You handle it well, man. I could never like. I don't think a lot of people couldn't. I have brain damage. Yeah. <laughs> I've been hit in the head. <laughs> Thousands of times. I think that has something to do with it. That's the silver lining. I yeah, yeah, that's the silver lining. It's I like, mean, you trend it, all the time, and people say all types of shit, articles, and like, you just come in like, hey man, who's the next guy? All right, let's do, let's do fucking whoever. I, yeah, but who I, you want? I know, I know who I am, and I'm, I, I know I'm a nice person, and everybody who knows me knows I'm a nice person, and I think most of the people who listen to me know that even if I say something that's offensive or wrong or. I'm trying to be nice, and I, that's all I think about. Yeah, I, I know I have a weird responsibility that I didn't ask for. I didn't set this up to try to like take over discourse. I didn't. I, t- I set it up to talk shit with my friends. Yeah, I set it up in 1999 with my friend Brian Redband, or whatever it was, 2009 with my friend Brian Redband. We were t- just talking shit and, and smoking pot and answering questions on Twitter. I never thought it would have billions of downloads. Right. I, I literally never thought that. Right. And along the way, I've had to adjust. And I've had to realize, okay, 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 this is a weird responsibility that I didn't ask for. Yeah. But it, I get why they're mad. I get. I get the attacks. I get it. I get it. I think, you know, it's one of those things when uh, people look back in history, like the cultural force that this has become. I think as a comic, I, I, my opinion is it seems like a lot of why you've handled it so well is because you're a comic. Yes. It's like comics have, there's like, famous and then there's comic famous whereas like you can go see like you're gonna be tonight performing at a bar live it's like we need as comics we always need to sort of be the perennial underdog or else we lose material there's something about us that always seeks humility and it's kind of for a selfish reason because you're like you have to continue to be a comic sort of a person of the people because you if you get too big it becomes like that steve martin thing where he's like i can't do this anymore yes the steve martin thing i mean what are you gonna do be like go up there and be like hey my private plane didn't work today you know and people are going like fuck this guy i was at the comedy store once and um 
Tim Allen went on stage and he was talking about his Ferrari breaking. You're like, yeah. Yeah, it's like people are going to like, go, oh, like, the dashboard fell out. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I wanted to grab him like, Tim, yeah. talk to me. Yeah. You need to smoke pot and you need to, you need to be around other comics. Yeah. You're, 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 you're in this position where you're too famous yeah. and everybody around you, like they need you to pay their bills. Yeah. They're not being honest. Yeah. You need to work out. You need to do something. Yeah. You need to do something really hard. Really difficult, where it tests your metal. It keeps you humble. Yes, you, you need to be hard, humble. Yeah. yeah, you need to get strangled. Go to a jiu-jitsu gym and get, get strangled. Yeah. Go to kickboxing, get your leg kicked. Can I ask you a question? Is sure. the the optimism that you feel, do you think that's in any way tied to having children? Because I know I've had like sort of a paradigm shift, and it's something that Burr rides me about, like... I mean, he came on our podcast and just chewed me the fuck out for about like what? an hour about how negative I am and fucking, you know, <laughs> fucking I used to be like you and it leads down a fucking bad road. And, you know, he was just chewing me out. And, you know, after my experience with COVID and like, uh, you know, I got weird and started crying. I called him and I was like, you're right, Bill. <laughs> you're right. You're fucking right. I was crying. You thought you were going to die. Yeah, I was like, you're right, Bill. I'm negative. I got to change. And, um. Now that I have, you know, a newborn, it's like my I've experienced this kind of uh, rebirth of hope, and I, it may be selfish because of her. Like I want the world, I don't want the world, and I don't want civilization, and I don't want America to die and the ideals that that built America to die. I want it to succeed. I want it to continue. I want the the beautiful precepts that this country was built on to survive. Yeah, I want us to rise above this challenge for her, and it yeah. may be selfish, but it's like that's what's happened. And I, I don't think it's selfish. I think it's hopeful. You yeah. know, I, I I when I had kids, one of the things that one of the things that happened as I got older and I started raising children is I I started looking at people. Instead of looking at them as like, oh, this guy is a 35-year-old man. This is who he is. I started thinking, oh, he used to be a baby. Wow, interesting. I, I changed everything. Uh, it changed everything. I, I started looking at, at, at people like, oh, that's a baby that got bad information and, and mean people and no love and no support and no no comfort and and they became angry and they became resentful and everybody man you know i was watching a document not a documentary a series of interviews on uh the ice man richard kuklinski oh yeah those are the best dude i if you look at my fucking you've YouTube, made me mad now you've my, made me mad yes, what's that so scary yeah yeah i just feel like i'm mad now yeah <laughs> and he says it like very calm about how he he uh fed people to rats i would tie them up and I would put a camera on them. Yeah. And I liked George, and I liked yeah. him. And yeah. that's what I did to the guy I liked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> George, uh, George, he was a good guy. He was a guy who was a baby, who was raised by a psychopath, and a mother who was you know, distant, and probably just dealing with the fact that she was raised by, a, she was uh, married to a psychopath. And he became a monster. And uh, I, I, that, I started looking at people like babies. That happened when I became a father. You know, and it happens slowly, man. I'm, I'm ashamed to admit it took a while for me to really like, you know, because you try to protect your initial ideas and who you uh, initially were and your, you know, you want to defend your anger and defend your, your stances or your behavior or your positions. 
but it took me a while to realize that um, what what I, what I was recognizing was that who I am, who you are, who everybody is, is a direct result of the environment that you uh, evolved and grew up in, the people that you encountered, the love that you received or the love you didn't receive, the hate that you received or the hate you didn't receive. The most spoiled people are the, the people that have the easiest. You know, the most interesting people, that's all, the, one of the hardest things about being a parent is that the, my favorite people, whether it's Joey Diaz or Ari Shafir, all the weirdos that I know, like their fucking life was hard. And I don't want my kid's life to be hard. I want my kid's life to be filled with love. But my favorite people all grew up fucked up. All of them. All of them. All my favorite people grew up in the most tortured and and, 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 and confusing environments. And they have they figured their way through the maze and they oh and they popped out through the surface of the water and they got some air. That's all my favorite people. Is there a healthy way to reconcile that with your daughter? Like, you know, because you're saying you want her to have all the things that, you know, I tell fucked them. up people. Do you I like, think I how do you them. reconcile? Like, hey, I, I'm going to give you love, but I, you also got to go through some shit to have some character. I had a, a little situation with my 12-year-old the other day where uh, she was really upset. It was over uh, her mom taking her phone away. It was like nonsense, right? But I was like, it's so hard for you to recognize that your life is easy. And, and it was this, we were having this conversation where I was talking about the shit that I went through as a kid and some of the things that I went to where uh, a guy tried to rape me when I was 13 and I was explaining this to her. I go, one of the reasons why I don't want you just like running out in the world because I know you don't know that the world is filled with people who are mistreated and want to mistreat others and that there's bad people. And I don't know how much to expose you to. And I know, that, but I, I want you to know that everything I do whether I, it seems like it's, it's, it's ruining my life. Like I want, I want you to know that this is all these decisions are made because I love you. Like I don't want you to have struggle, but I also recognize the struggle is imperative for growth and I'm confused. I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know the right way to approach this other than communication, other than expression. I want to express to you how, what I've experienced and what I want to protect you from. It's hard. Yeah. And the people that I run into, like whoever I, I, I have a real thing, man. It's a real thing where everybody I meet, I think of as a baby. Right. Everybody. You, yeah. Jamie. I think of Jamie as a baby all the time. Young Jamie. I, I think yeah. of it, what was Jamie like when he was a baby? How yeah. did Jamie get to be who he is now? Yeah. I think of who everybody. I, I, it's a weird thing, man. And as a, when I became a father, as I... and as I evolved as a father and as I corrected myself and dealt with my own shortcomings, it's like I started thinking of people as, you know, you want to just get mad at someone for who they are. And this is the way I think about liberals, the way I think about right-wing people, all the, that fucking idiot that looks like a chimp that was sitting on Nancy Pelosi's desk. Yeah. That poor bastard used to be a baby. You know, and, and someone or something or a series of things happened that were wrong and he didn't he didn't get hugged enough or he didn't get educated enough or he didn't get enough acceptance or enough uh, whatever it is, man, whatever it is, whatever positive feedback he didn't get. And it led to him sitting with his fucking stupid boots on Nancy Pelosi's desk thinking he's he's winning. Right. He's not. No, he's doing the opposite of that. He's. 
And he's, he's going to suffer, on man. On camera committing a crime. And he's going to be in jail for yeah. a long fucking time, and yeah. we're all going to benefit from it, unfortunately. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's a very enlightened, evolved way to look at people because we are, uh, and that's kind of the problem in the world is everyone wants to think they're a finished product and that they're a pin. Everyone's scared to evolve or admit they were wrong mm -hmm. is a big problem right now. They, they feel everyone's defensive and everyone's yeah. either right or wrong. It's very white or black. And mm -hmm. there's a lack of humility that maybe, do you think our... Do you think sort of the level of comfort we've achieved is sort of to blame a little bit? Like, we this is unprecedented. I mean, unprecedented in human history. You know, the, when the tech revolution hit on top of the industrial revolution uh, and then the advances in medicine and stuff, like, we are so used to a level of comfort from air conditioning to all the way to echo chambers, to yep. feel comfortable, yep. detached from nature, detached from reality, that any little threat to that comfort, which like you said, leads to growth and is necessary, seems almost like a threat and something that's going to uh, be the opposite of what it is. Because like you said, those negative things are what make you grow. If you don't have any challenges or any brushes with reality, you don't evolve. If you don't hear another person's p position or perspective, you don't evolve. If you don't see, so if you don't put yourself in someone else's shoes, you don't evolve. It's like everyone is kind of just really, really bunkered down into their team right now, and they don't want to see anyone else's perspective. They just want to demean them and say they're wrong. Yes, These are Nazis. Everyone who voted for Trump is a white supremacist, mm -hmm. that type of thing. And then on the flip side, everyone over there is a cock liberal fucking, you know, and it's like, dude, we're all just people. Like, And like you said, if you grew up in San Francisco, you would be fucking drinking kimchi as well, or whatever it's called. That tea, the kimchi? probiotic tea, kimchi or kimcha. <laughs> kombucha? Yeah, kombucha. <laughs> you know, I did live in San Francisco when I was little. Yeah. And that was one of the things that helped Did me. they put kimchi in your in No, your bottle? there was no kimcha oh. back then. <laughs> when I was seven, I lived in San Francisco, seven to 11. I went from Jersey to San Francisco. Yeah. My, uh, my next door neighbors were this gay couple. My aunt used to get naked and smoke pot and play bongos with them. <laughs> I remember that when I was a little kid. I thought it was normal. Yeah. Well, I mean, San Fran, it kind of is. Yeah. Well, it was during the Vietnam War. It was a wild yeah. place. Yeah. Nobody wants to look at another perspective. Like I have a, a good yeah. friend who's very successful and, uh, you know, the descendant of immigrants, not to give too much away. And it's like, you know, multimillionaire now. And then, like, started talking about, like, white people, like, we're horrible. And I just fucking... I was like, how much, you're a mil you're a first generation famous multi-millionaire. How much quicker did you want this shit to happen? <laughs> it's like you're fucking famous and richer than 99% yeah. of the white men. That but they don't want to be attacked. It's one of the reasons why they say some of the things they say. It's like they think they're doing the right thing, but also they don't want to be attacked. You're standing on the stage of the Grammys accepting an award <laughs> where they're saying you're great. Your parents fucking swam here. <laughs> How much quicker? Like, you know, did you want yeah. them to give you this Grammy when you were three? Well, there's also the lack or of these kind of conversations. You know, one of the things that's happening uh, with social media is we're getting with uh, Alan Levinovitz called. Uh, he's a former guest of the podcast who I think is very brilliant. He, he discussed uh, social media interaction as processed information. The same way processed food is bad for you, processed wow. information and processed discourse is bad for you. Wow. I think he's, right? 
Dead on. Dead on. Dead yeah. on. When he said that, I, I I remember I reached out to him after he wrote that. I'm like, come come on here, let's talk. Wow. And and, and, I, and because of that, I feel like that's what's going on with us. Is that we, you know, if you had a disagreement with someone, and you had this three and a half hour conversation with them, where you got to, you know, hash hash this out and talk through it. You probably realize like, oh, this person's a good person. They just want. They want the world to be a better place. They're just coming from a different world. I want to know what world you're coming from or what part of the world. And I want to know what your perspective is. And I want to understand it. And then if I understand it, I can't. And things I disagree with, let me tell you why I disagree with it. Let me tell you what I agree with. Well, I see where you're coming from and, and talk it through. But we're not doing that. We're doing that in these like 240 character chunks and then you're pulling over the side of the road to argue with these 240 character chunks. And it's just a bad way. It's a really shitty, like a, like a marginal, like it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a very like watered down way of communicating. Do you think people have it in them though? Because, or are you coming from a perspective where you're projecting on other people what you yourself have? Because you even, because I'm a comedian, I know that I, everyone knows it now, but it's like you, you can either like, in my opinion, you can either... Uh, act in the principle of interest or in the interest of principle. Mm. And you seemed to always, going back in comedy, you defended comics when it wasn't in your interest and you suffered for it. Like, I didn't. Well, you got banned from the club and, I mean, yeah. I it mean, all now, worked out. Yeah, it did all work out, but at the time, <laughs> I mean... I mean, did you look that far at the time, or was it something I've instinctual? I've got brain damage. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the key. Helped me. I, I don't think about things as much as the average person. I really think that's part of the, what's going on. Right. Like, I think one of the reasons why I've been put in this weird, weird, unique position, if I had to look at it in terms of like the greater plan of the universe, yeah, thank you. I'd be like, let's take this fucking dude who's been hitting the head a bunch of times, doesn't worry too much about shit. <laughs> And also, I've experienced a lot of dangerous, like legitimately dangerous things. I, uh, it's it's uh, it's my position to to talk in a, a you know I, I I I get it. I know that I'm in uh, this weird spot. I know this weird spot's not normal. Do and people I, have that in them though to put self interest aside and, and sort of act in the interest of principle? To do do we all have that in us? Like, where does that courage come from? It's is, possible. Is it just getting hit in the head? Because I'll no, take a few blows no, it's to be a better person. It's possible. I'm joking around about the brain damage. But yeah. I think part of the reason why um, I can do it is because I've gone through weird circumstances in life. Mm -hmm. And and also empathy. I think empathy is something we can never lose. It's one of the most important things for understanding each other. Like the, like the, what I said about the way I look at people, they used to be babies. I look at them that way because of empathy. I don't want to look at him and go, fuck that guy. And I, it's easy to say, fuck that guy, or fuck her, or fuck, fuck that group of people. I don't do it. I don't do it even if they attack me. And one of the reasons why I do is because I think that empathy is one of the most important principles that uh, like reasonable people can embrace. It's not really sewn into the fabric of America, unfortunately. We're kind of more of a rugged individual. I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. I fucking jumped out of the vagina on my own. No help. Came. Yeah. I started a business. I don't need no government teat. Yeah, but that's scared America. Yeah. That's bitch-ass America. You know, I mean, I think uh, the, the, the people that are in a position of power... 
the people that do have the resources and do have the influence, it's your obligation to be empathetic. It's part of what comes with the program. This is what comes with the position. What comes with the, the position of being, whether it's the number one podcaster or the, the president or anything, you have to be empathetic. And when you're not, we, we're furious at you because you're not elevating the culture. You're not elevating the, the, the people. You're not, you're not looking at things from this incredibly privileged stance. You're not acknowledging the fact that you're in a unique position. You're, you're, you're being selfish. You just want to win. You want tiger blood. Right. You want hashtag winning. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great moment. I mean, yeah. It was great in recognizing that you can you can own up to your bullshit. Yeah. And people will like you. Winning. Hashtag winning. Yeah. I mean, so he's still kicking, right? Like, Mm-mm. no big deal. Mm-mm. No, he's in trouble now? No, we played a fucking cameo clip of him the other day. Oof. It's horrible, man. He's yeah. falling apart. Yeah. yeah. He's all, yeah, it's not good. Would you take 97, like, boring years or however many I'll Charlie take, Sheen years? I'll take 30 good ones. Yeah, Charlie Sheen had a good, I don't, he's I don't know a, if he had a good one. No. I don't, I think the Charlie Sheen thing is peripheral. Like, when you're looking at it from the outside, yeah, it looks good, but I think that guy's, like, filled with sadness. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what people, because of uh, the American dream, Somehow we shit on regular people when you don't understand that like famous people and shit like that, they just do normal shit every day. They like if Prince is taking pills and like oh, it's not it's not great. I don't like the way we don't look at nurses and, and teachers. And those are the real heroes. Like, you know, my dad, my dad and my mom and my brother's brain injured. I've spent so much time with people who work with brain injured people and people who uh, who who uh deal with sick people and I did social work for you know five years and it's like those are the people that keep this fucking train moving and because they're not like they don't have a TikTok account or they're not in some fucking dumb show they're overlooked and I, I'm not just saying that it's yeah. like it's the truth it's the truth it's the truth They that's a real job here here cheers to that cheers yeah. to that cheers to them and if you go through stuff you realize like oh the, the, you're doing a real job you're saving people you, you're helping people you're doing what you're saying not being selfish, doing this selfless thing. And like, those are the people that keep this thing going. And they're, they're underappreciated. They're underappreciated in the most massive of all ways. And the, fi- the reason why we don't appreciate uh, teachers or police officers or firemen is because we don't have to. It's because they're, they're just out there doing it. We take them for granted. And it's wrong. You know, it's wrong. And, it's, and it, they're the foundation of our society. You know, so when you see like one bad cop, like in the George Floyd situation, one bad cop becomes defund the police. Like, God damn it. Like that's you. You can't defund the fucking police. Yeah. And you can't defund the teachers and you can't defund the firemen. And you can't defund the nurses. You can't defund the, the, the doctors. We need everybody. We need everybody together. We need more discussions, man. You know, and, and weirdly enough from, you know, um, doing this podcast as a, a joke, you know, just for, for fun and goofs has become like a legitimate place to discuss real issues that resonate with millions of people. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's all the, in a weird way. It's all like, it's, it's like, this is what was supposed to happen. It's like, it, it kind of, it kind of made itself, it gave birth to itself, you know, where, where there was an opening and it realized that there's like, 
things aren't really being discussed in a, a long form, a really nuanced way. What made? But what is it in you though? Because I know the whole vibe of the digital era has been like shorter, 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 quicker, quicker, lower attention span. You probably even got advice like, "Hey, man, that's too long." But you just went, "Hey, let's go three hours. Let's go." Ari four. Shafir and I mean, Ari's I need a bottle to piss in at this point. You can go piss. No, I'm fine. Ari's I, one I of strong. my best friends, but he was always like, "You got to stop. You got to shorten it." Edit it. Yeah. You, you, you need to edit it. I, mean, I still give him shit to this day. It should be less than an hour. I was like, no. He goes, no one's going to listen. I go, then don't listen. So like, it was just something in you. You, you were like, this is what I want to do. I had fear factor money. Right. That was part of it. I was like, I don't care what people listen to. Right. You don't have to listen. I, right. I, I was happy if 200 people, like the first broadcast me and Red Band did, I think there was like 200 people listening. I was like, good. 200 right. is perfect. I don't care. Right. I don't do it because I want a lot of people. And that's the weirdest thing about it all, that it's become the number one show in the world. Right. I, I, I didn't do it because I wanted it to become right. the number one show in the world. I right. did it because I, I just did it. Like I, I think this this world needs more of this. They, they, in Whether you agree with me or disagree, whether you fucking hate me or love me, we need more people talking about shit. We need and, and to figure it out. And that's one of the problems with banning Parlor or Gab or Mines or any of these fucking places. Like, we need more people talking about shit. And if you think that people shouldn't be calling for the death of politicians, I agree with you. They shouldn't be. But you should tell them that. Right. But it's hard to do it digitally. It's hard to do it with typing and text and 140 characters or 240 or 280, whatever the fuck it is. Right. It's not the way to do it. Right. We need to do it by talking in person, person to person. Yeah. But it's it's the weirdest thing that like the best way to distribute it is have two people talking person to person and just broadcast it to everybody. Right. You don't have to cut to any commercial breaks yes. or you know, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, pe the people are struggling to adapt. This era is here. It's here. So it's, it's like here. your podcast is sort of uh it's like uh the progenitor of this era. It's like you can continue to, you know, to play that, you know, uh, commercial break, pithy, hey, public relations, but this is here that shows what's behind, what real people are like and what real conversation is like. And it's like, it's a threat to that system because that system is from a different time before we had this technology. And now this technology is here. It's not going anywhere. They're doing smoke signals. Yeah, man. They hate 4K, but they're doing smoke signals. I mean, it's just like... People need to talk things through. And it's not that there's not a place for those other things like late night talk shows or any of those things. There's a place for that. There's them. always a place for carpool karaoke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, somebody lip sings their song on the radio in a Kia. Yeah. Yeah. But if you had that guy and he did a podcast. Yeah. It would, would, how, how would that go? It probably wouldn't go great. Why? It's, not, it's like a, a person who's like really into like fucking mall karate yeah. fighting in the UFC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it appears to be real, but it's not. Yeah. And people are starting to get tipped off to that because everything's been stripped away. And it's, uh, you know, people are seeing people for who they are in, in a format like this. And it's, yeah. that's why when that whole debate thing came up, when uh, I think it was Tim Kennedy, that I listened to that episode. I happen to listen. I love Tim Kennedy. I think he's, yeah, I liked him as a fighter. I just like him. And uh, I listened to that episode and I was like, fuck, I was like emotionally moved by that episode and uh, that call to be like, hey, let's do this here yeah. in three, four hours. 
fucking let's get to know these people. That time is coming. You can't go. That's coming. Whether it happens here or somewhere else, it's like the the people want to hear. If you're going to be president of the United States, and if we continue to evolve and we go on that hope train, it's like you're going to want to know a presidential candidate who they are for three, four hours in a row without like, all right, or I, more. Stop, stop, yeah, or more, fucking ten hours. Why not? Yeah, you know, when make it a fucking when, Dane, when Dane Lincoln, Cook set. <laughs> 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 when Lincoln was running for president, he would give these town square speeches that would go on for hours and hours. It's kind of wild how advanced things got that it's kind of coming, coming back, back like the live performance is now yeah. the coveted thing because screens are everywhere and that's the special thing now that like TV used to be like, oh, you're on TV. Now you're on TV. You're like fucking nobody's watching. But like if you go to do a live show, that's special. Also that like everything is like curated and everything is uh, filtered and censored and gone through a series of executives and producers and networks. But some things aren't, and people gravitate towards those things that aren't. Because that, now it exists. Well, it's also like the good and the bad. It's like it, at least it's not full of shit. Right, right. At least there's not someone who's trying to lie to you because they have like some sort of a, you know, some vested interest in, you know, uh, pushing some special interest group's narrative. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and that wasn't really exposed. That was sort of seen as... Reality. Yeah. That's come crumbling down. Maybe maybe we're having a hard time adapting to I mean, it's just power the digital revolution is powerful. It's uh it's something we're struggling to adapt to. Yeah. And people are starting to believe that their avatars are real and their online personas are real where none of it is real. Like you said, when you sit down with that same I remember one time this dude I was do I was going to do shows in Philly and he wrote the most horrible thing about me. And I just DM'd him and I was like do you fucking hate me like that? He's like, nah, man, I love you. I, I'm going to the show. And I'm like, so why did you say that? What, the? what did he say? He what was like say? calling me a liberal cuck and like, I hate you. You're a liberal? Yeah, he was just, I, mean, I lean left, yeah. But, but you're a cuck? Yeah, he was calling all the, and he got personal. I don't remember exactly, but he like cursed me out and I DM'd him. And yeah, he was like, I love you. I think the move is to lean left with strength. I think everyone should be center and lean left or lean right the way it yeah. used to be. Yeah. I think leaning left with strength is good because you lean left because you love, because you care. Like when, when I endorsed Bernie, when, when I had Bernie on my podcast and he was like, uh, I, I want people to be absolved of their student loan debt. I want people to not have to worry about medical bills. I want people to not have to worry about being able to make a living. I want people to not have to worry about feeding their family. I'm like, who the fuck doesn't? Right. Give me a hug. Right. But then you have to reconcile that with the reality of like, hey, that's coming out of somebody else's pocket. And, you know, you don't want to. You know, Whose pocket? People like me? I'll give it to you. Right. I don't care. Right. It's like how many people have too much? But you're, you're exemplary in that way. Other people are hiding their money and fucking. I have brain damage. Yeah. Well, that's a and good I thing. I do mushrooms. I yeah. But I mean, like, <laughs> if you look at why Greece collapsed, it's because everyone wanted the benefits of socialism, but nobody yeah. wanted to pay for it, especially at the top. They go hide their money and yeah. they, you know, it's, that's the thing. It's human nature. That greed that we got to kind of conquer, like. You know, that's what it is. Like, socialism is a beautiful idea. It works as a temp, as a temperant. It works as, like, to counter capitalism and control it a little bit. And that's the other thing is people like, fuck socialism. It's like, dude, we already live in a mixed economy. Right. Well, we live in socialism because the fire department is socialist. Right. Right? I mean, it is. Like, Social security. Yeah. Your parks, your police But the officers. fire department is my favorite example. Because, like, if you had to pay 
to have the fire department come to put the fire out in your fucking home and to save your family. Like, good Lord. Right. Like, the, the fire department is my favorite because the fire department is, like, often ignored and underappreciated. And, and I have many friends that are fire, fire department employees. And, and like, uh, going back to the 90s, there's a friend of mine that I uh, used to play pool with. His name was Ray the Fireman. That's what we used to call him. In the, the 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 pool hall and executive billiards, he, he you can't you, you got to pay for that. Yeah. How does it get paid? Yeah. We all agree. We right. all agree. Uh, if you give a certain percentage of your check to make sure that fires are put out so that everyone's house doesn't burn down, we all agree. Yeah. We we need to look at that in terms of education, in terms of healthcare. In terms of, but we also need to realize that people are fucking lazy and people are weak, and we need to force them to get the fuck up and go. It doesn't mean that you know, when you support socialist ideas, it doesn't mean that you don't support people that like. You need to have discipline. We need to enforce that. You, Both things can exist simultaneously. Absolutely, yeah. Do you think? Um, do you think if? Everyone saw where their taxes were going. Like if there was a system where you could see, like you could vote on, these are the taxes we're paying. Instead of the government making a decision or passing these million page bills where they sneak things in, is like the people had control of like this. My money's going to the schools. This is going to infrastructure. This is going to the police department. This is going. If you could see that, more people taxes wouldn't be as maligned as they are. It's like a bad word to say taxes. Republicans have really capitalized on that like keep more of your money but it's like hey what if like the school system is great and we all chip in and you could see that your money was going towards that and everyone was chipping in for that if you could talk to a man who's on his deathbed who's dying you have a a, a million dollars in the bank and you go where do you want it to go do you want the world to be a better place or do you want to have a gold casket Leona Helmsley set, left it to her cat. Really? <laughs> yeah, she left it to her cat. <laughs> <laughs> really? I think she did. I mean, you could double check me on that, but I'm almost positive. That's probably because a lot of guys fucked her over. Yeah. That's bad men. Yeah. Or, yeah, she just had an un... She was just a bitch, maybe. She had a short haircut. Yeah. Yeah. I got a real mean insight into why women cut their hair short when they get older. What if is I that? say it, people will hate me. But I'll say it. I think older women cut their <laughs> hair short because if you notice, it's sort of an older, as women get older, they cut their hair shorter and shorter because they don't want to have like a guy in a bar see them from the back with long hair and be like, who's this? And then they turn around and it's like, I'm a wit. You know, I'm 80. <laughs> <laughs> That's when, I, when I first moved but to it's Hollywood funny. in 1994, I was dating this girl who was bald. She shaved her head. She was crazy. She's from Norway. She was a singer. And she was really interesting. And uh, the, I, I was like 27 at the time. And, you know, she was my age, but she was more advanced. She was a really interesting person. But I remember we, we would go out to dinner and she'd wear a wig and shit. And we would like smile and laugh. And it didn't work out. But I remember thinking like, this lady is so powerful. She shaved her fucking head. And she, sh she, was, she was so smart. But for whatever reason, like where we, I was and where she was, it was incompatible. She wasn't a Hasidic 
Jew or anything. Right? <laughs> Jews from Norway. Oh, yeah. They don't have, they that, have yeah. those? I don't think so. Because no. they shave it and then wear a wig. Why did she wear the wig then if she chose to shave For fun. It? Yeah. 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 She, but she shaved her head on purpose. Yeah. She had a tattoo on her back that was like a demon. Uh-huh. And I go, why do you have a demon? She goes, it protects me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but we, we only hung out for a little while. I dated her for like a couple of months. But I, I remember thinking like, wow, it's like really unique to meet this person. Yeah. Because she decided that like societal norms of like long, beautiful. She never wore makeup, but she was fucking stunning. She was beautiful. She had a perfect body. She was a, she was a beautiful woman, but she just decided she wasn't playing these games. It's like Rosa, Rosa, Nana. The... No, not really. Well, she shaves her head. Yeah, yeah. she's kind of a knucklehead. But she's a, she's cute though. She I mean, is. she's cute. She yeah. is cute. She's cute. Yeah. Even with the shaved hat, yeah, she's yeah. A, got a hot face. That's girl... something hot about a chick who's hot like that, but also like fucking can whoop ass like that. Yeah, yeah. This girl was like weird. She was weird, but I remember meeting her. I'm like, I feel like I was supposed to meet you. And that was it. It was short lived and it didn't last. You know, for whatever reason, I'm me going and back her, to and her and me. No, she stayed around. Yeah, I remember she came to the comedy store uh, like a year later with a, a new guy. And uh, this they, is Sven. And she was pregnant. Ooh, yeah. Norwegians are interesting because they uh, recently got rich from their oil money and so they're really? kind of like nuevo rich yeah they got tons their government's really they have like a fund where they um they don't spend all the money it's almost like they know it runs out and they have like a government has like a fund where they put all their oil money in there because they're oil rich that's what made them rich they were like a weird oh. people living over there and then they got rich they were always fucked with by the swedes and now it's funny because now the swedes go to norway to work because it's so rich so I used to have a joke when I would go over there and perform where I would say like the Swedes because they go work in like the bar industry and the service industry and then go back to Sweden because they made so much money. And I always said the Swedes were like the Mexicans in Norway. Ah! <laughs> they just came back and sent money to their family in Sweden. You used to perform in Norway? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I used to go there like once a year to Norway and Sweden and, uh, and perform in Scandinavia. Really? I was like a boy band. Yeah. I would like go and do stand up over there before. you were a boy band like cause boy band you know like boy bands go to Europe first and they're like bye 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 and then they come over here and fucking bye 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 <laughs> all the boy bands they send them to Europe first and then they get big there cause if you're American like I was nobody I mean I still am but like back then I was like nobody but when you go they're like you're American you must be great and I'd be like yeah you know I'm one of the best comics and they don't you know they just go he's American he must be great that's hilarious. Yeah, so I've been to Bergen. Bergen is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. It rains like most of the year, but it's one of the most beautiful cities I've ever seen. It's called Bergen? Bergen, Norway. That sounds like New Jersey. It could be. I think there is a Bergen, New Jersey. Bergen County. Yeah, it's the opposite of New Jersey. New What's Jersey, it like over there? It's there. They're a beautiful people. I don't know if it's because they were doing eugenics or whatever, especially in Sweden. <laughs> I think that's the dirty secret of Sweden. It's like if you were ugly, they're like, okay, this one goes. But this one go into basket. Yeah, we're putting him here. And uh, they're beautiful. Swedes are beautiful Viking people. Is that it, Jamie? Yeah, it's gorgeous. I ate whale there. You ate a whale? I ate whale there with uh, Magnus How much Petnir. of a whale? Magnus Bettner, he's like a big uh, Swedish comic. And in Norway, it's weird because Look they- Look at those houses. They're, they're like so Nazi-like. They are. They're, they're all like, the same. 
Yeah, well, they're you know found they're all Germanic tribes, but these are like the good Germans, the Norwegians and Swedes. Look, we have red. Next is yellow. Ten Next yellow. is red. Next Ten is white. white. Yeah, welcome to Norway. Yeah, purple roof. Here's some herring for breakfast. <laughs> they're uh, they're smart. They're advanced. It's clean. They speak four languages. You four. Go and, they speak like. English, English uh, you know, Swedish or Norwegian, which is the same language like the Norwegian. The Norwegians can understand the Swedes. The Swedes struggle to understand the Norwegians. But uh, yeah, in Denmark, Sweden, and Norway, it's the same language, but it's different. They can, like, neither one of them, the Norwegians and Swedes can't understand um, the Danish, but the Danish can understand the Norwegians and Swedes. It's bugged out. They're bugged out. They're all kind of, they share a history. And then the Finns are like different. They have a different language that's not based on, uh, what is it, Indo-Hungarian or whatever. And they're like four blocks away. They're like right there. Weird. <laughs> and like the Finns are like these weird blonde people with Mongolian, they like have Asian eyes, but they're like blonde. It's because they're like, I think they were Mongolian that came over and they mixed with the Germanic tribes. They're bugged out. But they're like the smart, they have the best school system in Finland. They don't have grades. They have like four-day School days, ha- they like they, 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 the kids don't have homework, and they're like the smartest. No homework is yeah, no awesome. Homework. Yeah. That's the way. When you're a kid, you hate homework. What the fuck is homework? It's bullshit. They're trying to get you into a cubicle. Yeah. They're trying to get you into a spot. Yeah. Stay here. Yeah. Keep working. Yeah. No sleep. Yeah, it's... It's that's another thing that's antiquated. Even, even the five-day work week, why? Why? Yeah, it used to be seven. Right. And then they, 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 I would give them two Why days. Why eight hours a day? Why? One third of your fucking day? Yeah. And then you have commuting. So that's two hours up and back. So you have like, what, six left? And then you go to sleep? No good. Ugh. Yeah, and in Scandinavia, they, you know, I think in France now it's a four-day work week. Like, I think it would be good for the economy because then you have more money to spend. And, sort of, but yeah. they can't compete with us. No. When was the last time you saw a great... French comic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. They have their own scene where they take our jokes and then perform them in French. Yeah, and they know it. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Good they, luck, fuckface. They love their culture. They got good stuff. They got good cheese and stuff. Great bread. Yeah. I remember this one bartender in Brooklyn. This this pissed me off. She was, this was a French thing. She was French, and it was a French restaurant. I went in, and I was like, I was in love with uh, du- Duval. You know that, like, beer? Duval, Duval. So it's no. du- I called it Duval because I'm an American idiot, according to her. So I went in and I was like, can I have a Duval? And she went, quoi? And I went, uh, Duval, you know, the beer. And she did like the what? Like seven times. And then she went, oh, you mean Duval. And I was like, you made me do that, you bitch. Because I was pronouncing was it wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. What did you call it? I called it a Duval. Hmm. But it's called Duval, according well, to her. it's spelled Duval. Yeah. So I don't know what the fuck is wrong with you. <laughs> Is it good? It's really good, man. Yeah? It's really good. Better than Budweiser? I doubt it. Uh, yeah. Budweiser gets warm. It tastes like piss. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm fucking... Duvel's taste like when it's warm? Good point. Yeah, good point. <laughs> I, haven't tr- I haven't tried it warm. Probably shit, too. We used to always hear that about like European beers. They liked it warm. They drink it warm, I think, sometimes. Oh, that's why they didn't succeed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's better cold. Let's be honest. Yes, yeah. Yeah. most things are, mm-hmm. except for fucking. It's good when it's a little sweaty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want cold beer in like 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 cold fucking. 
No. No. You want to be cozy fucking. Yeah. 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 Cold beer and warm fucking. Yeah. (laughs) Cold beer and warm fucking. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Duvel. Yeah. Well, they just live in cold up there. I mean, it's like... No sun. Highest suicide rate, I think, is like one of those countries, Finland, Sweden, or Norway, up in the north. They got a weird tribe of people called the Sami people, or Sami, Sami, and they're just like native. They have their own world up there. Nobody goes up there, and... They're like a tribal people. They still <sighs> live off the land. That's sad. Yeah. Anytime someone doesn't want to come into your neighborhood, that's not good. No. What do you mean? Like them coming down? Or th- us coming there. Yeah. But then it, don't we fuck up their shit? Fuck How up so? Th- they live in terrible places. Yeah. Warm beer and cold fucking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> try Chick-fil-A. It's great. Have, have, we good. should we should go to Scandinavia. Be like, have you tried the fucking Chick Fil A chicken Chick-fil-A sandwich? Chick Fil A is so good. We tolerate them being closed on Sunday. It's so good, and we tolerate that them they're not a, for gay marriage because that I chicken know. sandwich is so gay good. people eat Chick Fil A. You can't help it, dude. It's so good. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. The right amount of buffalo sauce. What is that? It's the buffalo sauce. Can't lay off buffalo sauce. Is that what it is? I'll fucking eat buffalo sauce on a boot. I don't care. But it's a weird thing. It's like we know that they're like super religious to the point where they close down on Sunday. I'm like, whatever. Like whenever I drive by Chick-fil-A on Sunday, I'm like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Can't get in there. Yeah. Because they're like, is that because they're religious? Or? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. They're le- legitimately the only fast food, like major fast food chain that's closed on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to all those fundamentalist Christians? Remember that was like the big, they were big. Are they still big? Joel Olstein's big. I mean, that kid does arenas. Arenas. Yeah. He's like you in the religious world. He's killing it. Yeah, he's fucking killing, killing it. the game. Yeah. <laughs> His material's a little stale, but he's fucking killing it. Doesn't have to be good. Yeah. He's just like filling It's not a lot of competition. Right. Like right. Imagine if comics started doing religious shit, like comics start doing arenas. Comics do do arenas. Might be like like religious arenas. Oh, there we big. took over. Yeah, he, yeah. He we just... started doing both stand up, do arenas in a day for Jesus, <laughs> night for dick jokes. Yeah, well, yeah. But that's the problem. It's a, it's like it's a, a, a an art form that's underrepresented by talented people. Which, which one? The 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 religious fundamentalist religion. Yeah, it's just an art form. Right. It's just a, it's a, you know, you're getting people, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus wants you to succeed. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. And so many people, like, they want happiness. They want success. They want redemption. They want all those things. Yeah. And you should, they should be able to do that. I think mediums, too. Like, if you believe that, if you believe John Edward can speak to your dead relatives, why yeah. are we being mean to John Edward? That's a skill. He has an earpiece in. He does have an earpiece in, yeah. <laughs> and he does the, I love that. The cold reading is like, is anyone here? Did anyone have a John? A J? J? Someone's like, yeah. It's like, what? You can talk to dead people, but it's like a bad connection? What do you have, like Metro PCS? Ah. He's better than Metro PCS. Yeah. Yeah. If you can pull it off. Get your money, Long yeah. Island Medium. Yeah. She crushes. Who's that? You don't know uh, the Long Island Medium? Oh, I do. Yeah. I was I was in a, a place in Vegas, and I looked at the, like the, the, the schedule for the future, yeah. and the Long Island Medium was like two weeks later. I was like, what? <laughs> she crushes. She's big. 
She had a show, and she's just like a housewife in New Jersey who speaks to dead people. Mm, does she really? Of course not. Of course not. Of course not. There she is. Look at her hair. Oh, my God. I'm from Long Island. Look at that fucking hair. Yeah. Jesus Christ, look at that hair. It's like she wants you to know she's full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Teresa Caputo. Teresa you Caputo. You can't make this stuff up. Yeah. Go back to that. What, what was that? <laughs> make that bigger so my fucking old, read. I don't know. old eyes can read it. What does it say? In case anyone is interested in reading about the live experience. I think these are uh, oh, fan. fan testimonial. Topics. Oh, God yeah. damn it. You can't make this stuff up, but you can. You totally can. <laughs> you can make a lot of shit up. Go to the photos. I want to see the people that believe. Show me. Yeah, there you yeah, go. There you yeah, go. that girl yeah. in the lower right. The girl in the upper right, rather, with the blue dress. Yeah. She believes. She believes. Of course she does. <laughs> that guy in the middle... Go like above. These are appearances. So she I understand. Okay. That guy. Of course he believes. He wants to fuck her. Yeah. He wants to fuck her right in the hair. <laughs> he wants to fuck her hair. Keep going. <laughs> Scroll down. It looks like she has an animal on her head. Oh, my God. It's a, it's an alien. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that guy. That's that Steve Harvey. Yeah, that's me. These are all TV uh, show appearances. She's massive. These are not fan, fan. She's big. <sighs> that would be funny if she really, like, if God chose her. Right. Yeah, that would be funny. Yeah. But probably not, right? No, probably not, yeah. Yeah, probably full of shit. You ever see that documentary about the guy who tried to prove those guys wrong and did it? Oh, what's it? He, oh, God, it's such a good documentary. Fuck. It's, it was on Netflix for a while. And he actually was fam- It was the great... His, he was a guy like Darren Brown. You ever heard of that guy, Darren Brown? I've had him on. Yeah, who like proved that it was wrong. But he did it before Darren Brown. And like the biggest medium at the time, he f- called him out for being full of shit. He went in, he had like a team of guys going and they caught the radio waves of them oh. and totally called them on their bullshit. The Great Something. His name was like The Great Something. I can't remember. It's an amazing documentary. It's sad. Yeah. People, people want to be manipulated. They, reality is kind of like, uh, reality's full of pain. People don't want it. They want to believe that. Their relatives are talking to them, watching over them. Their dog is galloping yeah. in heaven. Their you know? dog is galloping. Galloping in heaven. in heaven, yeah. That is what they want. Yeah. Maybe maybe your dog is. Maybe our you know. Or maybe your dog is now a butterfly. Yeah. Worm food. And then we continue on. Uh, or your dog is now your baby. Yeah. Comes back, the spirit comes back as <laughs> <laughs> People step on ants, you come back as an ant. Yeah. It goes on forever and ever and ever. There's got to be a finite amount of energy. Maybe maybe reincarnation is true. Well, the weirdest, the weirdest description of uh, life uh, I ever read was this guy was descri- describing how you live the same life over and over and over again until you get it right. And I brought it up to my daughter the other day, and she was angry. She was like, I don't want to do this. I go, wait a minute, stop. Do you not love your life? She goes, I do. I go, do you not love your family? She goes, I do. Do you love your friends? She goes, I do. But I think, I go, but wouldn't you want to just keep going? And she was like looking at me like, what if you had to do this over and over and over again until you got it perfect? It's not possible. Well, you do you say this because of the life you're living right now, the times you know you ratted out your sister, 
times, you know, you lied about like, like using your phone, the times you lied about, you know, what, whether or not you were paying attention to doing Zoom classes at school. Is that what it is? Or like if I had to live this life over and over and over and over again to, for infinity, would I be upset? Don't I enjoy this? Like, why am I worried about living it forever and ever? But I think for a lot of people, that's more disturbing than this life ending. If it didn't end, it would have no meaning. Nothing would have any meaning. What has meaning right now? I don't know. I mean, death kind of gives everything meaning because... Is it really? It, it makes it, it special. I mean, uh. imagine if I was like, hey, if I don't see you tomorrow, I'll see you in the next million years or trillion or infinity. Everyone's afraid to die, but no one's afraid to sleep. Yeah, they're Nas, right? Sleep is the cousin of death. <laughs> I don't sleep. It's the <laughs> when I had COVID, I was scared to sleep. I developed some weird fear of sleeping that I and I wasn't sleeping. I had to take I took How long did this me. COVID thing last for you? It was like three weeks. Three, three weeks? weeks. Three weeks. Yeah. Wow, Jamie got over it in a day. He's got superior genes, man. Young he Jamie's fine. Crushed it. Yeah. I yeah. I, Jamie thought he had like a, an allergy. Yeah. Yeah, mine was three weeks. Mine was like, uh, it was bad. The, I had like the GI version, so it got in my GI tract, and the diarrhea was legendary. <laughs> <laughs> I was like on the toilet. Like, Do you feel like overall, though, the experience of getting through it has like made you like better? I do. I do. It humbled me. It... Uh, it made me appreciate health in a way that I've never before appreciated it. Where it's like, that's all I, I remember saying to myself, I would give up anything to just be healthy and be with my wife and my daughter. They're my life and that's all I care about. And that was something for a comic. Yeah, I, comics are, we're just like these damaged narcissists that always think about ourselves. And uh, that is a really beautiful thing that I think came out of it was like, the only thing I cared about during that whole thing was like getting back to my wife and daughter. And now it's stuck with me. Like I don't, I think even doing this massive show, I would be like a lot more nervous. And, I, and now I'm like, this is the greatest thing. This is the comics jewel now to sit down with Joe and fucking talk. And this is great. This is one of the best experiences of my life. But being with my daughter and my wife is just like nothing. I just want to be with my daughter. And it was because some of that was like COVID kicking my ass, being like, I just want to feel healthy to get back with my family, and that, and that has that's still there, and I don't think it'll ever go. Don't you think that's awesome? It's amazing. Th that's the best thing about overcoming adversity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It makes you stronger. It does make you stronger. It humbles you, and through that humility, you 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 do grow empathy. You grow sympathy. You see yourself critically. Like I was calling all my friends and apologizing. I was, I, I, and that made me scared to him. I, I was like, am I losing it? Like, because I needed to call everyone. Because I started to become like this really closed person. And like that, I wasn't talking to anyone. And, you know, and uh, it really, it really opened me up to like uh, just being uh, more open and connecting with people and just not, it just changed me. It totally changed me to be a better person, for sure. That's what we should all hope for. Everyone should get COVID. Bad, <laughs> bad case. <laughs> but, like, things that, like, challenge you. Yes, right? yes. 100%. 100%. Mm. 
the the scariest things, facing your fears, the things that uh, hurt you the most that you get through. It's a cliche, but what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Is just it's just fucking true. It's just a true thing, and you almost don't become a better person unless you have adversity. There's no. It's like how good would Muhammad Ali be if he didn't have the Rumble in the Jungle or Frazier? Would he be the great? You know, if yeah. he was just mowing everyone down. That's the thing about Khabib. You're like, did he face someone? He mowed everyone down, and that's yeah. I mean, but he mowed the, down the best. Of the he best. Mowed, he, made, he mowed down the best. Connor fought him after a two-year layoff. He was kind of boozing a little bit, right? Like, if you think Connor was in the flow, you think he would have maybe had better takedown defense? Maybe would have. He won a round. Nobody's ever done that. I want to see one more fight between them. Well, the kid, he was retired. I know. He's done. I know. Do you think that eats Connor up? Like, he just. Maybe, but it's supposed to eat him up. I mean, he's going to level Dust. I mean, he's going to level him. Who knows? I mean, the kid's a good striker. Dustin might crack him. He's got to get hold of him, or I don't know. He's got a good chin too, Connor. The only thing is he gasses. He gasses. Well, know. he gasses because he sprints. Like his his whole style is explosive. Right. His whole style is like just darting on you with like like explosive, fast twitch muscle fiber. You know, really fast punches and kicks, and just tries to end you quick. You know, that's the the beautiful thing about like balance. Like, you hit the gas quickly, you don't have it at the end. Yeah. That's, uh, there's no yin without a yang. For every strength, there's a weakness. MMA is, that's what makes MMA so dope. You're watching two dudes, you're like, this guy's strong here, striking. This guy's good yeah. at grappler. This guy's good at jujitsu. This guy's. That's why it's analogous to life. It's like the, the, there's a thing that makes it, uh, it, it you can you reference all of the various aspects of any kind of discipline where it's like a really difficult struggle. You could reference those and use those as a, an example for life. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe the world in America is the way that it is now is because people, a lot of people are not having kids. The people on the coast especially are waiting till they're like 60 to have kids. And like, they're not going, they're so comfortable in the city. They don't have to, their food's just right there in the supermarket. They're avoiding struggle. There's just no struggle. They're scared. Parents struggle. are paying for their rent. They're living their dream. Oh, parents paying for your rent. Oh, so dangerous. Do you think it would be better? Here's my idea. You tell me, Joe, what you think about this. If this was my political platform. Because so many people with dreams come to cities and gentrify cities. Don't you think there should be like a dream police where we like we hire a bunch of people from that city, like lower, you know. Isn't that a police song? Huh? The dream police women inside of your head. Isn't that? I don't know. Sorry. But then, like, you get like five years. If you're going to be a comic or an actor or a writer, you get like five years. And if you don't make it, then we hire like a bunch of like uh, underprivileged kids to just beat the shit. <laughs> <laughs> Like, just jump them one night. Yeah, but there's some people that, like, they get through five years and they figure it out. I know. They figure out what they're doing wrong and then they, 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 they rise. But too late. You met yeah, your five-year quota. Now we got... Because that keeps the dream train moving, you know? Yeah, but the dream train can't have that because everybody's perspective is different. Yeah. The place they're coming to it from is different. You know, some people, it takes them 10 years and then they rise. Yeah. It's like we don't we don't want to deprive people of certain folks. All right, well I'll remove it from my platform then. I was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a you you can't put a timeline on evolution. Yeah, you know it's like 
some thing you know chimps are still around so are people yeah chimps are starting to use rocks and tools you know there's a a lot of anthropologists that think that uh primates are in the stone age right now i saw a video of them one fishing or some shit like spear fishing right yeah an orangutan yeah yeah it's bugged out yeah it's, it's crazy yeah hanging onto a branch yeah spearing fish yeah it's weird that's us that's it, us like uh you know million years ago whatever and when you look at some of those tribes that they just like the brazilian uh rainforest still has like those indigenous tribes and it's like go, it's like looking back in time yeah it's in wild. a lot of ways but maybe better because they they don't have the distractions they do, they, they they don't have a lot of the bullshit and they're they're doing ayahuasca you know like you know like merging with each other yeah on these you know monthly rituals they're getting together and then and they didn't they're not trying to hide from death you know yeah i'm scared of that stuff i'm scared of a loss of control who isn't yeah we all are that's why like i'm scared of drugs and shit i'm like what I, drugs are you scared of all of them i'm just all don't them? yeah i don't want to feel anything i don't want to feel like oh my god i'm not in control you smoke pot no mm. <laughs> what about mushrooms no i did mushrooms once and i just remember i was running around going where is the script where is the script? That's Everyth what you're saying? Yeah, everything felt scripted. I was going, where is the script? What do you mean? I just remember feeling like uh, things were fake. It wasn't real. And I heard, like, my, one of my friends, it just felt like a play. That's probably life. Yeah. It exact felt same like... same experience my first time mushrooms, too. Really? We all thought script? everyone was here for us. We we're like, thank you for showing up to our movie. That's exactly how yeah, I felt. 100%. Yeah. Really? Yeah, and I was running around saying that, and people were going like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there's a script. Where's the script? Oh, I never had that. Have you ever had a bad trip? Oh, yeah. 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 Most of the times I smoke pot. So why do you continue to do it if it's I bad? I force bad trips. You're a beast. I don't want any. I don't want anything to do with that. I'd be like, "Mommy, I'm scared enough. I, I Turn like it off." Him. I like being scared. Yeah, I do. I I, I like uh, I like uh, the being like super paranoid. Oh like, my god, I get worried about my sanity when that. I happens. do too. Yeah, I do too. I like it. Why? Because I worry. About, I I think that like there's a a real. I know I've gone through it before. The first couple of times, I probably didn't like it. But I know that now I've been through it, and I know on the other end I'm going to learn something about myself, what, why I'm scared, what I'm worried about. Like the, the only way to really find out what you're worried about, especially if you're a protective person who's like, uh, you know, your, your ego is strong, and you know, you you think about yourself in a certain way, you got to obliterate that. And the best way to obliterate that for me is like a bad trip, wow. you know, because where you, you get on the other end of it and you go, okay, I'm sorry. Like I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be a better person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's. <laughs> it's a scary thing that you always survive. You always survive. Like I know when I'm getting into it that it's scary, but I also know that I'm most likely gonna survive. So I just breathe and just get through it. Yeah, and then I learn something on the on the other end. Breathing is a big part of it. When you get scared, you stop breathing. It's funny. Breathing is huge. Six seconds in. Hold it. Six seconds out. Yeah. When I was trying to get my heart rate down after I was panicking with COVID, that's what I was doing. I was doing through the nose, holding it, and then letting it out. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing it with you now. <laughs> just keep, just go six in, six out. It really turns out to be five seconds. You count to six, but you're a bitch, so you really, you're really getting five seconds in <laughs> and a six-second count. <laughs> That's how I think about myself. When I'm nervous about things, I go six in, six out, and it turns out to be like generally about five seconds. Navy SEALs can probably hold it for a long time. Oh, yeah, you yeah. have to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anybody who's a free diver, or, you know, all that stuff is just about control. It's about controlling your 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 anxiety and your fear, you know. But you you concentrate on your breathing instead of concentrating on your worries and your your fears, and you you can get through it. Yeah, you always do. That's the thing about anxiety. Yes. It always it it feels like it's gonna stay, but it always goes. That's why I like bad trips. Because you know it's going to end. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, I feel in the middle of it, this is terrifying, but on the end, I'm going to learn something. I'm going to have a, a, I'm gonna have a, a revelation. What was your worst trip? <laughs> You've probably had a bunch, yeah. I've had a lot. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, just fearful, just worried about them, that I'm going to die without being a good person, that I'm going to die without reaching my potential. That I've, I've uh, stumbled so many times, I'll never recover. You know, all those things. That that who who I know I can be, I will never reach. You know that uh, all the times I've been mean or uh, dismissive, or that there's just like I've set out ripples in a negative way that I I can't bring back. Right. That, that I can't recover from. Well, that's part of growth, though. You can't. Nobody's perfect. Except Jesus. <laughs> and that's why I'm really here. Guys, Jesus is the way. Dude, we're like four hours and 20. How many minutes in? Yeah, 3.42. Oh, that's why I can't feel 342? my legs. 3.42? Yeah. Cuomo vows New York will legalize adult-use recreational cannabis. Oh, wow. Look at that. Wow. Cuomo must have fucking eaten an edible. Yeah. <laughs> Realized. He probably had a bad trip and realized exactly what... We've been talking about he fucked up. Yeah, I mean the whole gambling marijuana. What's that? Gambling and weed in like a week. In a week, they got to do basically. something. Well, they, that's the best way to bring back the economy. Got to. That's actually very wise of him. Yes. If that fucking dipshit Newsom would realize the same thing, I you want to bring back California, fuckface? You know you fucked up, French Laundry boy. <laughs> You got to do it. Legal weed. Legal and, weed and prostitution. Legal weed is already a thing in California. They need to bring back the cannabis. Why, and, uh, the why gambling. not prostitution? Why not tax, like make it legal and tax. Or yeah. make gold digging illegal. You're going to be honest. <laughs> I mean, right? you got to respect those ladies. That's a job. It is Fucking a job. Fucking someone you don't want to fuck. Yes. And all the maintenance to look good and yes. get your tits done. That's a job. Yes. Maybe they should be taxed on their whatever their stipend is, their weekly stipend. No. No. No, they should be they should be free. Free yeah. to commit gold digging. <laughs> but we have to recognize that gold digging is not that much different than pros prostitution. Very it's similar. It's legal prostitution. Yeah. If you see a dime and she's with Rupert Murdoch, yeah. you're like, hmm. 
but you need to pull her aside and interrogate her. Yeah. Or <laughs> legalize prostitution. Yeah. That's yeah. a prostitute. That's a prostitute. Yeah. Yes. All those girls who fucked Harvey Weinstein, what do you think is going on? Yeah. You think they loved him for his fucking personality and his body? Zero chance. Zero chance. Zero chance. chance. Yeah. I'm no mathematician, but zero chance. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a mathematician either. <laughs> But I'm sensible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's the yeah. same thing. That's why why is same thing. Why is prostitution illegal? It's just, it that, that it just makes no sense. No sense. It no sense. It's one of those things that's you know it's gonna happen. Yeah. It's it's harmless in a lot of ways. It's a choice. Here's it, why. You'd actually make it safer if it was legal. But you don't want your daughter to do it. No. That's why it's illegal. No, I don't. You're like, stop. No. Make it stop. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, it should be legal though. But, you know, it should be discouraged. Same way as being a garbage man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's just no way to get at it. There's just always a, a downside. Yes. Yeah. It's a downside. That's reality. But we need our garbage picked up, and some guys need to come. And you just need, you need, those are needs. They're needs that need to be met. I think the world, there'd probably be less violence if prostitution was legal. And, 100%. Yeah. Guys and get these nuts out. These insecure guys will get these nuts out. Not not just that, but there's a lot of people that just don't have affection and love. And, you know, I mean, there's people that they get paid to sp spoon with people. Yeah. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah, I've seen yeah. that, yeah. How is that legal? Yeah. But, but it's a problem when people come? Right. When's it a problem? When the general... How come it's not a problem when people massage your feet? Right, right. Yeah, you're That's saying if legal? like some, yeah, if like some juice came out of your feet, then it makes it illegal. What's the difference? <laughs> Foot juice. That's a good point, man. That's a very good point. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fucking ridiculous. <laughs> it is. It's like a bunch of nanny people, nanny state. It really so, is. You know, you can't stop prostitution. Shouldn't shouldn't stop anything. And it's marijuana is one of those things you're like, what the fucks took so long for it to be legal? I mean, all the evidence. That's when people get skeptical of the government. They're going, what the fuck, man? Yeah. So I can beat my wife, kill you in a car, uh, you know, decimate my family, yeah. die of liver damage. Yeah. But I, I can't smoke a bowl. You can drink yourself to death. To death. It's Alcohol is a hundred times more dangerous than marijuana. Yeah. Not even the same animal. Yeah. And it's like, that's illegal? It just doesn't make sense. So what's Cuomo's plan? <laughs> I didn't look at a plan. I just saw that they were going to do it. In um, two weeks? No, no, no. I was saying in the last week, they've announced that they're going to legalize gambling. Oh. And also this plan. Though. Well, they need to. That's a good move for him. Especially with the tax base gone. Now all the rich people have, have fled. You gotta... God damn, they fled. That yeah. fucking de Blasio. That fucking dipshit. It's brutal. That's silly, man. Yep. That's a, I didn't think it mattered who the mayor was. I didn't used to think so either. Before, I didn't yeah. think it mattered. But when the shit hits the fan and someone could shut down restaurants, you're like, oh my God, it matters. Yeah. It matters so much. In some ways, it matters more than the president if you live in New York City. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 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 It matters so much. Or if you live in Los Angeles, Garcetti, that fucking New York idiot. needs a Republican mayor. It's a tough money town. Like, that's mm -hmm. what makes... That's the. That's why when AOC was like, and uh, Markakis or whatever his name is, some Greek kid who's a local con councilman, they were like, no Amazon. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? No Amazon. What, what do you think makes a city a city in every... 
throughout history, it's like cities come She's up around not even business. Thirty. It's like, what do you want to do? More nail salons and pizza shops? Like, how are we gonna fucking get jobs here? Yeah. It's the digital age. Yeah. It's like Amazon wants to come. Of course, they get tax breaks. That's why they're fucking coming. Exactly. But do you know what that does for the economy? You dummy. You fucking dummy. Yeah. And she was like, that money could go to stuff. It's like, you don't even understand. Where's the money come from? Where does it come from, dude? Yeah. It comes from Tax the Rich. She sold Tax the Rich sweaters for $58. Yeah. You know that? I didn't know that, but it- You didn't know that? No. She sold sweatshirts. They said tax the rich on them, and they cost 58 bucks. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) But you gotta be rich to buy this. What does a fucking sweatshirt cost without tax the rich on it? It's probably like ten dollars. Yeah. Where's the other forty eight dollars? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny. so fucking dumb. It's so dumb. Yeah. When anyone thinks they have all the answers, that's when you go like, I'm skeptical of that person. Yeah, you should be. Yeah. You should be. Giannis Papas, we just did it. It was a long, long time coming. But yeah. I'm glad. Thank you for having me, man. My I, pleasure, brother. Yeah, Thank you I very really much. appreciate Thank it. Thank you this very much. It was so much fun. It was a lot of fun. Let's hang out tonight. Yeah, man. We'll do it again. Yes, sir. God bless America. God bless the world. Praise Odin. Anything else? No, I, mean, I was going to say those three things. That's a wrap. <laughs> That's Bye, it. everybody.